Talk Brunch. Served hot. Talk Brunch Live. Rick Dower here, a.k.a. Captain Brunch. Being joined as always with co-host Destin Soul Glow Frazier. I mean, at least we had football. <laughs> Write it down. Wow. <laughs> Holy. Wow. That might be a record. That's like a Santino level record right there. And yeah, at least we have football. I don't even really listen and I'm more excited about it. I don't even really watch. But tonight, hopefully we'll be able to talk to you guys about some good wrestling that is out there. Uh, as well as some of the updates to New Japan Pro Wrestling, Wrestle Kingdom, Night 2, New Year's Dash, catch up on some Ring of Honor, huh? Ring of Honor. To my dismay, because George is here, talk about Impact, probably. Do we all, have to, though? All kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, we have to. People hate us if we don't. What, like the two vans they have left? We be I thought it was just George and me when I tune in, and sometimes you. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, you know we're going to have to do all that kind of stuff. As well as going to updates, as you guys heard about the COVID sicknesses and things of that nature, yada, yada, yada. But before we get into all that, I just want to thank everyone who's listening across all platforms. iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, uh, Podcast Addict. Of course, our main branch of TalkBrunch.com, as well as the live video feeds on Twitch.tv slash TalkBrunch and Facebook.com slash TalkBrunch. We're available on all of those podcast apps. If you don't see us on one, just jump to the other. What a way to start off 2021. I thought that there was this agreement that we had. It was to my understanding, unless this was conveyed incorrectly to me. That once it hit January 1st, there would be like this reboot and all of the problems just wouldn't be there anymore. And then we're starting with a new save file. You don't have to be the same class. You don't have to have the same skill tree, hairstyle, anything. If you use a sword, you could have a bow. If you use the bow, you can cast spells. Now, this was supposed to be a save file reboot. At least this was the way it was conveyed to me. Not only publicly, but all over social media, people, I can't wait until... This is this year is over because 2021 is going to be a new, different one. Did you hear these or was it just me? <laughs> no, I heard too. It sounded like it, right? And I always thought about it. And, I, and, and you know, as, as ignorant as I may sound, I was reluctant. I thought, really? Is it worked that way? Like the sooner the counter hit, poof, and we just restart, just reboot, fresh dice, everybody, all across the boards. If you have a bad hand, just put it back in the deck. We're going to reshuffle. But I don't see it, man. I really don't. Seems to me like that was a prelude. Most of the most successful stories are trilogies, right? So, to me, the sequel to 2020 was always going to be 2021. <laughs> so, I see I see it across everything. Here we are, another year, another day, another dollar. Nothing's really changed. And, uh, yeah, that kind of blows my mind. And the things that have changed have been for the worse. And that is especially in what we're seeing in wrestling lately. Oh, it, my God. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. She's right. They see, they call of duty. You, 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 you still have your prestige, but you're back at prestige level one. It's the same shit. It's the same shit. Just, this is like a few months ago when freaking modern warfare knocked everybody back like a hundred levels. You're sitting there like, wait, what the fuck? Like, where's my shit? What? Yeah, no, tell me about it. 
tell me about it. But either way, we are here and I am still happy about that. We're going to start off with fun stuff like we always do. Or at least I think it's fun stuff. I've yet to see this, but whenever I've this person has come across my desk, oh, it, is, it has always been a good time. And it hasn't been very often, to be honest with you. I don't even know if in your tenure here, this person has come up. That's how infrequently they do. It's almost like an eclipse. But when they go into business for themselves with videos, from my experience, I've seen some strange stuff, mainly thanks to Matthew from Pachamania, where I catch these things he's put on there. I'm like, Jesus guy's nuts that being said juventud guerrero yep this is a first for me to my understanding <laughs> as soon as i saw his name drop in the sheets i just laughed i didn't even read the rest i didn't even read a word after juventud guerrero and i was like oh because i've seen him do weird things before where it's been like wow so from what to my understanding uh he put a video out where he was angry that he wasn't invited to the legends night last week i didn't know he qualified as a legend bro. Well, see, that's what I'm telling you. He's crazy. Like, he does crazy shit. Okay. All right. Let me see what we got here. I didn't watch this on purpose. I don't watch any of this on purpose just because I don't know what it is. Hopefully, it's nothing that's too offensive, but. What? What the hell? Are you what? serious? What? It was Monday Night Raw. Really? Really? Are that's you serious? WWE? It was Monday Night Raw. Legends Night. And I didn't get the call. I didn't get the invitation from the WWE. What type of respect is that for the shooting one? What type of respect is that for the man to change the business forever? What type of respect is that? The man to have to give everything in his heart for a second chance. Is that how you treat him? Is that how you treat the shoots? Well, let me remind you something, WWE. I am not that one. I am not the great one. I am the juiciest one. I'm the light and the truth of professional wrestling. I am the missing link. So let's go to change. If you're looking for ratings, bring back the juice. 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 Look, there's a nuclear explosion at the end of that shit. What? The fuck just happened? Well, he was. This was um, the first juice. I've seen some weird stuff for him though. I won't go into it this week, but because I think that was more than than your fill. It's kind of like if somebody you take somebody out drinking for the first night, you don't want them to drink the way you would like if you're a veteran drinker. So I think for people who have just had their first drink of the Hoovy juice, we're just going to have that little bit this week. <laughs> yeah, I told you. I didn't even see that. I, I swear to God, I didn't see that. that. And I had, and I knew, I knew we were going into crazy zone. It's never just been just normal. Like, all right, well, that was Hoovy's perspective. It's always been something that's been like that. So two things. One, I wonder if he's aware that at this point, if especially with even older fans if they're not bringing back the whole mexicals they're not bringing you back and two the fuck don't what like i wonder if he's realized like if they're not bringing back the whole mexicals they're really not reaching to bring him back which is a shame because he is he's definitely someone who's uh he has he has name prestige and everything that oh, being yeah. said uh looking at this makes me and this is going to be a funniest segue ever but looking at this makes me uh 
kind of sad for once that I'm not a PC gamer. Ah, and my reasoning behind this, you're probably saying, how do we get from Hoovy to that? Is because I was thinking of Skyrim. Remember when Skyrim had those PC mods, which thankfully now we can have them on consoles. Remember when they had those PC mods where all the dragons were like macho man? So the head yes. of the dragon. So like when they're about to behead you in the beginning, like in the distance, in the echoes, you hear, oh, yeah. And then the dude's there and he's like, did you hear that? <laughs> Instead of the roar of the dragon and then Macho Man comes. I always thought that was such a great mod and I always made me envious to PC people. Looking at Hoovy like this just made me think, if I was a PC modder, can you imagine Cyberpunk with him instead of with Keanu Reeves? Since he's glitching all over the place and you have Hoovy coming out like that. I am the juiciest one! And he doesn't even give you advice or nothing. <laughs> oh my god. I am the juiciest of them all! And he's just gone. You're like, what the hell? Get the Hoovy experience. Cyberpunk Hoovy edition. Cyberpunk juicy edition. And just for the record, I did write it down. Is that how you feel about the juice? That is great, man. Oh my god. You know what I just thought about too? What's Imagine that? how many people out there don't know about uh Macho Man Randy Savage Dragon. That's true. Like I see what I mean? Like I would uh he's hey, I give him credit. I can't make myself glitch around like that. He's like Max Headroom. He's Hoovy Headroom. And uh, just for the record, I'm going to treat people in the chat room. Um, there it is. What is that? The Macho Man in Skyrim? Yes, that's that's Randy Savage Dragon. Randy Savage Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we can't segue and not do it <laughs> because I remember hearing about it. And the scene where he busts through the castle goes, yeah. I was like, oh. My, my favorite God. was before humor when they just want to hear him in the distance. <laughs> it's just really like, oh yeah. Do you hear that? That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> if we get this to come up here. Man is coming what was that? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Gotta go back to that moment. <laughs> this one starts right when it happens. I wish it was a little bit for, more to like set it up, but I just love that moment right here. Man is coming what was that? It's nothing. Carry on. General Tullius, give them their last rites. As we commend your souls to Aetherius, blessings of the eight divines upon you. For the love of Talos, shut up and let's get this over. Learn our... as you wish. Come on! I haven't got all morning. My ancestors are smiling at me, Imperials. Can you say the same? Macho Man didn't get that time for the run-in for the first guy. He got beheaded. You Imperial bastards! Justice! Death to the Stormcloaks! As fearless in death as he was in life. Next, the Orc! <laughs> there it is again. I love that, their reaction. Next, Prisoner! That's good sound, though. It sounds like it's echoing in the castle. Get down for the bent part. I've been to the top of the mountain! What in oblivion is that? <laughs> what do you see? It's in the clouds! I used to love this. Look at him. That's awesome. Yeah! I love the yeah when he blows fire. 
that's the way to play Skyrim. Macho Dragon. Way more scary. You'd be shitting your pants if a Macho Dragon came during that. He even told you, he said, you know where the Macho Man is coming from? Like, it was a warning. That was a foreshadow right there. Legends be true. Legends my favorite part. Because I'm wild, yeah. <laughs> we need to move now. We just need to move. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. It never gets old. Every time. I love how the sound's coming. Like it's directional sound. That's what makes it so awesome. You hear him far away, and then he gets close. Like you're running your ass from the Macho Dragon. Way better Skyrim experience. Pro play this one again. You have it on Game Pass, and that's the only yeah. mod I'm turning on. Still alive, prisoner. Keep close to me if you want to stay that way. Don't know. Take care of your boy. Oh my God! Look at how he flies the head. It's so over the top, man. It's so over the top. Because I'm wild. Yeah. <laughs> you hear me over that? <laughs> stay close to the wall. That is great. Yeah! Look, he's overhead now. Quickly, follow that is messed up. Yeah! Okay, we gotta stop. We gotta stop. You know, you know. Wow. Oh, shit. So, yeah, Hoovy. Hoovy should be next. I think we should put him in a game. Instead of replacing the dragon, replace Keanu with Hoovy. Oh my god. <laughs> man, I hadn't seen that in so long. The Macho Man. <laughs> I forgot how it starts. I just remember that one part where he bust through the wall. Yeah! It's just amazing how not lazy it was. Right? You know, where it's like you can tell where he is. Like when he's above, when he was flying and far away. And like it even echoed off of the stone walls and shit. It was just like, wow, this is the most immersive Macho Man ever. Good lord. Oh my god. Oh man. But yeah, I was not expecting. I knew we were in for something weird, but I did not expect that Hoovy. Did I even share that? I don't even know if I shared that. I don't think you did. Yeah, just Wait, no, 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 you did. you did. I did. Well, yeah, you got it twice now. Who cares? Saw chat room. What are you gonna do? Find us? Oh, you're fine. Let's share the Hoovy thing twice. <laughs> But yeah, wow. Definitely special, man, I gotta say. So what do you think of his little show, getting back on track here? Like, what do you think? What made that happen, right? That was weird. Like, there's been a lot of Legends times that he hasn't been invited. I don't think he's ever been invited to one. Literally, the last time I saw him in the WWE, he was feeling with Chavo Guerrero over the Cruiserweight title. Like, clearly he wasn't serious, but it's just a weird time to pander for attention, you know? It's been so long since I've seen him, I forgot he put his mask back on. Yeah, you're right. He didn't have his mask last time I saw him. He had his mask all of one and a half times when they first, when all three of them first came in WWE. And I haven't seen him but one since. That is hilarious. All right. Well, let's move. There's no way to segue away from this. It's just weird. That's all that it was. That's all That's it. Next. That's all we got to do. This next. We need that thing like from the Obama. So we don't have like a way to write it. And trust me, I do my best. That's why I'm late sometimes because I try to write the program in a way where we can just kind of like hop across, you know, like just basically. But nope. Just next edge. Or I could do this. Speaking of weird, there we go. It was lazy segue. 
That's when people who don't know how to write for shit think they know how to write it and they'll just do something like speaking of and then just add like a word there. Whatever. We don't do that here. Anyway, so Edge, um, apparently some fan, this is going into more editing stuff. I don't know how we're, we're winding up in this. You would think I planned it, but what I really didn't hear. Somebody put, uh, use that face app to put Christian over Edge. Did you know about that? And then they, and then Edge saw it. <laughs> what? And Edge was like, what in the blue hell? He put a period after each word. What in the blue hell have you done? You evil man. <laughs> Don't ever spoil my rumble moment with that face. In all seriousness, though, that was really weird to watch, LOL. So when he shows up at the rumble, instead, it's Christian's face on him. I don't know if I'm ready for this. I'm definitely ready for that. It's just interesting to oh, think the technology's gone that far. Like, we're scary. We're almost beyond cyberpunk when shit like that is happening. Let me see how this looks. Why does it fit so well? He looks like an older Christian. Hold on, I gotta do that. I gotta run. (laughs) When he's emerging from the smoke. Oh my god. The the emerging from the smoke killed me just now, man. Look at the. (laughs) Yo, if I didn't watch that, I really thought Christian was bad. shit that's uncomfortable <laughs> Edge actually saw it oh that's what she said I'll fuck you up like wait a minute did Christian really come back up with me did they have two rumbles and I not know about the second one what that is amazing right look at that man I would have done some crazy shit as a teenager with that kind of stuff just putting people's face on each other you know I've probably ever seen some disturbing. weird porn shit with this and maybe you haven't I'm just not creative enough for my porn searches Oh, God. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know if you want to be that creative. Yeah, right. Like, I just wonder how far is this technology going when you're putting someone else's face that like that? Dark place, you do that shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't even want I don't want to. I don't want to even think about it. Strange thoughts there. This is weird enough, and it doesn't even have anything to do with pornography. So, yeah. Christian and Edge. Christian and Edge. <laughs> so, Matt Hardy recently put out one of his little videos uh, oh, on his shit. YouTube channel. And uh, he addressed the Hardy Bros, WWE's Hardy Bros, if you don't know, not to be confused with the Hardy Boys, not to be confused with the Detective Hardy Boys either. Boy, is there a lot of confusion between Hardys lately. The Hardy <laughs> I, I Bros. Even see my face on the third one, like what? It's Matt Riddle and Jeff Hardy. Is that legit? Come on, I thought that was just a joke. Like, how is that? Why is that a thing? No, they, they've called them that at least three or four times. They need to let it go. There's teams that they've had out there for months that don't have names. And then it's just like these guys. Oh, they're the Hardy Bros, bro. Don't do that. Anyway, let's see what happens here. Hi. Happy New Year. Oh, I forgot he was I this fucking man. I am the most innovative Hardy. and creative trailblazer in all of shit. pro wrestling history. And you know my name already. No use in wasting time in introducing myself. And today, did you know... That I was the brains, the captain, the manager, the motivation behind the greatest tag team in pro wrestling history. The greatest tag team in pro wrestling history is the Hardy Boys. The Hardy Boys are the greatest tag team in pro wrestling history. Say it with me slowly. The Hardy Boys are the greatest tag team in pro wrestling history. 
Now, I'm sure you're wondering how I have the evidence to prove this, but it is very simple in all actuality. We are the only tag team to hold the WWE World Tag Team titles many, many, multiple times. Also, the Raw World Tag Team titles, the SmackDown World Tag Team titles, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles, the WCW World Tag Team titles. Whew, I'm getting blown up here. Also, the TNA Impact World Tag Team titles. We are the only tag team in history to achieve all that. And we're both still 100% healthy in our prime. We will hold more World Tag Team titles. In addition to those major championships, we've also held over 40 regional tag team titles. Now, I'm sure some of you are saying, but what about the Road Warriors? What about the Young Bucks? What about the New Day? What about all these other popular tag teams like the Rock and Roll Express? Well, we are more popular, not just more talented, because in the year 2000, it is a documented fact, a stone-cold fact, that we sold more merchandise than any other tag team in history, and that includes the Road Wars. That's right. In 2000, we made 20 times our downside guarantee because we were so incredibly popular. And on top of that, people say, you know, the Road Warriors, they've got to be the greatest of all time because they were two big men who went in and just dominated the ring and decimated their opponents. Well, Matt and Jeff Hardy also branched out and are legitimate main event single stars. We both won multiple world championships and we've also won a myriad of singles titles on our own. There is no question. There is no doubt. If someone ever asks you who the greatest tag team of all time is, it is the Hardy Boys. As a matter of fact, Vince McMahon is so obsessed with the greatness and the popularity and the success of the Hardy Boys that he's created the Hardy Bros. And he's put together another guy named Matt with my brother Jeff to try and recreate the magic that we once had. He's trying to confuse the marketplace because he so wishes he still had the Hardy Boys. The Hardy Bros with Jeff and Matt Riddle. That's not going to work. You would have had a better chance with the fake razor and fake diesel. And remember <laughs> this. If you're ever asked who Jeez. is the greatest tag team of all time, it's a simple, easy answer. The Hardy Boys are the greatest tag team of all time. The truth is the truth. Wow. Mm. Damn. Yeah, right. You better tell him that. Right? Yeah. He really, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's painfully obvious. That's just a dig at the Hardy Brothers. I didn't even think about the fact, and it's so basic. What's wrong? I didn't even think about the fact that it's another dude named Matt. Like they yeah. just took a Matt and they put another Matt there. But they're calling him Riddle in all fairness. They haven't been calling him Matt. Not, but we all know his first name is Matt. Yeah. I, it's funny how AEW stars have the freedom of doing stuff like this. Like Tony Khan doesn't really care. This is Matt Hardy's YouTube channel, whatever. There's no logo on the bottom of it or nothing. It's, it didn't have like an opening thing promoting being in a company. So no one cares over there. It's just something he did. And that's it. He could say Matt Riddle. He could say Vince McMahon, WWE if he wants, you know, and that's it. It probably is beneficial as a matter of fact, when you think about it. For me, uh, just for, from a creative standpoint, if I had a wrestling company, I think it would be more convenient for me to not have restrictions on my wrestlers because it puts them in good favor with me as a boss. 
as well as leaves my, my hands free for them to take the digs at the competition that they feel like taking. So then the things that are really true, because a lot of the stuff like you pointed out that Matt's saying is real, get to be said without me having some sort of corporate accountability if it's taken negatively or positively one way or another. And since I have faith in the people that I'm I'm putting on my roster, I think most of the time it's positive, which in this case it is. So I think Tony Khan, that's probably part of his mentality with this when he lets people go and shoot and whatever. Just say what you want. It's not like WWE's never done that before. You know, when they when they were in the situation where they felt victimized, they literally did it completely indiscriminately. Like when X-Pac left the NWO and he joined DX, like he came out, he grabbed the, the mic and on Raw was like Eric Bischoff, blah, blah, blah. You fired me over the phone from, you know, they, they didn't hold back at all. It was like on their main show. Like if you were a kid, you didn't know who the hell Eric Bischoff was at the time. If you weren't watching WCW or whatever the case may be, they put their shoot stuff out there. So I don't think it's terrible when uh, these guys do it on their own little YouTube channels, right? No, it's their platform. Yeah. You hear that, WWE? Their platform. It, it's, it almost feels like the only time that it was okay for stuff like this to be no holes barred is when WWE as a company was an actual Jeopardy. Then it was fine. You know what I mean? No one really looked at it or, or like it was as lowbrow or anything. You could literally bring a, a Jeep or a tank or whatever you want to call it into where Nitro's happening and be outside with wrestlers with a megaphone talking shit while people are online to watch Nitro banging on gates. You know what I mean? Think about that for a minute. And it wasn't really perceived as negative. Nowadays, if you even tag the wrong person, it's like you're trying to stir shit. But like when they when they needed to do whatever they needed to do to survive against TBS and Turner's money and all that shit. They literally did all these things and worse. And of course, people are going to say just like everything else they did, that it was a different era. But I mean, I'm not really convinced that if they wouldn't try all that in this era, like what's stopping them from trying all those things in this era? People are acting like it was a different time back then. The only thing really different. Is, yeah. The only thing different is that, you know, the, the, the snowflakes get offended more easily. But when it comes to the sex stuff, if anything, sexuality and shit is more out there. The whole thing about it is that people are so busy in the forefront getting offended by weird stuff and by political stuff that they don't even realize how much sexual stuff has grown, that it's almost desensitizing the way that it's incorporated into culture. There are things that happen on television sexually that are unheard of just because everyone focused on something else. And uh, this comes from someone who has nothing against that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, there are a lot of things. I mean, take, for example, and I'm not saying this isn't judging like good or bad critique or not, but if you take shows like girls and i hate to use it but i'm using i'm trying to use a comparison using the same company so hbo did, did girls they also more than a decade ago did sex in the city which at the time sex in the city was considered like really edgy like the topics they were discussing the things they were doing were really really edgy like this is like stuff that normally is a lot more taboo but then you look at uh girls which isn't really going for edgy or taboo it's going for like a slice of life thing at times is more edgy and taboo than the shit in sex in the city has ever been. And what that really means is that the sexual stuff has been incorporated more into mainstream pop culture than it had ever been before. You know, you get where I, you get what I'm saying, right? Oh yeah, exactly. So uh, it's, it's strange, strange, strange the way, the way things are. Shane, Shane in the chat, man. I saw you there. Yeah. What's going on, dude? Good old sugar Shane. Got to shout all you guys out at the end of this. Don't worry. I haven't forgotten about it. Anyway, thoughts? I mean, yeah, he's spot on. Like, we all know this whole Hardy Bros thing was just a dig in Matt. We all know it. 
Yeah. And like you said before, it's not like they haven't done it before. I mean, it was freaking at the Hall of Fame with Shawn Michaels was um talking about how great it was to have Billy Gunn in DX before he was all in. Like we ain't supposed to know that was a dig at AEW. Right. On, but but, what was but, it? but they're, they're more Parker. careful though. But, but what I mean is that they're just more careful because they're trying to have more of a corporate look. You know what I'm saying? We're yeah. we're getting back to the, the the sex thing. Since sex has become more edgy on television, when they're using the excuses that they don't wanna that there was a different time, I'm just calling bullshit because again, using those HBO comparison or Game of Thrones as another comparison as the HBO show. Or you know what, honestly? We could take any fucking HBO show that's of current and just throw it out there. And whenever it has sexual content, it's more edgy than things of the past, which to me. And you know what? We can take any USA show. I'm going to even take it from I'm going to put it into their own network. You could take any USA show from the last two or three years and put the violence and sexuality up against anything that USA has done before that. And I'm talking, you could go back to Pacific Blue USA that had AC Slater on a fucking bike as a cop on the border. Remember that shit? We had uh, a <laughs> <laughs> Mario Lopez riding the bike. One, holy shit. You know what I mean? You had Walker Texas Ranger and shit on there. Let's 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 look at what it what it was. You had Walker Texas Ranger. You ever seen Walker Texas Ranger where he has a fucking rocket pack? The episode exactly. he has a rocket pack. Sure, you kidding me? You know what I mean? Like that that's the kind of shit that you had on USA. Star Trek, which I don't have anything against that, but I'm just saying these the USA now. Most of the time that shit ends and it says executive producer Dick Wolf. That's never good. That usually means that that shit faded out of an interrogation room or a fucking morgue or a police station or some shit. You find me a comedy that Dick Wolf has made. <laughs> One. All of his things are the same thing. He made all of those shows. Literally, that's the guy. That's the guy who does all of that. And all of those shows are more edgy, more violent, more sexual. So they're just using that as an excuse because they're too shitty to be able to write things. There's this rumor going around that they want to start doing like more love storylines because they kind of feel like the things that they do whenever they have like a romance storyline or an affair angle those seem to be the things that are driving ratings which yeah i guess that's pretty much the rule of anything which is where i was going that like sex stuff is in demand more than ever so even if you have like a sprinkle of relationships and stuff that shoots your ratings but it's almost like they're cheating you know what i mean it's almost like they're uh they're just putting two packs of bacon bits on their shitty salad and they're supposed to be on a low-fat diet you know it's just as like there might be some leaves underneath it but they're really just eating a bowl of bacon bits the product hasn't gotten better they're just diluting it in something that people enjoy like yeah if you're gonna put tits and jizz all over your product it might work for a little while sure but the question is for like for how long you know, but it's just funny to see this company turning their nose up at what other people do, like when Matt Hardy does something like this, or if somebody takes a bloody bump or whatever, and then the following week we'll have like Shayna Baszler bite somebody or fucking, you know what I mean? Something violent will happen, or there'll be a crazy bump, or someone will get injured in a weird way, and then they'll say like, "Well, we're not really about all of that kind of shit anymore." Whenever anybody else does it, so I think the mockery is the same thing where they t- turn their nose up on mentioning other companies, but it's like, "Well, no, you'll do it when necessary." So, yeah, no. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't want to hate on them too much. I think it's becoming the popular thing. And it's like, I'm not, I'm trying not to be biased, but I don't want to, like, I know there's been a lot of negative energy towards that company. In case you guys haven't noticed. Just, just Stop to playing point, with me. No fucking way. Just wanted to point out that, yeah, there's been a lot of negativity towards WWE. <laughs> You'd never guess, right? I had no fucking clue. 
Next thing you know, you're going to tell me Fallout 76 don't work. Come on, man. Stop playing with me. Anyway, good news, though. While we're talking about the Hardy family, did you hear the other good news? Yep. What do you think that the news is for anybody who hasn't heard the other good news? Let's see how well you know the Hardy family at this point. Matt got a new cat. You're close. <laughs> Damn, I see what you did there. Anybody in the chat? <laughs> wow. No, nobody has any idea. They even put a post out about it. No one has any clue what the big news might be. Pregnant again. Stace has got it. <laughs> but this time, they it's got a girl. Queen Rebecca. Oh no, that's what her that's what her name is. So they call they call Rebby Queen Rebecca. That's kind of weird. So what's the yeah? It, it's so it's going to be Princess Rebecca, right? Yeah, pretty much. If they name it the same, I don't know. But yeah, they said hashtag Team Girl. Hashtag Team Boy is so stacked in the house. We decided to add a member to hashtag Team Girl. So now they're gonna have another kid. They don't just keep going, right? Right. At this point, you're gonna try having even so you can have an inner or six man tag. Or no, put, put that up on the leaderboards. <laughs> Girls on the board having a lot of kids. Wow. I mean, come on, man. Be real for a minute. You'd probably not be able to stop getting her pregnant, too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. People be like, what a jerk. But I'm just saying hey, I can relate with the guy. You know, he has money and a hot wife. Why wouldn't he do it? She says, they say, well, it is called the Hardy compound. You stupid. <laughs> there's a lot. There's, I don't even want to touch it right now. Don't do it. Don't lot. do it. There's don't a lot do of. It. Yeah, we won't. We won't. We'll never get off the air at this rate. Like, no. Nah, we won't. So, uh, came up in the sheets that Natalia and her sister Jenny made some New Year's resolutions that caught people's attention. Oh, God. This might be a long video, so I'll have to see what the hell the resolutions are while we're jumping. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of The Night Hearts. I'm Natty, and this is my beautiful sister. (laughs) And good Lord, what in the world? Liking, sharing, subscribing to our channel. This is Macabelli. He doesn't want to stay. But Jenny and I have a really special episode for you guys today. That's nice. We want to share our 2021 New Year's resolutions. Okay, Mackie, let's go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, he's not cooperating, <laughs> which is not surprising. But Jenny and I just want to wish the she wrestle. We need to wrestle. New year, and oh we want to take God. a moment to thank everybody for subscribing to our channel and following us throughout 2020. Jenny and I are right? Yeah, we started our channel a year ago. So let's talk about that. Yeah, focus. It was a COVID. Pre-COVID. It was a pre-COVID decision um, amongst both of us, and you guys have stuck with us throughout this entire pandemic. They so hate them forever. Hate that. Um, but with that being said, I would love to share my New Year's resolution for 2021. Okay. I would like to drink more champagne, eat more chocolate, and live it up because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. I like that. Well, that's not so bad. I don't see why I made the dirt sheets. Everybody, it must just be because of the way they're dressed. Yeah, this has to be because of all the motion, because that's not like a big New Year's change, right? <laughs> okay, so our next YouTube video will be on Valentine's Day, which yeah. is who can eat Yeah, this sounds like it was just an excuse for them to be in the dirt cheese. Everyone has that New Year's resolution to be more happy and shit. What is your New Year's resolution? My New Year's Um... Didn't you say it was a Well, I'm now? single and ready to mingle, so I'm always waiting for somebody <laughs> to so. Um, so you're saying you want to find a boyfriend? Okay, so Jenny is saying that she wants to find a boyfriend in 2020, so guys, make sure to comment, like, share, subscribe, because 
This one is single and ready to mingle. Here, I'll give you a little. Cheers. Cheers to that. Okay. <laughs> She's there for good champagne. And we also said that we wanted to lose five pounds just because, right? I'm, I'm okay with my five pounds. Are you yeah, okay? she's fine. I mean, I don't know where I would. You still. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just going to keep drinking champagne. Yeah. Mm. I'm okay. I'm like, I guess. I, well, I you know what? We actually realized that. Five pounds. I'm good with five pounds. We're good with five pounds. We're good with five pounds. Every month I'm going to gain five pounds. Oh, yeah. Five pounds. Five pounds. We're good with five pounds. Five pounds, five pounds, we're good with five pounds. Okay, okay. Five pounds, five pounds. I like that song. We're really good. Five pounds, five pounds, we're good with five pounds. I swear to God. Twenty-two. Twenty-two. Oh, we thirty pounds heavier. Cheers to that. Yeah, clearly these on the first glasses for tonight. Yes, no, that's a goal. That's a goal. Three glasses in. Yeah, you're right. They bring up the number five. That's an Easter egg, King Quest. Champion, so thick is in. Thicker, thicker than Yeah, thick is in. That's how long you about the Thick is the new slim. Write it down. Thick is the new slim. We want to post more quotes on Instagram. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. 25, yeah, that's my goal. So, that's my goal. Okay, Jenny. Oh, yeah, they fucked up. <laughs> she wants to gain five pounds. This is fantastic. I want to lose five pounds. I want to drink more champagne. I want to become the SmackDown Women's Champion, which I think I can do. Um, can't wait to watch <laughs> myself beat Sasha Banks. Yes, Jenny. So... So Jenny is single, wow. ready to mingle. She'd like to find a boyfriend in 2021. She wants to gain 30 pounds. I want to drink more champagne. They are toasted. And <laughs> I'm going to put you in. Oh, gosh, you had a drunk laugh. Ooh. And by the way, we got to jump for my love. Good God, what is happening here? Is this channel always like this? I don't know. We're going to jump. Oh, Anyone watching the audio or listening to the audio, you need to get the you need to get on the video, so, Twitch or Facebook. Just because they're very energetic and they have a nice house. Don't jump too much in the bathroom, please. No, just show us how you do them. Oh. She's gonna split. What in the hell? <laughs> Yo, Nanny has like an older like Vegas woman laugh. Well, no, the first episode. Yes. Um, wow. You are so beautiful. Thank you for liking, sharing, hanging out. and subscribing to our channel. We love you guys and happy 2021. And we don't know what this video means, but <laughs> I think it's all about having a good time. So thank you guys so much. Um, you need to put some underwear on. Do I? No, you need to put underwear on. Okay, I'm going to go do that right now. <laughs> and also, we're not wearing underwear in 2021. Got it? Oh. So first requirement of dating that he says you better be able to drink that bitch under the table. Holy I shit. Swear to God. That was yeah, wow. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> King Quest said they got a new subscriber in me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think I'm gonna subscribe. With all this shit we have on our subscription, how am I not subscribed that? That thing I'm 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 in too. Fuck it. What's the worst? That something like that happens again? Yeah, here we go. I'm sharing that out for anyone who didn't get to I I, I really I pity the fool that didn't get to see that. 
right? Subscribing as we speak. What the fuck? It sucked me in. I remember thinking, man, well, this is a little long. We're not going to be able to watch. And we, we went through the whole thing. I finished it. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. They're very interesting. Great personalities. Good stuff going on here. Well, that happened. This is just to have an OnlyFans. I mean, I'm, I, I would not be her OnlyFans. Who fucking knows at this point? Anyway, but that's not the end of the news with Natalia because apparently uh, recently a lot of the women of WWE have stopped by Natalia's gym in order to get some extra training in. Was just, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, get trained by one of the best. Mm-hmm. So they all went there. They tried to do the grind here. Who do we got there? Uh, looks like it's Dana Brooke, Liv Morgan. And Natalia, who's that? Is that uh, who's that with her? That's 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 um next to Dana Brooke and Liv Morgan. I'm not sure who that is. Yeah, me neither. Wait, is that Mandy Rose? Was that Mandy in the middle? Oh, I don't know. Wow, that goes to show how different people look with and without make. Can't even identify. No one is gonna gonna <laughs> PM me and be like, that oh, was this person. Dana Brooke, Liv Morgan, Natalia. That's who it is. And Mandy Rose. Okay, Dana Brooke, Liv Morgan, Natalia, Mandy Rose. That's Dana Brooke. We look at the same one, right? The one right next to Natty? Yeah. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Hold on. What? Holy shit. Yeah, it is. I don't see it. Wow. I was trying to figure out who that was. I still don't see it. Sorry, not seeing it. Imposter. Like, said- is this like one of those Marvel storylines? <laughs> Are we the only ones who can see this? Because you said Dana Brooke, and in my head, I thought I instinctively thought you mistaken Bandy Rose because they're always around each other. It never clicked that that was, that that was Dana right next to Natty. This is giving me a headache because I'm still trying to see it. It's like when somebody has one of those things you're supposed to stare at to see the image. Yeah, and you can't fucking do it. Yeah, just fr- now I'm just mad. Like if I, it's gonna bother me if I keep trying to do this. I don't see it. Fuck it. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> like what the hell's going on here? Whatever, I can punch my TV screen and rage at this. Dude, thing. I had to re- I had to reference my notes to make sure I'm looking at the right thing. I was like, is this the right story? Like we we don't even look at the same person. That's probably what it is. Like you know, she's in a no makeup video with the other women. Wow. But yeah, you know, Natalia is definitely an asset to the company because of things like this. This is somebody who you're going to want to um, train with. They train. Obviously, TJ Wilson was there, her husband. This is the workhorse gym. And uh, it's where some of them go when they want to, like, hone their craft. Who knows? Maybe years from now, they'll talk about this place the way the generations before it's talked about the dungeon. But for the girls. Yeah, this could be the new age version of a dungeon. Mm-hmm. Apparently... They even had uh, Brody Lee there, Brody Lee Jr. Yeah, oh, yeah, I saw this video. Uh, Brody basically got to wrestle with uh, Liv. Really? Let's have a look. This must have been the same day, right? No the same visit, I'm assuming? Yeah, how they been? From experience. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. I want to know the date on that. Yeah, this was like after the AEW thing. Yeah, I know he's been, um, there's been a lot of videos popping up here and there of him just doing stuff with wrestlers. Yeah, because his, his, uh, mom tweeted this out and she said, uh, Tonight was pretty cool. We got to go visit TJ Wilson and, and Natalia and let Brody work in the ring. Uh, Liv Morgan is a gem for working around the ring with him and letting him learn. He also cut promos on All Elite Wrestling 
AEW Dark, which I didn't know was going to end up making the show. I thought AEW was just letting him have some fun after a really, really tough night. Having them on air was incredible, and I, I wish you guys could have seen his smile when we watched it. I told him what Tony Khan said about his promo, and he was beaming. Also, for clarity's sake, his contract with AEW is valid on his 18th birthday if he chooses to wrestle. Nobody's going to push him with it push it with him if if you were to spend 10 minutes talking to him you'd understand why they gave him a contract though number two school is number one for him number three he's not seriously training at the moment or will be taking bookings or anything ridiculous right now i know i shouldn't have i shouldn't have to clarify but with social media i end up seeing stories how he's being forced into this or questions about his quote-unquote contract and all sorts of craziness and uh, at at this moment all of this wrestling around him is our friends trying to make an eight-year-old pro wrestling fan feel a bit of happiness after losing his hero. Uh, and he said, I'm also pretty sure our only hope of stopping this monster Brody Lee Jr. Negative one is no is Nolan Rhino. Okay, so anyway, so that's what he did there. And let's look at this promo. Did you see the promo, whatever he did in AEW Dark? I've heard about it, but I haven't watched it. Yeah, cool that he's jumping back and forth. You're the only person allowed to jump back and forth between companies. <laughs> There's been a lot of talk about this heated rivalry, this feud. I don't need to see Marco Stunt's whole intro, do I, for this shit? No, I don't think we do. No, I'm sure I don't. I don't mind seeing the uh, the kids' intro. Jesus. <laughs> I guess we're not going to hear from Marco Stunt as Negative One is making his way to the ring with Mike in hand. Things are percolating here. Marco, every time I see you... You win with someone with you, like Luchasaurus or Jungle Boy. In a tag team match, you always win because you got a bigger person than you. When I'm older and I fight you, I'm going to be so much taller. Marco setting the microphone down. Whoa, oh, some physicality here. We're we're gonna need security to keep these two these two men separated for I mean for the safety of each other because if th this could very easily turn into a seriously physical situation. Oh, negative one breaking away from Cody Rhodes. Marco, oh Marco, breaking down here inside all elite wrestling. Tony Khan himself having to restrain Marco Stunt. QT Marshall pleading with him. And negative one trying to hop over Cody. Oh, shots to Cody. Shots to Bryce. And a kick to Matt Jackson. <laughs> negative one. Oh, no. He's broken away. Oh, a shot to QT Marshall. He dropped him. And negative one headed up to the stairs. He's trying to cut Marco Stunt off at the pass. Ladies and gentlemen. We have lost absolute control of this situation. We are going to need That's a great. force Good ten times me. larger to keep these two separated. That's nice. That was cool. Yeah, it was nice to do something for the kid. They're a very thoughtful company. It's, good to, it's a good time to have them. You know, can you imagine if going into this, as much as, you know, win, lose, or draw? Imagine going through everything in 2020 and there was no AEW. You know, and then the way the the storm of releases that would have come from WWE, you know, it would just been nothing for them to go nowhere for them to go. Yeah, you don't want that. But yeah, she, his mom is right. Like this isn't even uh, a W or a WWE thing. This is just everybody who worked with Brody rallying around this kid. 
Exactly. Because, you know? I mean, I've seen that kid, not only the Liv Morgan thing, I think I mentioned it last week, in the hotel lobby, I think um, they let him, Adam Cole let him pin him. He's wrestled, he's, he's been doing a lot of stuff with a lot of people, and it's just everybody trying to make sure they keep that kid's spirits as high as physically possible. Because at eight years old, he has literally gone through probably one of the worst things you could go through at that age. Exactly. And uh, I think she released something. Let me see if I could find it here. She released a statement in regards to exactly what you're talking about. Is this it? Yeah, this is it. I don't know why Biggie's on the bottom of, I guess, however the story was done. Uh, that's what they put. Good Lord, that text is small. I'm too old for that text, guys. Uh, you, does Destin have this one? Because I, I sure as I can't actually legit... Even on my big screen, just because of the way it's cropped. Let me see if I could zoom it in with something. Our Tron doesn't zoom in the top of things like that. Where the hell is it? But yeah, she did release this statement here because people were wondering, like, if she hated uh, WWE. Yeah, I can definitely get the, the, the first two lines aren't a problem. It's just the fact that uh, so many people expect myself and my family to hate on WWE. The fact is we don't and never have hated WWE. Don't worry, I'm getting a Zoom tool here. I don't keep a Zoom tool because I expect tiny-ass texts in the middle of the show. All right, here we go. <laughs> right. So many people expect myself, my family, to hate on WWE. The fact is we don't, we never have. My husband absolutely got frustrated because he wanted more than they had envisioned for him. That didn't mean he hated them. The frustration didn't, didn't change the real and genuine love that our family has for pro wrestling. WWE gave my husband a platform. It enabled him to live his dream, a dream he almost gave up on. He was able to travel the world in his dream job. He got to entertain millions of people. He got to build a beautiful life for our family. He held singles gold there. He won a belt at WrestleMania. He he ticked so many quote-unquote dream life boxes there. He just happened to want a little more out of his career. That's why he left, not out of hate, not because they're an evil company. He left because his vision didn't match theirs. The most incredible thing he took away from his time in WWE was the people, the people he carried with him until his very last days. It wasn't one company versus another. Little Brody loves wrestling. We still watch wrestling every week. We would tune in to see Uncle Boom Boom, uh, Cesaro and family, best friends, uh, people that transcend the lines of friendship into family. People in WWE watched my kids grow up. They love my husband so much they welcomed my family into their arms. They became my family too. The flood of love I've received from the WWE is real and it's beautiful. In my husband's final moments, the people that surrounded my family were wrestlers. Companies didn't matter. Please, I beg you, stop trying to create a divide in wrestling. Support pro wrestling, love pro wrestling. Live your life like Brody in, in a way that people speak like this. I see, and that's why Biggie's at the bottom because that was when Biggie in a way where people speak about him the way Biggie did. I get why she put him at the bottom of the thing now. Gotcha. Man, that's a beautiful uh sentiment for sure. You know? Oh, most definitely. And it's definitely how he lived. And I don't really think it's up to it's up to the individuals to live that way, which is why um it's good to perceive it as an individual message. Yeah, you amen know? to that. I mean I know her I was seeing all over the place the week uh Brody died, like there were people like, oh, EW did their tribute so much better than everybody. It wasn't about a fucking competition. It Everything was never about nowadays. a competition. Like, Everything's a dick measuring contest nowadays, unfortunately. Some of these, some of these fucking fans out here, I don't, I don't get it. Why does there have to be a competition to honor somebody who died? I, I'll never forget like the, the day after AEW had posted on their Instagram about some, like, some of the highlights from that tribute show. Some fan goes, yeah, way better than WWE's. And AEW just kindly was just like, it wasn't about that. Because yeah. it's not about that. Yeah, not everybody be. has to do a full-blown tribute show. 
but every company Brody ever wrestled in honored him in some way or the other. ROH in the past, I think, three or four different uploads they've been doing, they've been uploading old Brody Lee matches. Mm-hmm. Everybody can do it their own way. AEW did a tribute show because that just happened to be the last place he was working when he passed away. Yeah, and I did see the, the Ring of Honor Brody Lee stuff with Necro Butcher. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Those are matches I've never even seen before. I've watched all of them so far. You know, it's, it's like, it's funny. Those are matches that I have seen before, but just didn't think about, you know what I mean? That's how long it's been that, uh, I haven't even thought about that part of Brody Lee before, you know, that, yeah, he was in Ring of Honor, obviously, you know, he was one of the guys over there, you know, it's like, it's just one of those people you get used to just being in places, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, but it's, yeah, it's incredible to think that, uh, he had such a career and he was a great worker. You know, King Maxwell versus Negative One. Yeah, we'll see. They're, 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 already, they're already trying to predict that. Yeah, I'd watch it. <laughs> you know, yeah, why not, right? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that people have literally grown up into the business and then had a storyline transcend decades later. So, I mean, I've seen it happen yes, multiple right. times already. So, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, in honor of uh, Brody Lee, the revival they changed their uh, their finisher name apparently, right? It used to be uh, the Good Night Express, and now it's going to be called the Big Rig. They actually asked his wife's permission, and they want to do that in his in his honor. That's pretty cool, though. So, just in case anyone's wondering why it's no longer the Good Night, what the hell was it called? It was a Shatter Machine, and uh, it was the Shatter Machine in WWE, right? And then it became the Good Night Express. Now it's the Big Rig. Gotcha. Okay, so it's the Big Rig in honor of Brody Lee. Yeah, because that was their little uh, nickname for him. Right. All right. Next, we have, apparently, this is Sports Illustrated Top 10 Wrestlers of 2020. Oh, God. The prestigious Sports Illustrated. Can't wait to hear their take on stuff out of everyone that we have here. All right. So, let's see. I should start from the bottom and reach the top, right? Is that the most exciting way to do it? Pretty much. A countdown? All right. Well, the countdown begins with number 10, Eddie Kingston. I, what do you think for 2020? Remember, this is specifically 2020. Got to be fair in that. So we're not talking uh, entire body of work. Wow. So I've enjoyed Eddie in 2020 more his promos than anything else. If we were going just on promos, yeah. Because I've enjoyed his promos have been some of my favorite ones. Wrestling? Nah. If it was like a top 20 maybe, but not a top 10. I can see where you're coming from with that. Uh, Eddie Kingston's promos like, are really fucking good, man. Yeah, because they and mm-hmm. a lot of them come from the heart, and they're freaking fantastic. Did you hear the promo that he gave the locker room after the AEW Dynamite tribute show? I've heard that it's probably it was unbelievable. I've never listened to it though. I think I have it, and here. I keep meaning to, but like to get into his wrestling, Eddie like. He's not the best wrestler um, by any means, but I do give him the fact that he gives you pretty much all he got. Yeah, he does. And he needs to get in better shape. So this is the promo here. We did that tonight. We made that man proud. So this doesn't end tonight. This does not end tonight. As long as this company's around, as long as I'm around, and all the rest of you will be here. We're going to do that every time. We're gonna make him proud, and we're gonna make him proud of everyone we've ever fucking lost. Because that's our art. That's what we do. Don't forget tonight. Use this. 
Take this energy. Yeah, it's negative now, but make it positive. And tell everyone you love them. Don't be like our fathers. Took, it took my old man 55 fucking years to say he loves me. I love each and every one of you. Do you understand that? Because you put your bodies on the line. I love all of you. Stay, be with each other. God damn it, bro. What a that motherfucker got me talking to everybody. <laughs> but listen, we're going to get past this together. We're going to be stronger than anything. Tonight showed it. How strong we are. We fought through tears, we fought through everything. We put on probably the greatest tribute show I've ever seen in my life. And we're gonna carry it. Let's carry it. And let's do it. Yeah. So uh when 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 Sports Illustrated ranks this stuff, um are they putting in like just the body of technical work or them as a wrestler? I feel I really don't know what they're going by. You know? Yeah, that that's always kinda weird. That's why I feel like they're the, the way Eddie is on the mic has to be weighing more for them than it does for like most wrestling fans. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, the dude is probably one of my favorite promo people. Like Yeah. But you still wouldn't put him on this top ten list. If it was a little more than just a top 10, he'd be on the list, but I don't know if I'd say a top 10. Yeah, so you would definitely, you can confidently say, not that we're going to do it now because we don't have time, but you could confidently say, like, if you thought you probably have 10 people of your own and he wouldn't make it, right? Yeah, he wouldn't make it. All right. I'm not sure if I have 10 for 2020. I mean, I most likely do if I really thought about it. I mean, there's a lot of wrestlers, but uh, I don't know. Uh, so far, it's questionable. We'll say that. And of course, that's nothing against Eddie. But. Yeah, exactly. We'll just say it's, it's, it's against the list. The list is so far questionable at best. It depends on how the tiers go here. So we're going to go with number nine being Roman Reigns. See, he had to be way higher. You think Roman Reigns deserves more? Oh, my God. That's my top three. Easy. Oh, yeah. For 2020, I guess. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> because of the because of the storyline more more than even yeah. the, the wrestling. He though. wasn't here for all of it. But what he has been here for, the dude has been absolutely the best he's ever been. Right. That makes sense. We'll see with number nine. Again, as we climb the list, it's hard to form a scale of where their power level is. You know what I mean? What their power bar is. You know what I mean? So we have to sort of keep climbing it with number eight being Kota Ibushi. We haven't gotten into the New Japan Pro Wrestling Night 2 yet. Just keep that in mind because we're going to do that later on. But as it stands for Night 1, IWGP World Heavyweight and Intercontinental Champion Kota Ibushi is number eight above Roman Reigns and Eddie Kingston. Once again, that's like if that's if when it comes to what he's accomplished in 2020, if that's not my number one, that's somewhere at least in like a top three or five. It makes you wonder who the hell seven through one are when you look at right the fact because that I mean the guy who went back to back in G1 isn't in the top ten in the top five. Yeah. All right. Like you can t- you can tell these are guys where I don't know if they understand exactly how big of a deal that is. Yeah. Seven. Eo Shirai. I would have had her maybe at five at the lowest. Oh, we have to Because see Eo has been champion first. virtually all year. Yeah. And just to say a little more about Kota, I kind of felt like I breezed past it. Kota, I've always had faith in will be in the spot that he's in, and he looks great in that spot. You know what I mean? He looks great as a it's top very guy main event him. person. 
I think he has his the character Kota Ibushi without the wrestling is interesting, and with the wrestling it adds a lot of flavor. The fact that he is this peaceful baby face that will fuck you up if you put him into a certain zone where it almost AKA feels like murder Ibushi. Yeah, which it almost feels like there's no way out of. Like when it happens, it almost feels like they're trapped. Right? It's almost worse than if there was a cage that came down or something. That's like, a cool you, influence to have. Like if you ever watch matches where he goes into the zone known as murder Ibushi, you hear the change in the commentary's tone when it happens. Exactly. Because they know they understand the massacre that is about to happen. Exactly. So yeah, I'm surprised about that. So Yoshirai was seven. Six is Bailey. See, even Bailey would have been higher, like. But see, now the list is broken in my opinion, because you're saying yeah. that Bailey would be higher, but you wouldn't put Bailey above Kota Ibushi, would you? I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't have put Bailey above Ibushi. I feel like... Would you put her uh, above uh, Io Shirai? Ooh, I feel like if she was going to be above Io, she can only be one spot. And the only reason I say that is because of the time Bailey was the combination of SmackDown Women's Champion and Tag Champion versus Io's had that one title all year. Yeah. So I could see Bailey and Io being interchangeable. They were really top. Yeah, maybe that, six that one and you seven. Kind of go back and forth. Maybe six and seven should have both been higher though. Bailey and Io. Yeah. But see, then Coda. You see weird. what I mean? Then the list is broken though because you're putting Coda underneath them. Yeah. See, this list is all kinds of weird. It's already fucked up, and we haven't even got halfway up the list. It's <laughs> gone. Already toasted. Let's just keep going up the now broken list. Just gonna keep going. And see how it turns. Number five, Kenny Omega. Ah, uh, see, damn. I don't even know if I put I Kenny Omega on this list if we're talking just 2020. I, 2020 was corny for me with Kenny Omega. Maybe a lot of people who just got on board with this kind of watching other wrestling besides WWE shit, then it's their first exposure. But my experience with Kenny Omega, to be completely honest with you, 19, 18, 2017, and 2016, probably 15 and 14, even when he was a mid-carder that was just the cleaner in the Bullet Club, I really honestly feel like my personal experience is I've been more entertained by Kenny Omega almost every other year, but the one that they really were expecting to see amazing shit from him in AEW. Yeah. The last maybe couple of months with him is the best Kenny I've seen in a long time. I just kind of felt like there was this crazy intensity in those New Japan matches. You know what I mean? Where like the matches were like an hour, the crazy bumps that they would take, the the, the battles. Died six times. Like It was just like, I, there's nothing like that in AEW. Kenny Omega's just kind of been there. I hate to say it because I know he only did it once, but my greatest memory of Kenny Omega in 2020 was him laying across the couch eating fucking Skittles. <laughs> like, that's his standout moment for me. And it's not doesn't mean he hasn't had good matches, but what I'm saying is that the matches he's had, it's all shit that I saw better in every other year. The only unique thing that I've never seen Kenny Omega do in 2020 was lay across the couch and eat Skittles. I remember seeing that moment and thinking, oh, I didn't know Kenny Omega liked Skittles. That's a new character development there. But I'm being serious, as funny as it is. That's the only new information that was brought to me in 2020 about Kenny Omega, that he eats Skittles. Yeah, so yeah, see that's, see this, this thing about this, mis- about this list that just make it like, it's weird. By the way, I, I forget to uh, mention this every week, so I'm going to just kind of throw it in here instead of in the Dynamite segment. But uh, do you notice that whenever Justin Roberts introduces Kenny Omega, that somehow in the introduction they always say North Carolina? Yeah. Um, did you hear why that is? No, I was. I want to fucking know. That's um. That that was actually an idea from Omega. It's a tribute to Michael Jordan. Don't ask well, me why he put it in there, but a tribute to Michael Jordan. What? I I don't fucking know. What does Michael Jordan have to do with the Chicago Bulls? Did he live in North Carolina? Oh, what the yeah, fuck? yeah, he's originally from North Carolina. But what would that have to do with Kenny Omega? 
I, I guess I guess Omega re- I guess Omega really likes Jordan. I, they just always find a way. And then the North Carolina part, even though like however they put it into the thing is irrelevant, it always gets like this big fucking pop for it part. You know what I'm talking about? It makes me laugh every time they do it. Because I'm always like, waiting, I'm thinking, how are they going to say North Carolina this time, even though it has nothing to do with Kenny you know, with that North Carolina. And the first couple of times I thought something went over my head. And then after all, I was like, okay, now this is just ridiculous. Like one time it was at the helicopter he used to get. He flew over North Carolina. And I was like, what? Like you, like, because the, there were times I was thinking, there's no way you're going to be able to get it into this one. Like, there's nothing to do with North Carolina, and then they'll do it anyway. Like, it's amazing. I, I, I give him credit, though. He finds a different way to do it every time. What was the way this week? I don't even remember what it was this week. I remember. I think, was he even on this week? I don't know if he made that full entrance this week. Oh, I'm sure he had to. Oh, God. Like, I just thought about it. It makes me laugh every time because, like, they find different ways to fucking do it. Let me see I don't if know I if could... Justin does it himself or what. <laughs> Let me see if I could find the spot because, like oh. I said, that's that's my favorite shit when that happens. Yeah, it's he was on. So he was in the main funny. event. And I give him credit because it's like it's an entertaining bit. It makes you laugh every time. And now to the point, I don't know if it was the intention. Every week you're wondering, okay, how are we going to get North Carolina in there this week? Yeah, like the, the first few times it went over my head. I just thought the first time I was just like, well, that's weird. I didn't know Kenny. Anyway. And it was just like, what? <laughs> that's like the third or fourth time. like, wait a minute. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a being the elite joke. I don't watch them regularly. It might be. You know, something from there. Because like I said, it's funny how I use Justin Roberts, too. Because the way he sounds, it sounded serious enough that I thought it was like a real bullet point. You know, like, oh, okay. Give me a second. Oh. Yeah, I think I found the spot here. Yeah, here we go. John Moxley, in 2020, he did not lose a singles match. He has held the AEW World Title for 35 days. At this point, many people already consider him the greatest AEW World Champion of all time. His 2017 New Japan match with Okada was just voted the greatest in the history of Wrestle Kingdom. His plans tonight including winning once again, followed by hosting the debut of Two Point Show on the AEW Games YouTube channel immediately following Dynamite. Viewing is available everywhere from Texas to Montana and California to no! Not prepare to his hometown of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Yes! He weighs 224 pounds. Jericho, And defending all elite wrestling. Oh my god. And then the broom girls come out. It's so fucking over the top, man. Anyway. Oh. Shit was so North funny. Carolina, which is not as good as his hometown of Winnipeg, Manitoba. And you hear Jericho go, yeah. He's going to know how to have fun. <laughs> oh, man. I, that's so fucking hilarious. I didn't catch it at first. It's so good that that kept going. Now I look forward to it when I become I was like, somehow they're going to get North Carolina in there. I wonder how long it takes them to figure out how they're going to do that shit. Like, oh, that's good. Oh, my God. Well, like I said, I wouldn't have even had him on the list. I love Kenny Omega, but not this year, man. And if it was intentional to put the focus on other talent that's not him because he didn't need it, then congratulations. You succeeded. You you achieved your goals. There's no hard feelings here. You you wanted to not be in the spotlight. And trust me, you weren't. You did a good job. So, number four, Tetsuya Naito. I can see that. That's that's solid, right? Yeah, Naito dude, uh, got the friggin' two championships, held them for pretty much, with the exception of a little while, all year. Yeah. Yeah, dude had one of his best years. Yeah, I'm right there with it. Even without having uh even without having the uh championship at the end of all of this, it's not his best year. As a matter of fact, it was it was interesting seeing uh 
Los Ingobernables in the ring, and he was like the only one who didn't really have any kind of gold or anything going on right now, you know? Which we'll get into that later on because some stuff does does develop with that. But I just thought it was interesting to end uh or begin the new year rather with that kind of stuff going on. You know. Definitely something interesting there. But yeah, Naito works on the list. You know. Oh yeah, very deserving. You know, number three being Drew McIntyre. I mean he was champion what since the Rumble, so yeah. I mean, a lot of people have been champion for a long time. Did you enjoy Drew McIntyre, though? Uh, I've enjoyed him this in 2020 more than I enjoyed him any other year. So, yeah, you almost didn't have a choice. Some would say, you know what I mean? I mean, for to me, extent, it's, yeah. I for me, it's weird because I've never really been a fan too much of Drew McIntyre. I know a lot of you guys when he went to the Indies and started doing all the UK stuff out there, it started to gravitate with you, and you really started to enjoy him. When he came back, I felt he was kind of dry. And to be honest with you, if there was ever a time that he would have won me over, it was as in his main event role, because I can see visibly that as the main event, Drew McIntyre versus 3MB or the Chosen One or any of his other past gimmicks, this this works. That being said, I'll never really know how much I would have really enjoyed it simply because of how fucking dry it was. And I know it wasn't his fault, but having this guy win against Brock Lesnar during a pandemic in an empty arena to the sound of no fucking cheers in a shitty WrestleMania that was two days long. There was just so much bad all over it. You know what I mean? It's like the old Eddie Murphy joke when he talks about dropping the ice cream that you could drop your ice cream in a pile of shit and still eat it. You just dust it off and be like, it's sprinkles, just sprinkles. (laughs) That's how I feel about that last WrestleMania. I feel like you're asking me to dust shit off of my ice cream and see if it still tastes good. And whether, and it's not Max fault, not Max fault at all, but I'm just saying that last WrestleMania, I give everyone credit for performing and for doing what they had to do and, uh, having that empty feeling and everything. But you know what? To be honest with you, man, and I said it during the shows during that in hindsight, it's bittersweet. It, it had a bittersweet taste to it. And I just don't see myself going back and ever watching any of that shit again during that era. To be honest with you, if it was up to me in the settings of everything that I have, I'd make none of that shit ever appear again. Like oh, recommended yeah. and, and, the, and the thing when I scroll through, I don't want to think about any of the wrestling. And I know that's harsh, but this is my God's honest feelings. And I didn't want to feel that way. But when I look back at the memory of WrestleMania, it's a fucking dry, soggy shit feeling all at once. Because it's this guy who you not necessarily were behind, but were interested in seeing how they were going to push winning a title from a guy who you thought shouldn't have had it for a while in the first place in an empty fucking arena without a sound while they're trying to put it over. You know, it it doesn't work, man. And uh the wrestling was he's always wrestled the same way. He's a very he has basic wrestling stuff. The the coolest thing is the claymore. Whereas I know it's a sick kick, because to me it's a lot like a sick kick. Yeah. Which and occasionally when he does that tope over the top rope. But I mean that's mm. well so already, again, the list is broken. McIntyre's above, no matter what we do, McIntyre's above Naito, Io Shirai, Bailey, Kota Ibushi, Roman Reigns, you know. Number two on the list, John Moxley. Yeah, see, yeah. I like John Moxley. Yeah. He's not above Tatsuya Naito or Kota Ibushi this year. I'm not no, even sure no. if it was last year or any year. And that's nothing as my mind. But if we're talking realistically speaking, you know what I mean? They're putting them above, like, the top New Japan pro wrestling talent right now. And that doesn't mean he can't be there. But if we're talking about the kind of year he's had, I just don't see it, man. Yeah, like, <sighs> Are you ready for number one? Oh, fuck. My life, I might as well be. You sure? 
Not at all, but I mean, at this point, we can either be here all night or we can go through number one. So right, here we go. Heath. No, I'm kidding. Sasha Banks. <laughs> that would have been like my number 10. She just got the fucking belt. I mean, so, and that's assuming she didn't be on the list. Love Sasha, but she just got the belt. Just finally actually successfully defended the championship. And she's supposed to go over the guy who just won back to back. G1 Climax Tournaments. And she's not... Oh, God. It's tough this is what to happens say. when you don't let... When you let people who aren't full-blown wrestling fans do a list on wrestling. And it's difficult to say, and I don't like to ever say th- things like this when something is this close, because it's to the wire close. But even to the wire close, she's not better than Bailey, man. You know, Bailey and it's had bittersweet. I get it, over and I know, I, and I and I know, I probably got a lot of hate for that shit. I know for some reason there's more energy when it comes to the girls and you saying shit like that than with the guys. But that being said, just full disclosure, I don't dislike Sasha Banks. I'm just saying, if I really objectively had to look at it, like she's not better than Bailey. You know, in the entire time that Bailey held one title, Sasha won a SmackDown Women's Championship. But titles well, no, she won, she she won the because, because that's all about the booking and the writing. I just mean the fundamentals. Sasha at one point might have been better than Bailey or just outshined Bailey, but just not currently. Sasha performs good in the ring. And again, it's very close, but Bailey really is the reason why that storyline was interesting. If I go back and look at the entire thing, Bailey for 75% of it was the reason why it got over. Sasha was an accessory for a while to that storyline before she became the main part of it. And obviously, that's how you build the storyline. That's the nature of the story they were telling. But there was a point where Sasha was just a lackey. A long fucking point where Sasha was just a lackey. Almost the whole return up until she turned, um, until Bailey turned on her, was her just being a lackey and not really being in matches, not really performing. For you to be wrestler of the year, you have to wrestle more. You know, and uh, if we are talking about the wrestling fundamentals, at the end of the day, Sasha's stuff is more flashy. And when she hits it, it looks good. Bailey's stuff is more snug and safe. And it always looks good. So I have to go by either a perfect score versus a really, really good score. And that's why I'm saying I'm not taking anything at Sasha. But really, at the end of the day, when does Bailey really botch anything? Or when do you have to worry about Bailey fucking something up? You know what I mean? And the bad part about it is, even if you take all that away, you could base it just on the championships. You could. But again, I don't yeah. like to only because that's chosen. Oh. It's the same booking. It's the same reason why I can't give, you know, when they've given it to Bobby Lashley and I haven't agreed with it or or somebody has yeah. the title or if Goldberg gets it or something. I can't go by since they're talking top wrestlers. You know what I mean? Which is, again, why I'm wondering how they're grading this. If they're talking that's most what I'm saying. accomplished. They can't be looking at the booking. But that's what I'm saying. If they're going by most accomplished. You know what I mean? Most prestigious. There's different between top. If we're talking wrestlers, it, like the way words are used here makes it a really, really weird list. But uh, again, when I look at these ty- when these 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 people, I never look at them and I go, all right, John Moxley, how many titles do you have? Two-time champion, retain this, did that. It's like, yeah, sure, that works for the booking of the companies. But when I look at just the person's body of work, which is what I would try to go by if it was a top 10 wrestling list, that's the problem I disagree with, especially in the case of Coda, to me. Only because of the fact that Coda, it took all of the wrestling. Coda told his story through his body, which is essentially the nature of wrestling. And it was long-term booking. It was a story that we literally watched unfold 
where it made you committing to long-term wrestling have a payoff. You watch this guy literally climb through the entire G1 tournament all the way to the end, achieving his dream. And you can, and I said throughout, I go back and listen a few episodes ago. I said this clearly this title was, this tournament this year was put together to put Kota over. I said that. So you have this guy climbing to the very end of the tournament and he gets shit on by Jay White at the very end. Remember Jay White got his legs up on the ropes and he lost and he was sitting in the ring. And I was like, how great is that? That in a wrestling storyline, this whole guy's dream, he wins the G1 and he shit on at the end. You know what I mean? But then it came full circle because of the fact that when he won the titles, his last opponent was Jay White. You know, so it's like you got to see this guy climb through these ranks and have all these matches. And then we we, we talked on here for weeks about how how much time people were spending in the ring every day, how they're fatigued. They've been, this person spent an hour and 37 minutes in the ring. You know what I mean? And Coda was like all fucked up from all the other matches that he had. That whole story culminating in him losing at the end like that. And then finally coming back and winning and having that second night where he takes out the guy. Because let's not forget in New Japan booking, something that's not acknowledged as much in any other company is getting your win back. In Japan and New Japan, getting your win back from someone who pinned you is a big deal. So it wasn't like an accident. These things were, were, were deliberately, strategically placed in a way where it told this long story, this long climb that ended with fuckery, that he winds up getting his win back and the titles at the end. You know, and uh, what I mean by this is that the story being told more had to do with what he was going through in the ring and the performance he was putting on than like anything in the back or having to have commentary talking about it, you know. And uh, to me, that's the perfect format. I Like he, he would be my number one or two, to be honest with you this year. After the year Coda's had, if Coda's not your number one, what is your listing? Yeah, like it's been one hell of a climb. I, I've seen more of him. And even if it, people say, well, you know, he got to wrestle this many times, that shit isn't my fault. I'm just saying at the end of the day, there was a lot of G1 and other stuff with Coda where I got to see him wrestle enough that that happened. There were these great matches and these great moments. Some people didn't get as many shots. Well, that's, you know, we don't control all of these companies or anything. But I'm just saying from based on 2020 and the year they had, I haven't seen a lot of wrestling out of uh, Kenny Omega. I haven't seen a lot of wrestling out of John Moxley or uh, or or freaking most of these people on this list when I really look at it. Eddie Kingston just started to come into his own towards the end of the year. And it wasn't because of the wrestling. It sounds to me like people in Sports Illustrated just dabble in message boards or have a kid who watches wrestling. Yeah, I kind of feel like Sports Illustrated has lost their credibility with me as far as even having some objectivity in the way that they put lists together. When you got New Japan wrestlers, what do you do? You watch a lot of wrestling, you watch a lot of WWE, and then you just Google Japan shit? That's what it sounds like. No, nothing about Sasha's 2020 in any way, shape, or form says she should be number one at this list. Hell no. Damn sure it shouldn't be higher than Bailey. Because nothing yes, there's storylines. But I, 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 it's like I hate to keep going back to the championship thing. She just got her first successful title defense on the main roster at the end of the year. What the fuck does that get you in number one? That yeah. might get you on the list, but that damn sure doesn't get you over Kodo Abushi, who damn near killed himself in the G1 to find to, to double up and then get the world championship. Yeah. That sure enough doesn't put you over Naito, who after freaking basically getting screwed over by one of his boys, got the belt back, and then held it for the whole year. That doesn't get you over Roman, who's been probably on the best run for the past few months that he's been on. Like, I agree with you there. I can't have these non-wrestling places doing wrestling lists because they never come out right. Fox already screwed up last week, and now Sports <laughs> Illustrated this week. You're what right. We're doing, like, we're doing multiple lists, and they're all shitty. Like, like, what, like, what, like what the fuck is GoDaddy.com going to do next week? Like, what? Yeah, too much, too much. Okay, in other news, glad we're done with that list, by the way. Apparently, Marty Skrull is in some trouble because he might have to leave the United States. 
shit. Yeah. You got to be working when you're here. When you're here, I guess he has one of those visa things, I'm assuming. Let's see what happened here. Yeah, According right, to Wrestling Observer, visa. they're saying that uh, mm-hmm, he has to have that work visa thing going on. Now, apparently, to, to rehash, I, I don't remember if we gave the details here, but the issue was that he admitted to having consensual sex with a 16-year-old girl when he was 26. That was legal where he was in the UK at the time. Most of the time, for me personally growing up, there have been places like the UK where the age of consent has been 16. It's uncommon more now, but that's kind of been the way it's been. If you look at overseas, a lot of places that are not the United States, you become an adult a lot sooner than here. You can marry a lot sooner than here. Whether you agree with it or not, that's subjective. The, the, the allegation, however, is not only because of that. That just makes it look bad in the eyes of people who are looking at the age, the 10 year age gap. But the thing is that apparently they're saying that, well, she was saying that she was under the influence of alcohol. So, uh, yeah, I don't really, I don't really have an opinion. Honestly, I don't have an opinion on this one because I don't have enough information. And I think that's just the way that it is. I could give you hypotheses or hypotheticals or in theory, but I, I think it sucks that the guy has now, uh, He's in a really tough spot, you know, like that's not good at all. Apparently, from what we're hearing, according to Fightful, they said that uh, Marty Skrull's Ring of Honor contract had certain protections because it was a huge deal and uh, that they believed that it was in September that they split up with him and that they said that uh, that there were plenty of people in the locker room who uh, who thought that they would give him a second chance. But then there were also plenty of people who wanted to see him out of there. Well, the locker room was sort of polarizing in regards to him being there. And he's in Orlando for the time being, but he might have to leave the United States without work. The good news to that, I guess, is at least Meltzer is saying that uh, if it was normal in regards to no more pandemic, he would probably go to New Japan again. And it wouldn't shock him to see him go to WWE, but with AEW would probably be tougher. What are your thoughts on this entire, I don't even know what to ask you, like your thoughts on, I guess, him being gone <laughs> from Ring of Honor because of the allegations and that he might be fucking deported or whatever. And the fact that, like, I guess Melsa's saying, yeah, which I don't know, Melsa, that's an opinion that he's saying that he might have gone to WWE, who the hell knows, but uh, AEW, no go. Um, wow, yeah, there's so much in so many different directions. I'm almost not sure. But, I mean, if he does wind up getting sent back to the U.K., New Japan would kind of be the best bet because it's right there. So, if I'm thinking of places that he would go, but yeah, I've, um, I'm right there with you. I've heard like the age of consent being different in different places. So it's kind of a hard one to deal with because it's like if it was legal over there, it, ah, that that's where it makes it really weird because it's like, okay, the age of consent is what it is 18 here. And then to be in 16 over there, well, it's like it's a kind of a different thing. Right. But the especially if it happened over there, that's what makes it tricky. Yeah. But the accusation wasn't based on the age. That's just a bullet point there it was based on her claiming she was intoxicated and him saying it was consensual. Um, I mean, again, I don't know, but I would say that if I was to try to give him some positive bullet points, it would be that he was honest. You know what I mean? Like he kind of said, yeah. yeah, this happened, but. You know, it wasn't rape. You know what I mean? Right. 
with kind of some like, people don't even give you that much. They just say, like "Oh, no, maybe it never he happened." He would have denied the whole thing, which would have made him look more guilty. But you never know. Maybe he realized it was extenuating evidence or something. I have no idea. But there's so many ways that it could have gone. But I guess what bothers me the most about it is that it didn't go a legal way. You know what I mean? I know these companies are within whatever contractual rights to do that. But again, there was never were charges brought up against him or anything. Like, is there some? You know, it's just again, I don't want to get into this this year a lot but it just kind of feels like someone's accused of something they lose their career and we never hear about a legal follow-up never hear about a judgment or some sort of a freaking case or something we just hear that somebody heard from somebody else a text message that was screenshotted and sent to somebody else and that person uploaded it to the internet and now this person's fired not saying that there aren't cases where that's probably justified just like there are cases where probably isn't but what I am saying is that in, in these situations, I, I just find it kind of strange, you know? Yeah, right there with you. We don't really uh go through the whole thing. What's the drinking age? That's a good question. The age of consent is 16. What was the drinking age? Let me see if I can find out real quick. That's interesting. I didn't really think about this. Stacey has a good point because she was at the age of consent and she said she was intoxicated. Where was she that she was able to drink? Who gave her the drink? Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, this is probably something I'll throw a little monkey wrench in there. The age to be able to drink in the UK, I'm looking at it right now, it says 18. Okay, so she was drinking two years younger illegally. We don't know if he was providing the alcohol. Again, remember that that doesn't justify it and that the first thing that you're going to be told is that uh, just because somebody's in which is true, just because somebody's been drinking or on the influence doesn't mean that you should be able to take advantage of them assuming that that's what happened. Again, I'm being careful with both sides here, but assuming that's what's happened, you're not supposed to. But now what makes it challenging is that's where the line is blurred and it's difficult to really like, how do you really, I don't even want to get into this one, man. I'm so sick of these kind of stories, you know, just because they're so open-ended if you're not there and you don't know what's going on. I felt more comfortable so when we had female perspectives on here, tougher ones though, not like the, like, like the pussy ones. I was about to say, you know, the ones. <laughs> <laughs> Why not even go there? <laughs> not those. But if you're both drinking, face, you. but if you're both drinking and consent is given, but then that becomes plausible deniability where it's like the person deny it or, so, you know, it's just so much things that this is the reason why it should be handled by a legal team and not by a wrestling company. And yeah, you're within your right to fire somebody, you know, but that means that anyone can get fired at any time. Hopefully he does find something else. I think that in time he will. Yeah. But, uh. That's really unfortunate. It just feels like it's bad timing, especially Ring of Honor. I mean, I know we shouldn't just put business into it, so we have to put personal stuff into it as well. But Ring of Honor is in no position to be letting talent go right now. Unless the person gets arrested and, and dragged out in handcuffs, they should be holding on with, with both fucking arms to whatever talent that they can. And that's why this next story brings me to my next announcement, and it also brings me to a couple of fucking changes. Okay, number one. Or number two, Dalton Castle is no longer with Ring of Honor. They actually let that happen. Are you fucking kidding me? No, 100%. He's a free agent. The fuck? Yeah. They tried to get him to sign a new deal. And apparently it was a good contract and he considered it. But he wants to see what else is out there for him. We don't know if he spoke to someone else or if there's something else going on. I don't know if it's their fault. But honestly, I don't really know if I can cover them right now. They're doing good. Their wrestling is good and everything. But, like, we're really reaching here when it comes to to freaking star power, man. Like, I try to bring you guys up to speed whenever I can catch it and when I can. I know I've, I haven't been doing too good since Final Battle. But I, it's hard for me to prioritize a company where whenever I look another talent that I know from them, another reason why I'm watching, 
isn't really even there. You know, like there's not like what's what is my ring of honor incentive? Like, sure, they have good wrestling. They have, in my opinion, still some of the best wrestling. We got Jay Leto, and what else? Jonathan Gresham. Jonathan Gresham. Shane Taylor. Briscoes are good. Shane Taylor's good. They're all good, but you know what I mean. A lot of their unique talent, it seems to be out the door. And I kind of felt like Dalton Castle was really good, man. He fit the bill of their yeah. kind of wrestling. I can't believe that they need to. Maybe he's already gotten a deal. I don't want to blame them. Maybe it's already a thing where somebody just threw. Like when you look at it, any other company that writes a check is going to write something that's probably going to be a lot more lucrative than Ring of Honor because they're very indie. So, I mean, honestly, it doesn't even have to be the WWE threw a big check at him. It could be the Tony Khan threw a big check at him, a bigger check. If you really want to, it could even be Impact. It's not like Impact isn't backed right now. You know what I mean? They've gone to show they could take care of themselves financially. So, I mean, I don't want to go pulling the trigger at all. Ring of Honor, you fucked up again. But the timing of this with the Marty Skrull thing and a lot of the good talent that I really enjoy leaving, it just feels like they're not a priority right now. You know, and I know that's mean to say, but I'm just giving it to you how I feel about the whole thing. So. He came from Chikara. I don't even know what the hell's going on with Chikara. I haven't thought of that company in, like, forever. I, I don't really... I'm not following Dalton Castle to Chikara. It's nothing against them. They've never been my cup of tea. You know, we didn't even know their fucking... Uh, what's his name? That, that, that Orange Cassidy was Fire Ant, and I knew who that was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, those gimmicks just don't work outside of that world. They're really costume superhero, comic book type shit. If you ever watch Chikara, and you, if you ever watched it, go look up some of the Chikara shit, man. From another world. It's like watching wrestling from another planet, literally. All right, next up. Last week, we spoke about this a little bit, but not as well as this week. And that is Goldberg. You know how much I love talking about Goldberg. He's my favorite thing in the entire world to talk about. Whenever I think wrestling, I think Bill Goldberg. I was a local magnesia, but yeah, close enough. So last week, apparently what happened, which that's why his promo didn't really make much sense. Did you hear about this? Yeah. Um. Another issue with running low on fucking time. Somehow so what happened? The thing, Twenty-one years in, McIntyre was supposed to have a Bill Goldberg promo, which to me is kind of weird. Even hearing that that's the way it was supposed to go, and then Goldberg was supposed to come on and respond. The problem with this is that why would Drew McIntyre be coming out to have a Goldberg promo if we have yet to even know that Goldberg's on Raw? There'd still be something missing, even if I went by what they were originally planning. Drew McIntyre being aware that Goldberg is backstage needed to be inserted somewhere in there for a McIntyre promo about him to make sense. No? Am I right? Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be weird for you if Drew McIntyre would have come out the way that they originally planned and just started talking shit about Bill Goldberg, who you haven't been thinking about? And then Goldberg comes out, which is what happened. But since that part was missing and his promo was scripted, he responded. If you go back and listen to the promo, he responded to things that Drew McIntyre was supposed to say in his promo that never happened which was why he was calling him disrespectful and stuff. He was reading his lines, but those lines only work if the Drew McIntyre part happened. What do you think? Yeah, like his lines made zero sense. But apparently, from what I've heard, I guess, yeah, they ran out of time. So Drew didn't have time to cut the Goldberg promo. Okay. And what are your thoughts on that? Manage your time better. <laughs> There's certain shit that happened on Legends that I didn't need to see. Maybe if you cut out some of the chuffa. There'd have been time for the, the Drew McIntyre Goldberg promo that nobody needed. And how do you feel like in regards to how it was handled? Like, it feels like at at this point, it's look like what they mentioned tonight. It's been twenty one years. Raw's been around. How is it this long and you're still managing to run out of time with stuff? Like, just cut little things, especially because it's not even like it's not even like last week's show was just action packed with twenty thirty minute matches. 
it was a lot of Legends segments that just kind of didn't need to be there. Like, you cut, like, cut, cut, like, two or three of those out, and bang, you got enough time. How is it this late in? They're still running into issues with time. So that's, I'm not disagreeing with you about the time thing. That's a given. But that's always an existing problem. I feel, though, on the other hand, that as a performer, you should have improvisation in your arsenal. As a live performer, I think improvisation is probably the most important tool that any working brain can have. Because the rule is anything can happen on live television. Therefore, what's the best weapon against variables? Improvisation. You are a former world-class wrestling champion, main eventer, WWE champion, legend, and you are telling me you don't have the fucking mental capacity to adjust and improvise your scripted promo to mark out the parts that no longer apply to the storyline that you're in. It's unfathomable to me that mentally, because you memorize lines, it never fucking occurred to you to read with comprehension the lines that you memorize. Anyone else, and this is what I mean, this is what I'm talking about with a good wrestler. Anyone else, you know how many situations happen in wrestling where people need to improvise? And this guy went out there like a robot, like a cutscene, like a glitch cyberpunk character speaking to a fucking invisible NPC. You know, wow. I think the only reason I didn't mention that because I just made, I just accepted the fact that Goldberg's fucking stupid, so I skipped it. Yeah, I, I, I uh, thought that too until I really started thinking about it. I took it for granted, like you, like yeah, he's just a shitty promo. But then I'm, I'm, the you, thought you, that you it takes, the thought that it takes to go out there and be like Drew McIntyre, the shit that you said really pissed me off when he didn't get to say the shit. Like you're in your own body and you're conscious, and this bothers me when they say with actors or with anything, or you can't blame the actor or whatever. Sometimes the actor has to bring something's attention to creative and be like, hey, listen, since Drew this isn't here, should I still go out there and talk shit about what? He said about me, he didn't say anything about me. Anyone else would have done that, dude. I'm so fucking pissed that this guy, this wrestler that makes so much money, just didn't have the basic common sense to make a fucking mental adjustment like that. I've done that in the midst of a two-minute countdown. <laughs> so you know what? You know- so basically, if this was Miz TV or Piper's Pit or something like that, and another guest that was supposed to be there wouldn't have been that he would have just spoken to a fucking empty seat. Like, he wouldn't have adjusted to the fact that whoever the other person was next to him wasn't. He would have spoken anyway. You know what I mean? Like, you just, pro- you just program him. You just insert data into him and have him do whatever the hell you, you need him to do. He's like Teddy Ruxpin. He's the Teddy Ruxpin of wrestling. You put a fucking tape in with what you wanted to say and then just listen to the shit. I know that Teddy Ruxpin reference must have gone over a lot of people. There's my age showing right there. People are like, who the fuck is fucking Teddy man. Ruxpin? The fucking Teddy Ruxpin? Was he a wrestler? It's probably younger than fucking Goldberg. <laughs> This is what happened when you this is what when you bang your head on the door like a jackass in twenty twenty. Goldberg will know who Teddy Roxman was. He was out before that. That motherfucker was probably able to drive by the time fucking Teddy Roxman came out. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's so funny. Literally, you know what it is? I skipped over it because literally Goldberg's never been good at anything. You just exist. But this isn't even a matter of Goldberg or wrestling. It's just on, on a human level. And I don't know if this is just me. I want people to tell me it's just me. It's just hard. Like, dude, imagine if we were doing any kind of a performance or something like me, you and like just a random other person. Right. Like me, you and Stasis. And Stasis wasn't there for a scene she was supposed to be there for. And you still spoke about it. Like if that scene happened, can you imagine where your mind would have to fucking be? For you to be be, on a Goldberg level. You know what I mean? For you to not for you to be able to accept that without being weird. You know, like 
or, or you just have to not care, which I was also the other thesis. How little do you have to give a shit about what you're saying, what you're memorizing, for you to not see that an adjustment needs to be made on live television? It's kind of funny you say it's not on the Goldberg level. For it to happen like that, it has to be on the Goldberg level. Because so, only Goldberg pulled that off. So, yeah, they ran out of time, and that's wrong. They always run out of time. But the absence of a person who's supposed to be there should automatically make the improvisation that even a fifth grader would have happen here. This guy's not smart, man. I, I hate to say it, but this is not an intelligent dude in like any never way. Been smart, never and I've been never good. attacked him in any way. I've, I've talked about the wrestling, but you know, this guy couldn't be further from the mark of what you look for in a wrestler. Aside from the fucking look, like I can't, the list of shit that he's done wrong just it amazes me man it's like it's not just the thing it's how stupid the fucking things are you know what i mean i'm look i'm gonna have to call it now because we never really talk about it here but how fucking stupid do you have to be for some of the things that you've, you've seen over the years how much more excuses remember when he broke his hand because he punched a glass car he yeah. punched a glass window of a car fucked his hand up because he didn't realize that he wasn't really goldberg oh in fact Here's one. You're going to love this one because I just found out about this one not long ago. So I watched that untold documentary about the streak, right, on the network. Yeah. Apparently, DDT, DDP tells a story about during their match, when he speared him, he DDT'd himself. Oh, I believe it because he's always and Mr. Intensity. He didn't remember the rest of the fucking match. If you ever go back and watch that match, he... Like actually, he even fucked up his shoulder on the tar- on the wrinkles before that. If you watch that match, the reason he can't get him up for the jackhammer the first time is because the dumbass shoot fuck up his shoulder because he doesn't know how to fucking stop. Yeah, maybe I should DDT myself so I could forget the Goldberg matches. Jesus Christ! You know, but you see what I mean? Like he, he's and then there was a time. Remember the time he banged his head in the locker before he came out? He was already bleeding. And then when he opened himself up in the match with Taker, see. And then no. when he, and then we accidentally ran into the ring post legit. He shoot rang into the ring post. When you know your opponent is going to dodge the ring post ahead of time because it's scripted like your promo clearly was, you're not going to run at the ring post full the ring post full force where you can't fucking stop yourself from hitting the corner, you simpleton. Yo, because then you're going to hit the fucking ring post for real. That's amazing to me. So that tells you that in the span of a twenty year career, this man did twice. What a green, what a baby shit green wrestler has probably never done once. And that's actually hit the ring post. Like, I shouldn't have to tell someone who was the world champion, don't really bang into the ring post here, you know? And then fucked up the rest of the match. And now this, man, it's like, this is not someone who should be in this fucking company right now. I don't care about the people who love the memories and all that shit. Those people are the problem. Jesus yeah, Christ. on you, Goldberg fans. You fuckers are the reason we're in this situation. What about the time he concussed Bret Hart and ended his career, made the guy have strokes and career. shit? Anybody remember that one? No? I mean, what is it going to take? This is not somebody who qualified for this. Like, holy shit. Bill Goldberg, more like Bill Urkel. That's disrespectful to Steve. How yeah, dare it is. You're right. Steve did his shit. Steve, Steve adjusted to his line. Steve got his shit in. <laughs> Lord. I'm telling you, man. I say it every year, but I'm like dead ass this year. If they do that shit at the Rumble, I might just have to restrict my reviews to raw the fucking highlights on YouTube. And then on top of that, man, like you're going to take a perfectly healthy guy that you've been pushing, going to put him in the ring with someone who's a visible liability, who doesn't know what they're doing all of the time, who makes bad decisions on a regular basis that doesn't improvise. 
Like enough what already. And I'm tired of people comparing him to fucking Sting's return. Are you you know what? If you compare him to Sting's return, unfollow me and stop watching it. You're too far fucking gone from common sense and understanding of what's happening for me to even begin to re- reason and explain that shit to you. If you're one of those people you, who who you want, oh, you could you complain about Goldberg but not Sting. You're you're so fucking who's far. Hurt? What well, the fuck has Sting hurt? Oh, but but besides that, they're just like, so far fucking removed from understanding of wrestling that at that point, I release you. Go out into the world and be a mark. Because if you are comparing Sting's return in AEW to Goldberg's return on fucking Raw, then you're part of the problem. They're not the same. How could you even think they're the same? People are acting like this shit is Coke and Pepsi. It is not. It's, it's just so Coke weird to me. It's so weird to me to do that, you know? Sting's return worked because, first of all, we didn't expect it. Second of all, it has a significance of it being TNT. And third of all, it's fucking Sting. We've seen Goldberg's old ass every year since that shitty fucking Survivor Series match. It's not even in the same... It's just like such a weird thing. It's not even on the same planet. For people to say when they see Sting come out, you know, when they see Goldberg come out, oh, you guys complain now, but you can compare about It's the equivocal to like if Dustin came out here and was like, I got a PS5, and I was like, well, right now they're showing MTV Cribs. And he said, what does that have to do with the other? And I said, well, they're both on TV. Like, what? What? Where are we? You know what the bad part about it is? I wouldn't give you as much shit for Crib because at least Crib was good. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Like, it's just so, it's neither here nor there. There's such weird comparisons, man. God, yeah, they were both in WCW. Who fucking cares? One of them actually worked in WCW. Like, every, oh, my God. And 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 one of the things, according to Fightful, they were saying that the people they they spoke to people backstage that were just kind of hopeful that Goldberg was gonna just ad lib the promo and make up the things. Why would you? Why would you think that? Why would you think that? I'm more fucking alarmed about the fact that people just assumed that he was gonna go there and do the right thing. Who's in charge of who? What? Who's in charge? Who makes these fucking calls? That there wasn't somebody in the middle between him going through Gorilla and being backstage. That knew that he was never going to adjust that promo. Somebody should have had the responsibility to be like, okay, just don't mention the Drew promo. Give him a fucking earpiece and only show him from one side. You guys have the (laughs) power. You guys have the power of cameras there. Fucking pull up cue cards in the fucking Thunderdome. You run that shit, don't you? That's true. They're in the Thunderdome. People wouldn't even be able to see if they just put up the fucking teleprompter in front of him. Yeah, like Stacey just said in my earphone, a bit of a sport, but they just shot a fucking blast at somebody. You're telling me you can't put up a fucking teleprompter? You had a flying dragon come through NXT. You have you set two people on fire in the span of a month. Burn somebody alive. And you can't put up a fucking <laughs> teleprompter for the man. I don't know who I'm more mad at, them or him. It's like everyone, they deserve you know each what? other. They all should go to hell together. You know, I almost feel like I'm more mad at him because it's like, oh, at your age, you don't have, you've never had to switch up shit on the fly. Oh, boy, I hate to see you on speed date, motherfucker. But these people have a... Have a thousands of screens and they couldn't lend him one for, for a fucking teleprompter <laughs> i love this company so much man this is great they couldn't oh. would, they have more screens than they've ever had in their life and now and one could guy, have been goldberg's teleprompter that's quality guy, shit right there if this guy's gonna become world champion at world rumble ain't that a bitch yeah i dare them go ahead and and and, and nobody tell me oh drew could win every time this fucker comes back he wins that world title I dare them because you know why I'm scared because Goldberg can't have a long match. So that would either be that. I mean, I don't even know how they're going to get out of this. This is what they're going to do. He's going to hit him with about 80 Claymores. Goldberg's going to hit him with one spear. And then they're going to just pass us off the wrong tomorrow. 
guess what? I'm not watching that Raw. I'm telling you this. This is a shoot here, man. If that, I'm not watching any Raw where Goldberg's champion. I'm, I, I will not watch Raw. We have enough material. Look at this. We have, we have tons of material. We haven't even covered Raw. And we had a good time, right? We have a touch Great of, time. We have a touch of weeklies. We're at an hour, 57 minutes, and 20 seconds. Exactly. We don't need Raw. We have not touched Raw, and we've had a great fucking time. We haven't touched, so, we haven't go ahead. touched Wrestle Kingdom. Go ahead. Go ahead, and, go ahead and do some dumb shit like that, where I now have to tolerate a pandemic Goldberg? Go ahead. Man, go ahead. Please, make my life easier. You know what? I'll take it one fucking, fucking step farther. They pull that shit at the Rumble. Fuck, fuck when he's champion, when he's not champion anymore. Fuck him. Yeah. I watch, I watch two, I watch three episodes of Lucha Underground every Monday for the next fucking year. I got four seasons worth of shit. I got time. Yeah, but they were hoping he was going to fix that promo. Whoops. Maybe you shouldn't have everything scripted. You're all, you're all guilty. Maybe Everyone here is guilty. Hope for shit with Goldberg. Everyone here is guilty. This, you, you're all red wedding. Every last one of you is gone. Fuck them all. Oh, man. What can you really say about all of that, right? I can't wait to watch. I can't wait to not watch Raw at Royal Rumble. I almost can't. I don't think they would do that, man. I know that I want. I'm, I'm usually wrong about them lately. They did, they did it to Owens still because it. they're always they're always incredibly stupid, you know. But I just can't even see even now with as stupid as I just can't imagine them being that fucking stupid. They did it to Owens and they did it to the Fiend. They are at minimum that stupid. Yeah, well, let's hope that something about this has changed because honestly, I'm just at a point where it's like, I don't need to be fed their nonsense anymore. There's a lot of good wrestling out there. And if they don't want me to watch, then I won't. You know what I mean? Like, this is ridiculous. What other relationship do you know in life you have with anything like this? Can you imagine going to a restaurant? Oh, this is disgusting. I'm, um, um, you're still eating. I'll eat it anyway. Um, you call the chef. Oh, God, this is gross. And you're still fucking eating. You know, fuck the, get out of here with this. You know how much entertainment there is in life? I could be watching Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, paying Xbox Game Pass, even PlayStation fucking Plus, whatever the services are out there, Google Stadia, you name it, reading a book. You know how many things I stop at 8 o'clock on a Monday just so I can suffer with this shit? Three hours and you bring the old look, man out here. I've been here. looking for a reason to just not. Yeah, no, go ahead. Keep it up. Keep it up, guys. I tell you, I've been looking for a reason not to do it. Royal Rumble could fuck around and be my reason to not. You know, there's more news here. But I don't really care about almost any of it. So why don't we just leave it off and switch to like talking about the weeklies and other things like that that happened. That way we we have good timing, you know? Yeah. Because all of this is nonsense news, you know? Sadly, we had to end it on Goldberg, but hey. Couple of couple of stories real quick before we do well, one big story. We're just gonna have the COVID and one big story. As you guys already know, Drew tested positive. That was discussed tonight on Raw, which we'll get into when we hit the Raw part. Um, from what we're being heard from Fightful, they said their Raw SmackDown AEW and Impact all remember it's only the beginning of the week all had to change their plans because they all have positive tests right now. You're only finding out about Drews because you got to find out Raw had to happen. You're going you're gonna to realize, I don't know if they'll do the same announcements with SmackDown, I doubt it, but someone's going to be missing. Same thing with AEW and same thing with Impact. We don't know how greatly the rest of the rosters have been affected yet. You know, they said that, uh, for example, we know for a fact that uh, Meltzer was saying that Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa was supposed to happen in the past AEW. And the reason why it didn't was because of the fact that uh, I believe it was Thunder Rosa who was exposed to uh, someone that had COVID. So... That's a problem. Yeah. She's a dangerous people. 
it's extremely dangerous. You know, not enough people are taking it seriously. I think now we're getting to the point where we're starting to, because it takes longer than the media was overreacting. Now we're starting to get to the point where we're starting to see the actual stories of how this shit affects people. Bobby Fulton, another person recently positive for COVID. As I remember, he's an old school wrestler, obviously. He has symptoms. He says, well, I am COVID-19 positive. I wear my mask covering my nose and mouth. Why you dumbass people refuse to wear them or to wear them or wear them below your nose. You are the cause. This will not go away. So another older person who you got to be careful for. I mean, we've already seen a lot of this is like Russian roulette. You know what I mean? We got another legend here, Les Thatcher, apparently. He's 80 years old and retired. If you don't know who Les Thatcher is, according to PW Insider, they're saying that uh, he's been battling it too and pneumonia at the same time. So good luck to him because that's really fucking serious. This is what I'm talking about with the mask shit. We're not done losing. Everybody's like, oh, I can't wait until the ball drops and all of a sudden we're in a new year, reboots, new safe file. All right. Let me know. Let me know how that shit is working out for you. Exactly. You know, because I'm way too negative to believe in some balls dropping. So again, so now this these are just some of the changes. Again, keep in mind that I'm only telling you about the ones that I know about, not the ones that they're keeping from you. Which if you watch Raw then you saw some of the changes because there's a reason some people wrestled twice. Yeah, you're gonna have to point out because I may keep track of who was or who wasn't when we get to the raw segment. But I but another person, apparently somebody tweeted Greg Hamilton and they asked him, and I saw this before it became a story. They tweeted him like, Are you okay? You look like you were trembling on SmackDown. And uh, his response was, tonight was tough. My fiance has COVID. I am proposing to her soon. But yes, I was not at my best tonight. I owe you all an apology. You expect the best from me and I and I should deliver. Tonight, I didn't. I'm sorry. She's my everything. She is sick and I am not there. So, you know, people are still, I don't know, this 2021 shit so far to me reminds me, I literally use the same program template for this that I used when we were going through the pandemic last year. So I didn't really have to change too much. I just had to backspace over a few things and fill in the blanks to make this program. Reminds me of the 2020 program. Not much has changed yeah. except for the context a little bit. I don't know how people were going into this year talking about some all oh, new year mess off. Like, what kind of like dipshit thinking is that? Yeah, they're going by a number. There's no the changes are going to come when the changes are made, man. I don't know why people keep thinking this. You go exactly. my fucking calendar, and this is the reason to be honest with you. Like for example, this year. I kind of just didn't do things the way I normally would. I didn't do really anything special for Thanksgiving. I didn't do anything for Christmas. I didn't do anything for New Year's. When the ball dropped, I think we might have been on air streaming, actually. And if we weren't on air, we were getting ready to go on air or something. I don't even remember, man. But to be honest with you, I didn't acknowledge. I kind of feel like this. And this is just my philosophy. Do whatever the hell you want. I've never been a traditional person. And I've never been too into traditions. But I kind of feel like in 2020, we all suffered. But we all suffered very differently from one another. Not everyone had the same experience. Everyone changed. Some people became better. Some people became worse. We all damn sure changed. We all definitely suffered. That being said, I kind of feel during that time, we were all in our own little self-contained bubbles. When we ate, what we did, who we spoke to, who we let in, where we went became literally life choices. Why should I celebrate the same fucking way everybody else is? I haven't been living the same way everybody else is. None of us have. Why are we all having the same traditions? If you're a traditional person, by all means, do you. But for my mentality, it was more like I haven't been. You guys haven't gone through what I went through during this. So why should we all be eating turkey? Go eat turkey if that's what you want to do. I'm having fucking steak. You know why? And I'm saying I'm not saying I have steak. This is metaphoric. It's an analogy, folks. But I'm just saying, you know why? Because at the end of the day, we've all been living on very different paths. There's no reason for us to all meet just because there's a calendar date. And that's how I feel about New Year's. 
Nothing's changed. So please, don't bring me that shit. If you're listening to the show, you know that's not what we're about here. So yeah, I see the same shit that we're going through. Everybody's suffering. We're all going through the same shittiness one way or another. And as far as COVID news goes, Nick Jackson is another person who he brought it up and he said in a recent post, crazy to think that there's still COVID deniers out there in the world. I had a pretty bad case of COVID in early September that kept me bedridden for nearly three weeks. I couldn't taste or smell for two and a half months. At one point, my whole body had hives on it. And my doctor told me that it was definitely from COVID. Matt had to do the majority of the work in matches once I returned safely because I couldn't catch my breath. My cardio is finally back, but it took months to finally feel like myself again. Let's protect each other and wear a mask. And then apparently he also went on to talk about how his aunt died from it. I mean, you're hearing people who are telling you, look, I was fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? And all the while, you still got fucking Tyler Rex and all these areas out there. Don't be sheep. Yeah. Weird that like, that bitch, ball dropping. Be, be healthy. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> weird that that ball dropping wasn't like an electromagnetic pulse and EMP. Just right. You know, the COVID just gone. That's what I thought. The way people talk about it, you thought you think that's what was supposed to happen. You would. Right. And uh, Ringside News apparently knows who the SmackDown star is that has been infected but they said that out of privacy they will not be revealing the name of the infected superstar but they can confirm that they're currently involved in a television storyline so again this is just starting get ready and it's already showed up in new york this new more powerful strand this is just starting here's 2020 you're right it's not going to be like it's not going to be like 2020 anymore because 2020 had the weaker version of this this is the new upgraded empire strikes back COVID. that was just the star wars episode 4 new hope COVID. All you have to do is use the force and throw two photon torpedoes into it. This one, you have to fight in the snow, and you're going to get your fucking arm cut off to save you. And Darth Vader's your father. Spoiler alert. I love how you had to throw head will kick. I'm just saying, we're in the middle movie. The middle movie's always rough, man. Middle movie's always rough. It's where the most violence goes on. Think about it. Think back to all your middle movies. Not just Empire Strikes Back. Think back to anything else. Think back to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. You ever think about the fact that people always think of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? Whenever they think of Indiana Jones, but they don't think of Raider of the of the Lost Ark because the Temple of Doom is the second movie. The first movie is not even doesn't even have Indiana Jones' fucking name in it. Think about that. Terminator Two, Judgment Day. That's the one you were judged in, not in one. See what I mean? Matrix Two Reloaded. They were reloading guns in that fucking highway all all the way. Okay, that's going wild. Next Friday, he had to move to a new neighborhood and Dodge Devo and Dodge Devo. Yep. Look at that one. And no Chris Tucker, so it killed it. Right. <laughs> Even death in that sense. I had Number two, on man. That one too, damn it. Number two, Lord of the Rings, the two towers. Look at that big fight at the, in the castle where like the armies are coming in trying to raid and everything. Like coming up the steps and bringing night. ladders. Either way, the middle one is fucked up. It will always be number twos. Look at Raw. It's shit right now. It's a number two. Also, <laughs> you're right. Ninja Turtles 2, the, 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 the secret of the ooze. That was the best movie out of the three. Three sucks always. So, you know, we're dead in 2022. As a matter of fact, look at Aliens 3. Ripley died. Look at Terminator 3. Franchise died. Mass Effect 3. <laughs> huh? He died. Who? I said Mass Effect 3. Okay. Yeah, look at Mass Effect. You know? died. Look at Spider-Man 3. You know? Yeah, Harry you're right. Look at, the, look at the 3. Look at Matrix <laughs> Revelation. That was a horrible movie. You see what I mean? So we're fucking dead in another year. This is the one we're going to get the most action. But in 2021, the world ends. You don't need Nostradamus for this shit. You just have to understand trilogies. In we're in the secret of the ooze right now, but we're time traveling next year, motherfucker. Hell no. <laughs> you fucking stupid. 
I'm still trying to think of two. Look at Highlander 2. <laughs> Garbage. Holy shit. Unbelievable. Oh my God. We're in part two, the sequel. This time it's personal. That's, I think, how I'm going to start putting the date to everything. I'm going to put it like January 11th, 2020, and then Roman numeral two. <laughs> you know, or even better, I'm going to get the uh, I'm going to get the freaking image from Ghostbusters, two, And I'm just going to put 2020 and then just have the ghost doing the two oh, next to it from now on. This is 2022. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Look at this. This guy's on a roll here. Can you shut the fuck up? We're going to be here all night. All right, stop it. Yeah, I want to have a show about this. I don't need to talk about the wrestling anymore. My sh- I'm more invested in the part twos of shit. You know, talk to me about the twos, the terrible twos. Anyway. We do have to move on, as sad as I am about that. And we're not going to yeah. talk about any more COVID stuff. That was the main stuff, man. There's more people sick. We'll bring you more. This is not over yet. It doesn't look like it's going to really be over. So oh, another year of this, man. God. All right. Well, let's talk wrestling, right? Let's talk about some of the weeklies. Oh. We're continuing from last week with New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom 15 in the Tokyo Dome. Night two. There were a couple of matches that I do not know. How they turned out because they were dark matches that did not have a pre-show to my knowledge. Did they? Um, I did not see. Uh, it was like a dark six-man match. It was the Queen's Quest, which is AZM and Saya Kimatani against Utami Haya Kishita versus Donna Del Mondo. Good Lord. Which that stable is Himeki and Micah and Natsupoi. I don't know what the fuck that is. Then there was another dark match. There was Mayu Iwatani. We know her. And Tam Nakano against Donna Del Mondo, other members, Gulia and Siuri. What are these stardom girls? Or where the fuck did they come from? It must be, right? I don't know. They gotta be stardom girls. Anyway, so those are the dark matches. I don't know the finishes or any of that stuff. Um, I don't know if they put it on the New Japan Pro Wrestling World. I'll have to go back and look. But the first match to this that we can officially see on the pay-per-view was the New Japan Pro Wrestling King of Pro Wrestling Fatal 4-Way Vacant title match. Which brings yeah, because this is one of those uh, annual things where you don't go in necessarily as a defending champion. They just completely take it away and you go in fresh. Yeah. You had Toriyano, Bushi, Bad Luck Fale, and Chase Owens because night one, those were the last four in that battle royal. Um, I have to give a lot of credit here. Bad Luck Fale uses a finger point of doom when he, right. too, when he too sweeps Chase Owens to the ground. They almost legit did a finger point of doom at the anniversary of the finger point of doom. Because remember, last week was our finger point of doomsday episode. It was the anniversary of that happening. I can't believe that almost happened to the date by another company that two sweets. But of course, it didn't happen, thankfully. There are too many people in the match for that. Um, Even when they do get their shit together, Fale and Owens ultimately wind up fighting over the cover, which we've seen happen like a thousand times. But you know what, man? Honestly, the Bullet Club stuff at this point makes me sleepy. Just not enough New Japan stuff, too much of them being in the ring. Like, it's blatant at this point. They're really burying the refs and making them look bad when these guys are just running amok. Sometimes they're just in the ring, you know? Everybody's just in the ring. Like, how many people can come in and interfere? And then it makes it worse because all of their interferences always make them look stupid, you know? Because uh, at the end of the day... You had the two Bullet Club guys working together, Fale and Owens, and and they both go to fuck with the ref. But then Yano comes from behind and hits them with double low blows, and he winds up going over. And the funny thing is, he didn't even pin them. He pinned Bushi. It makes them all look stupid, though. You know what I mean? Like the tough Bullet Club. Look what happened to you. Tricked again. 
We had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team title match with Suzuki Gun members El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru defending their titles against Master Wato and Ryusi Taiguchi. Finish being with the ref distracted once again, bearing the refs in this company. You have the double underhook driver, which I believe he calls Pinche Loco via El Desperado. Yeah. What are your thoughts of this? It's, it's freaking, again, Taiguchi, that was a old funky weapon. That's a fucking missed funky weapon. But yeah, this match was, um, I oh got, I, I hadn't thought about the junior heavyweight tag division in so long. But yeah, this was very entertaining. A lot of high speed chaos in this one. Whoops, sorry, didn't mean to do that. Continue. Oh, no, no, you good. This mess but yeah, um, this match was kind of all over the place. I forgot how hard it is to keep up with the junior heavyweights sometimes. Yeah, really solid stuff. I do like Master Wado. He's pretty cool. He really, that kid's athletic. Yeah, very, very solid. Very, very athletic. Check this out. I actually got this up on the screen here. Here's Master Wado. Here's that torpedo spot that he does here, which I thought looks really freaking good. You know, check this. Hair's a little weird, but whatever. He has a, he has a look. Yeah. You know, look at that. Beautiful. That is beautiful. Like that. Nice form from the kid. Give him oh, a lot of credit there. Good lands on his feet like a beast, too. Look at you. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's cheating even here with no Bullet Club because at one point, Kanemaru is literally throwing the ref around so that he's not facing him while he's doing eye pokes and a bunch of other stuff. You know, like how much can you touch the ref where you're grabbing by the shirt and just throwing him on the ground, pulling him back up, using him as a weapon? It's just like, you know, at one point, the ref, there's so much of this going on that at one point, the ref turns around too fast. And Kanemaru is blatantly looking right at the ref when he's doing these eye rakes and shit and he just does nothing it's like they're making the the, the officiating in new japan and it's always been that the refs lenient the, the refs they're taught not to do a stoppage where it's like in wwe the rule is the moment that they catch that that's it you call for the bell it's like in this it's supposed to be the job the, the job of the ref to try to keep this match going but it's to a point where there is supposed to sometimes be a stoppage if you have like an entire stable in the ring and they're picking you up by your shirt and throwing you in the air and sliding you under the rope giving you wedgies and noogies and shit call the fucking bell you know what i mean it's just like i that that started to annoy me about the things with this company and uh yeah i don't know i don't know I, this company has too much wrestling going for it for them to uh sacrifice it all just to uh just for just for some more fuckery you know i, I it's weird how a lot of companies, AEW is guilty of that, but it's weird to see it in, in important matches like this where it's like almost every match has something crazy happening in it, you know? Yeah, definitely. And the match can stand on its own merit because just to give you guys an example, this is a really cool sequence that happened during this match, you know? Like, just look at some of the wrestling. Like, Taiguchi, remember that this was Finn Balor's tag team partner. Like, yeah, they're doing com- comedic gimmick and shit here. Look at this, man. Look at these guys go. Things. This is what I want to see when I watch New Japan. Right I don't need all that other shit happening on the outside. See that reverse no, where he transitions there, brings him in, looks like he's trying to go for some sort of a vertebraker, and then this guy manages to get out of it like that, like he slips backwards. How dope is that? You know, then he turns around, like, look at that. Look at how fucking cool this is. That's what I need from New Japan. I didn't come here to watch people screwing around with the rest. See, look. Look at that. That's fantastic, man. You see, that's what I'm talking about. There's sequences like that. That's what really I like about this. You know, at one point, Taiguchi went, when he hit that slam at the end, that was like a, I think that was a callback to Nakamura because he tends to do a lot of Nakamura spots. Yeah, he he, he has his own little variation of the bear, of the Bumbaye. Mm-hmm. That was a, a, almost like a somewhat of a reverse exploder. Yeah, exactly. So um, 
I don't know if it's the influence of American culture on them, the way that their their style has had influence on us, but it's just kind of like, I feel like a lot of other companies tend to lean on shit like that out of necessity when you're not supposed to, whereas New Japan doesn't need to have things like that happening every match just because the sequences and the things we're seeing are good enough, especially at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't care about Ghetto and Jado doing fucking things every match, you know, just a bit much anyway. Never open weight title match. Shingo Takagi defending his title against Jeff Cobb with the finish being Shingo retaining with the last of the dragon. Surprise as hell. Holy shit fight. Surprise as hell that this, that Jeff Cobb wasn't getting this one. Um, that spot where Jeff Cobb had Shingo up in a crucifix powerbomb position and he's like screaming, like it looked like he was going to throw him to the outside and they're screaming, Jeff, Jeff. I thought that was really cool. Um, Jeff hits that tour of the islands, but his knee winds up giving out at one point, and then Shingo gets gets the ropes, and when uh when he goes for the second cover, there's just no luck there. Uh Cobb winds up getting a bloody nose in this. There's a cool moonsault power slam by Cobb that he does. This man moonsault. I don't think I've seen him do something like that before. Yeah. Really solid stuff. Again, Takagi retains a bit surprised, but we'll have to see what's next for both of these guys. Yeah, that. That's a guy with Cobb being that he's a former never open weight champion. He's always in the mix. So I guess it just happened to be Shingo's night. Yeah. Uh Sonata had a match against Evil, former partners facing up against each other. Uh Sonata hits that pop up TKO. Moonsault going over. Um again, and I hate to beat a dead horse, but with all the interference, it really makes the Bullet Club look like shit. You know what I mean? Like they're in this match constantly trying to help Evil from Sonata. You know what I mean? Like there's points, there's so much antics with Dick Togo and then pushing Sonata into the railing and Sonata eventually has to do a dive to take Dick Togo out of the way. But then literally like within seconds later in the next sequence, he's back in the ring. He keeps in the fury. He uses a chair. You know what I mean? They wind up getting in the ring and hitting the fucking magic killer. Can you imagine that? They're hitting a bullet club double team move in a singles match. The magic killer. That's how fucking distracted the ref is. That there's enough time to hoist somebody up and magic killer them and everybody roll out safely. Like it's so over the fucking top man it's so over the top um it almost feels to me like the bullet club is just a few spots away from like just one guy getting on the other guy's shoulders and then the two of them just draping a big white sheet over them and pretending to be a bigger (laughs) guy you know they're gonna pull the goten and trunks popovich no i'm mighty mask you know what i mean like Oh, what do we what, what do we do you're gonna cut eyes in the fucking belly so that you can have the two the big giant guy like they're, they're like goofy now you know you know you laugh you know you <laughs> it just it feels like that's what we're calling like the bullet club that used to be this feared intimidating thing where like if they if they all like if they all came in the ring to take somebody out and they stood tall you'd be like oh shit is serious now it became these cartoony guys that are that, that they can barely hold their own against against fucking anybody against toriano I just can't believe it. You know what I mean? It's it's depressing. I never thought after the NWO I would see a stable in this condition again, where your guys are just goofy, silly, your weakest baby faces can kick everybody's ass. You know, they're like straight up cartoon, man. They're foot soldiers, putties, doozers, cogs, lemmings. This is, bullet, this is, this is Bullet Club side B. Yeah. We got side A everywhere else. Unbelievable. Oh, and then... uh. There was a point where Sonata gets choked by Togo and he winds up taking this really shitty table bump. Did you see the shitty table bump that he took? Oh, I saw the shitty table bump. Wrestle Kingdom, my dude. Wrestle Kingdom. You know, remember remember Wrestle Kingdom? Look at this. Let's see if we can... Is this... Do I have it up on the right spot here? Look at this fucking table bump here. Oh! Beautiful! It's somewhere here. 
Look at him. So, so a wire thing happens, right? Look at how he, how he has to bump the table. Look at this. Remember what happened to Finnegan when that wire came out? Watch this garbage. Here we go. Here comes garbage. You know what it was? And I hate to be the devil's advocate on this one. We've seen the fact that you could almost drop a house on those New Japan tables and those fuckers don't break. He didn't want to get an eye on the table with that shit. And you didn't want to clear the table and wind up banging his head on the back of the ring. I get it, but then don't, the spot, you know, you look at that and you go, nope, not going to work. Kind of like the way Tiger Woods will line up a shot and make sure that the shot goes. He wouldn't just be like, fuck it. You know, I'm going to just put it in the lake because that's the only thing I could do. He'd it line not, it up. That's, that's the only, it's one of the few times I'm a devil's advocate on that one, but I'm like, if he's going to have to do the table bump, he did not want to eye him to table yeah. that shit. Flying elbow through the table. That's what that was. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at him, it, 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 it looked like shit. It but even looked worse because of the fact that, like, he got hit off the apron and then jumped with the elbow <laughs> after. Right. Like, it wasn't like he recoiled like he meant to do. It just it just looked rough, man. I'm not trying to be critical here, but, ah. The bad part is I saw it, but but knowing me, I instantly knew his thought process. Co-main event, I believe now, right? IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match. Taiji Ishimori, one of my favorite people. Noah guy. One of the guys I consider a side A of Bullet Club. Yeah, Noah guy, you know, really you know, all over the place. This guy's like, this guy goes way back, man. Like I'm talking, this guy is like a veteran in the sport against Always Hiromu. Always an intimidating look to mm-hmm. Against Hiromu Takahashi. Um, finished being Hiromu going over with the time bomb. Regains his junior heavyweight championship. Brutal striking, lots of intensity, solid match. Ishimori didn't they need the, the title. Shit out of each other. Yeah, Takahashi looked really solid. Uh you know, not much to say. I don't want to spot Cole here too much. It was physical. It was a brawling match, and it just looked good. On it finish. was too much to call, really, in this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I, love how, just, mm-hmm. which I love how with the with the, the junior heavyweight championship, it's literally just a mini world championship. Yeah, that's how they treat it. That's how I they do with that, all their like, junior like, stuff. That, I don't know if you think of the same way. That tells me how highly they think of that belt. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I totally feel that way and it's good that no belts are ever treated like garbage you know no if you're a champion you are the shit in this company no matter what division it is i mean this is the one time of the night we see all the well even since it's uh two nights now it's the one event of the year we see all of them online you never see that any other event in new japan nope so yeah uh but again, I, I thought it was interesting. I think that uh, the matches were solid. I know I've been really critical so far, but it's only because I'm seeing things that I don't normally see in this company, you know? Yeah. But all the matches have been fantastic. Yeah, like it's still you know, miles better than anything that we see anywhere else, you know? I will say that much. Oh, yeah. You know? Anyway, that brings us to the IWGP heavyweight slash intercontinental title match Kota Ibushi defending against Jay White being accompanied of course by Ghetto with the finish being Kamigoya to the back of Jay White's head and then to the front pancaked him flattened his head <laughs> those were kill shot hits. I watched this with Seb and it was funny because I kind of realized we realized halfway through that the jokes were going to carry over we were going to talk about them on here but um he kept saying that uh, when it comes to Jay White, it reminded him of the old gimmick that if it's not white, it's not right. And um, oh I remember, I remember ironically saying that uh, 
they should allow Jay White to have a show like Piper's Pit called Bullet Points. And that should be the slogan. If it's not Jay White, it's not right. <laughs> it's not Jay White. It's not Jay White. You can get away with it. You know why you could get away with it? Because at one point, right after we made this joke, if you go back and listen to commentary, I believe it was Kevin Kelly who, when when uh, Coda slides both belts into the ring, awkward as hell, had to rewind it again to make sure my ears didn't deceive me. He says the white are symbolizing the strongest. What the fuck is he talking about? First of all, the right. I, isn't the icy belt? Isn't the icy belt the white one? Yeah. Which would be the belt below the top tier belt? I can't remember, but you said something for the, the heavyweight one, and it was supposed to put it over it in a sense. But then again, just I a, guess it's, maybe it's just, just a, a poor choice a, of words. You know, it's just a, it's just weird. The white symbolizing the strongest. Huh? I, I feel like I know what he meant. Just the wording could have been way better. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after we just finished saying, if it's not Jay White, it's not right. Oh my god! Because I mean, I guess the way like since they're since they're now on pretty consistent regular basis being defended together, I guess he almost meant to make meant to mention like like two sides of a coin or something. But yeah, a little bit better wording there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> May as well have just said if it's not white, it's not right at that point. Oh my god! You know. <laughs> But already we get more ghetto bullet shit here. That's what I'm gonna call it from now on bullet shit instead of bullshit. More ghetto bullet shit. Um JY winds up hitting Ibushi with a high angle suplex on the apron. Actually, I'm gonna bring that up because it, it was good enough to see. I'll put it that way. You know, let's get that up here. Blah 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 blah. I know audio people are pissed. He'll be alright. Y'all been here before. <laughs> we know we love y'all. <laughs> Yeah, you're just not a priority. No, I'm kidding. Oh, and the heat's coming. <laughs> God, this is hard to get to. Yeah. Give me a minute here. Oh, I'm finding it. But I will say, even though I've not been the biggest Jay White person of all the matches I've seen, this was probably one of my favorites of his because he had me scared the whole, whole fucking match. Yeah. But he hey. he worked well. No, I keep going. I'm just looking for it. I was like, he. He, his everything about him, he works amazing as a heel. Cause you can't fucking stand him. And I was never more terrified for somebody to lose a match than it was in this one. All right, so we got this going on here. Look at this. That's rough, man. Oh, that is some brutality. Motherfucker crumpled. He sure did. Like I've always said, Cody Abushi's pain tolerance frightens me because the level of shit you can do to that kid, and he'll get back up, is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like he's a borderline terminator. And then uh he counters the momentum of that uh that blade running into that backdrop, you know? Oh my god. You get a bombaye because once again, shout out to Nakamura. Um but Red Shoes winds up catching the foot on the ropes. Yeah, he tried to get him the same way he got him when he took the briefcase. Of course there's an appearance from Murder Rabushi. And that's right. Good callback. But we talked about that earlier with the G one. The whole way he took Coda's dream away was with that same foot on the rope spot, yeah. but this time Red Shoes catches it. And Which, uh, for those who don't uh, understand what they mean by murder of Bushi, it's this zone Coda goes to where well, you've seen people no shell, no sell shots. This kid doesn't budge at all, and it's great. It, the only thing that moves is his, and he has this blank, vacant stare in his eyes, and then he just starts hitting you harder than you've ever seen a person hit before. Yeah. And there's malice behind these shots. And then, awkwardly enough, Jay White lays down and he begs for Ibushi to cover him. Predictable bullshit here. But instead, 
Ibushi just beats the fuck out of him. Like he just gets on yeah. top of him and starts hitting him really hard with forearms. Bad idea to lay down. You expect to lay down. I know what he was going for. You you didn't do the old small package. He lays down and ha ha, I got you one, two, no. Instead he just got on top of him and just started hitting him really hard. I bet he thought about that one. Like shit, I shouldn't have laid down. <laughs> shouldn't have laid down for old murder Ibushi. <laughs> yeah. But then uh Red Shoes tries to intervene, pulling Ibushi off of him, which I don't know why he bothers, and Ibushi pushes Red Shoes away, and and in the distraction, Jay White low blows Ibushi, so thankfully this didn't cost him a match, every time something like that happened, I was worried we were going to see these motherfuckers leave with the titles. They're going to get police escorted out of there. Ibushi they, hits, hits Those the, fans can't scream, but they can beat the shit out of you. Huh? Yeah, Ibushi hits that German on Jay White from the ropes, I thought it looked really good. Um, I always also, love that move, because it shows the power that that kid has with him. Yeah. Also, Jay White countering the Kamagoye into a sleeper suplex, Shades of Kevin Steen. Very excellent callback so spot there. They should have said it, but cool anyway. Uh, his, his regal plex is really good as well. Yeah, very solid. You're right. That was another really cool I one. I think he hit, uh, he hit two of them during this match. Mm-hmm. He sure did. Um, the Blade the blade Runner countered into that backslide into the Kamagoya for a two count was a cool se- sequence. Ibushi's a Phoenix Splash. Uh, with Ghetto once again having to pull the fucking ref out here to keep the match going. Um, and of course, Ghetto finally gets his own Kamagoya. Fuck him. You know? <laughs> that motherfucker um, said, that's it for you, nice son. And then you're right. After that sequence comes the point where the Kamagoya gets countered into one of Regal's plexes. The good old Regal plex. Um, and then if we're not done with callback moves yet, you got Jay White hitting the Bloody Sunday, the original Bullet Club finisher. So he really went out of his way. He pulled out all the stops here. They, they did a good job of telling a story that at the end of this, if this guy gets pinned, he'd be devastated. Because when you think about like where he had to go, like the places that he needed to reach into in order for some of these moves, you know what I mean? From hitting William Regal's Regalplex to hitting Kevin Steen's Super Sleeper, you know what I mean? Um, his, his, his Sleeper Suplex, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Um, hitting Finn Balor's Bloody Sunday. You know, for at one point Devitt's he blood, hit Blade the Blade Sunday. Runner, I think, that Abushi kicked out of. Yeah, he hit the Blade Runner, exactly. See what I mean? And then all the shit, and then at the end of the day, he loses. He gets Kamagoya sandwiched. So. Yeah, why put on a hell of a performance? Say what you want about him, but that kid, that kid earned his keep in this Wrestle Kingdom main event. Absolutely. Like, there, there were moments where you genuinely were like, holy shit, he's about to win this. Absolutely. I can't argue with you there. But yeah, Abushi got it, and oh my god, the sigh of relief you could feel from him. And then afterwards, because it's like he survived it. That's it now. <laughs> yeah, and then afterwards, Sonata comes out, and I guess well, they're they're leading up to Sonata, which is very interesting to think that's a completely different flavor of New Japan. They're pushing Sonata up to something like this, which at the end of the day, I'm not even going to complain about. I know some people have been like Sonata, Sonata, Sonata. I mean, Sonata. they only were in the G1 final together, so why not? Yeah, it's just that people aren't used to seeing wrestling booking actually being effective. So now when they see it, it's weird. It's like when you give somebody a salad who just eats junk food all the time, their stomach can't handle that shit. Because really, isn't that the way it's supposed to work? If you have a guy who's always been really good, like Kota Ibushi, and he gets elevated to a main event status, your next step would probably be to take that main event guy and have him elevate another young guy like himself to main event status. That way, when the older guys are not there, that younger guy who's carrying the belt has already elevated his rivals. So why not do something like that? You know? With Sonata, of all people, why not? What's wrong? Very deserving. You can't uh, please anybody because like, if it would have been Okada, they would have been like Okada again or Tanahashi again or would have, nothing. They right. wouldn't have won with anything. 
in here. It's something different. Elevate other people. It's, you can't have it both ways. You can't complain with the WWE keeps giving you the same shit. And then whenever New then Japan when has people you something different, like who you, literally you know. are climbing the ranks and they're trying to bring up younger people, you're complaining about that shit. Have to have some sort of, at least stick to your booking philosophy. I know some people like Paul Heyman. Some people hate him. Some people like Bruce Pritchard. Destin and I hate him. You know, some people uh, like Jim Cornette. Some people hate him. But you know what? At least in most cases, each of these guys has their perspective. Jim Ross as well. Bischoff, all these guys. They all stick to their booking philosophies. They don't change it. If one guy believes that this needs to be more, less kayfabe being broken and more realistic and not letting the audience in on the secrets and shit, but the other guy feels that everybody already knows and it's okay or whatever, it's two different philosophies. At least you know what perspective they have and they're sticking to it. I kind of feel like fans don't do that. Fans will be okay with something in some cases and not okay with others. Like if you have a philosophy about what you think wrestling should be, that might help you have a better taste what wrestling is and this is the reason why i don't listen to some people and i listen to others it's not me turning my nose up to some you're going yeah i'm a better fan than you it's me acknowledging that you don't have a strong enough philosophy on wrestling for me to really give it credibility and that's not being judgmental so much as being observant in the fact that you should have an idea what kind of wrestling you believe in and like and that doesn't mean you can't enjoy other stuff but uh the fans go back and forth a little bit too much with shit like this and I guess that's one of my bigger issues with it. Yeah. One thing I do like um, after the match was over, one thing I love that Jay um, did, Jay White was still constantly reaching for Abushi and reaching for the titles. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. What's his name? Uh, Taiguchi did the same thing. Or Taichi, rather. Taichi did the same thing uh, in a lot of his matches. That's like a thing they do a lot in uh, New Japan. You know? Yeah, It's a, it's a really cool little detail because it shows like They've lost, but there's still some kind of fight left. But it's like the match is over, so it's just like, just let it go. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, afterwards in the press conference, you had Jay White show up, which let's see if we can bring that up here. This is what I'm talking about. Right there, sums up my situation. I feel like I'm physically the closest to death I've ever been. Hopefully that I ever will be. You just all saw what I put on the line. I put myself at risk. Not directly for your entertainment. For myself. But a byproduct of me being in the so by proxy, I go and put myself through that. Eventually, for your entertainment, I can barely walk. And you, you, you will just stand and stare at me. You, one, two, three, sitting down. You standing there. You never think to help somebody in need, huh? Did you enjoy that? You enjoy watching me try to walk up here? For what? I do. I go through all of that. All of that. For what? And you, you don't even have the tiniest bit of respect, the tiniest bit of empathy to where you would think, ah, 
help somebody. That's right, help them. Just get there. I don't know everybody watching. <laughs> you stupid. <laughs> Even if they had the chance, they wouldn't have helped. I will never be appreciated like I should be. I see it. I see it now. Everything I've done. Everything I've done. You want to talk to Switchblade JY? I'm sorry. You're just kidding, Jamie. Sacrifices. Years away, when I first left New Zealand, I didn't see my family, my parents. I didn't see them for three and a half years. What the fuck is this, a baby Because I term? dedicated myself to this. I put everything into this. I believe in myself like you wouldn't believe. I know what I can do. I know. At least I thought I knew. No matter how much I feel like I know it in here and in here, no matter how much I believe that it's my moment, my time, that it's my destino, that I was about to become God, I end up being wrong. I end up being wrong. And don't you love that, huh? You like me saying that? You enjoy that? I was wrong. I guess it wasn't my destino. Last year, no, it wasn't. Was it this year? No. Don't ziggly yourself, bro. Still, it still wasn't my, my, it still, it was still wasn't my new era. Doesn't that make you all? Doesn't that make you all happy? I am on. I am out here in Japan, wasting my life away for what? During a global pandemic. I could be a homebrother now. Now it'll be worth it. Sacrifice, 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 and it'll be worth it. You will get both of those belts when you finally. I'm not gonna do this anymore. Not for any of you. Not for any of you. Not for any of the people out there. If I can't do it for myself, then it's what not worth doing. It's not worth me being here. Fuck. Fuck. All right, I'm. <laughs> Damn. I don't know if this is over, but I'm. Maybe. I'm, I'm done. Maybe. Oh yeah, that, that, that was uncomfortable. This reminds me of the original Buffy the Vampire better. Slayer. Remember when the last vampire got staked? <laughs> Wasn't the last vampire Luke Perry? I think they were. In the original Buffy, ironically. 
and he and he was selling getting staked through the heart even to the very end of the movie. He's going, arr, 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 arr. that's what he's like. Like he wouldn't die. Like even after the credits roll, the after credits is still him there wincing in fucking pain. Do this he was the original <laughs> Peter Griffin with the. Ah, oh, it's just great that oh, even when the movie. Yeah. So that's no, what it is. Jay Weiss reminded me of the original Buffy, the vampire she stakes, and the motherfucker's still holding his heart even when the credits roll. This is all it's for. I'm dumb, bro. I can't even. What the fuck is this? So everybody, uh, the the, I guess the IWC, they've been saying it like that's his uh farewell promo, I guess, because he might be leaving New Japan. Because we're all, because you know, we all say like usually around this time. I think yeah, he's so not leaving. Changing, everybody's contact. It's is all up. rumors. Yeah, it's all rumors right now. Nobody really knows. They so signed know him. He is interesting, you know? They signed him to a seven-year contract in 2018. Contracts don't dematerialize. That was oh, all yeah. dirty buzz. He's in the seven-year contract. This has oh, yeah, to be a storyline. Yeah. So he, Plus, when he, when the hell has anybody ever left New Japan like that? With a with a promo and it laying across the ground, that's clearly an angle. There wasn't any single part of that. That come on, that that shit is all bullshit. Yes, you hear that. Like I said, I'm only going by what I read. But then no, I know, because it's been all over the place, you know. But the one thing that tells me is that sounds like a man who, and just for the record, George, not that good. Come on now, you couldn't have watched a match. Maybe but, things uh, have changed. I mean, you don't have to take me on my word, but I'm just saying, to my understanding, he was on a seven-year contract. Right. You know. But, like, but yeah, if we're looking at the angle where he stays, that is a man who was virtually on the verge of snapping because his breathing was very labored. labored. The giggling, going into crying. Either he got Kamagoya straight to death, or that is somebody who probably the next time we see him, that's going to be an unhinged Jay White. Because it kind of makes sense. Like he was literally on, he, like he said, he was on the verge of becoming God. Yeah. His well, first wrestling main event, he was literally on the cusp of glory and it got Kamagoya away. Yeah. Well, the next time we see him is the following day because New Japan Pro Wrestling New Year Dash 2021, as you know, follows the next day. I'm not going into any details any matches. Destin can chime in if he wants. But to me, a lot of this wasn't angle based and storyline based. And I'm not here to call spots. Watch the wrestling. Um, We had a singles match, Yuji Nagata against Gabriel Kidd, which uh, was finished was Yuji Nagata going over. The tag team match of Tiger Mask and Yuya Yumira against Suzuki Guns. Suzuki and Minoru Suzuki himself, with the finish being Suzuki's pile driver. Uh, you had a six-man match, which was the team of uh, Tenzan and Kojima, um, along with this is Ten Koji, what they called themselves, along with Yoda Suji against the United Empire, which is Je- um, Will Ospreay's stable that includes uh, Jeff Cobb, Great Okan, and his girlfriend Bea Priestley. Uh, the finish to this was that nasty pop-up off-cutter double team on Kojima. Um, afterwards, the great Okan beats the fuck out of Tenzan and he hits him with that TDD, which is his own tombstone pile driver. Um, Kojima lays across Tenzan to try to protect him from the Empire, but Osprey winds up hitting him with the hidden blade, knocking him out. Tenzan gets stretchered out. Very dramatic moments here. This is probably one of the biggest things of, of New Year Dash. Kojima's calling him his, by his government. So that's when you know shit is real. He's like, Yamamoto-san, trying to wake him up while they're like stretching him out. Really cool selling here, too. I like this, you know. It oh, yeah. did a good job because I know we're trying to establish the Empire as, as good heels. So it's just cool that you have a team that's like longtime old friends and shit, like old buddies and shit. The guy gets knocked out protecting his friend, you know what I mean? And now he's calling him Yamamoto. He's like, Yamamoto-san. It's like more cool. Like I know sometimes in WWE or in other companies, they'll try that shit. Someone will say someone's name. 
Like, you know, I mean, I take you. Oh, wow. He said his name, put him on. But it just worked really good. Uh, yeah, I'm liking this group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It was interesting to see where it goes. I don't know if I like him yet, but we'll see. Jeff Cobb in there is certainly interesting. Yeah. Uh, eight-man tag matches up next. More Suzuki Gun. This time it's El Dasperado, Tai Chi, and Kanemaru, and Zack Sabre Jr. With Doki, once again, returning, because he was just out there uh, for the uh, for the Suzuki match a couple of a couple of matches ago. Um, but yeah, with Doki out there. And this is against the Bullet Club. You have El Fantasmo, Ishimori, Tamatanga, and Tangaloa, and of course, Jado out there. And uh, the finishes of Fantasma going over Kanemaru with with a super kick. Um, and afterwards, the baby faces are complaining. They said something was off. Apparently, there was a loaded boot. I'm guessing. I don't know how to fuck you load a boot, but they said something about Fantasmo hitting Kanemaru with the super kick was off. Which why not, right? Why 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 have any time the fucking Bullet Club any member of this be in there something not be off? So fuck it. Yeah, his boot was loaded. You know, or they happen so much with them, the boot could not be loaded and be like, "Hey, it was loaded." Fuck you it, know there, what? Right? it might have yeah. been. <laughs> Ten man tag team match: Chaos members: Kazuchika Okada, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi, and of course Toriyano. All of Chaos against Bullet Club members: Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, Evil, Jay White, and Yujiro Takahashi. With of course Dick Togo and Ghetto out there. I'm surprised Jado wasn't out there too. Fuck it, bring everybody out of the locker room here. Finish being Tomohiro Ishii going over Jay White with the vertical drop brain buster, which so much for Jay White being a darker, evil, more aggressive anything. Yeah, well, then again, I mean, shoot, you go 24 hours after becoming God, yeah, that's, that's gonna take some time. Yeah, and it's funny. I'll give them credit for one thing in New Japan because these stables wouldn't, when you look at it chaos mainly is led by now uh okada one point it was nakamura yeah, nakamura you know I mean? created it you look at stables like that you look at suzuki guns always been Minoru suzuki but he's old as shit it's amazing um but then you look at bullet club they've gone through like a few leaders you know you have different members in lij i like the fact that new japan handles their stables differently it's almost like what stable you're a part of is more important than things like being heel or babyface they handle bullet club uh suzuki gun los ingor bernables you know all these different stables and chaos the way that like harry potter handles like gryffindor and slytherin and raven and ravencraft and shit like that you know what i mean like it's almost like the house that you belong to determines your principles like you know that the chaos guys are like this and the bullet club guys are like that and the suzuki gun guys are like this like i like the fact that they did a better job at their stables establishing an identity you know what i mean you can look at their groups when they do team poses and you know what they are and what they're about individually and as a team i think they do really excellent jobs with stables in there and it also makes it a bigger deal like example with evil when somebody leaves or turns on that stable, it's a big deal. Exactly. Exactly. When Osprey left Chaos, it was a big deal. And when none of these Evil stables left Lij. It was a big deal. And none of these stables ever need to disband either. You can just have people do things, be in their stable, but it doesn't have to define them. They could have singles matches, be champions, whatever. It doesn't. They'll fight each other, mean, and it'll know? be like another day in the neighborhood. Yeah, and it makes it cooler. Like on matches, like to me, as much as I'm not really reporting as much for New Year's Dash, for me personally. 
it's not because there's nothing to report. It's because there's not much storyline. It's a lot of wrestling. It's just a bunch of matches. But for me personally, as a fan, New Year Dash is infinitely better than Wrestle Kingdom. And I know that that's like a minority opinion. It's not the popular opinion. But I've said on here many times that my favorite kind of wrestling, even growing up, has always been the group matches, the stable matches, stuff like Survivor Series, you know, and New Year Dash literally is that instead of you seeing all these singles matches, you're seeing all the guys that are teams come out together and fight. And that's way more fun, tells way more stories, you see way more chemistry. There's funny moments at the time between certain people. Um, certain double teams that otherwise wouldn't be possible encounters and people can be more creative with the offense. It doesn't mean I don't like a good singles match, but when I see group matches like this put together, look at this match. Look at the way New Year's Dash was. You had eight man match, 10 man match, 10 man match, six man match. This is better than Survivor Series and it's what Survivor Series is supposed to be. And, and I enjoy and, it. Um, and, and from also a physical health note. New Year's Dash gives everybody a chance to recover because half these guys do these matches because they're half dead from Wrestle Kingdom. Exactly. I look at it like this. And for anyone, only people who are fans of anime are going to get this. Like when I was growing up, you had TV series and then you had OVA series. For anyone who doesn't know OVA series or OAV series, depending on how you say it, it basically means original video animation. It means that this is something, it's almost like a fancier version of uh, movies that are straight to video, movies that are straight to DVD. For example, in OVA, this is not canon. This is just fun so that we could draw and do cool things with the characters and make money while doing it. So that being said, um, if you look at a series like Dragon Ball Z, they had 13 OVAs originally, not counting when they did gods and all that other shit, but just the core series had 13 OVAs. Uh, and the reason for these are like 45 minutes to an hour. They call them movies in America, movie one to 13. But the point is the reason for these OVAs was it was an opportunity to just see all the characters together doing cool shit, being cool in action scenes. Because honestly, when you really watch the series, that doesn't happen very often. As much as that's the way that it's portrayed and stereotyped, how often are these characters together all in teams doing team shit like the Avengers? Almost never, because since it's a little bit more grounded in its fictitious world, the kind of epic battles that you're having don't lend an opportunity for people to just be flying around. Most of the time, you'll get fucking killed. So we're busy trying to figure out how to get you back. So that being said, you know, I compare New Japan. I digress. I, I compare New Japan and New Year Dash shit like that, like the OVAs to the series, where it's like the, the Wrestle Kingdom, those two nights sort of tell you a long story that's been lasting years. But then the New Year Dash, it's just elements of action. With all the characters where they are now. No titles are changing hands. Nobody's going to get injured or taken out. Uh, aside from, yeah, that one thing, which normally that's like a little abnormality, what happened with this guy, Yamamoto-san. <laughs> but for that the was most like part, one of the rare cases that we're going to build most, something for the next year. But for the most part, like Destin said, it's like a Dragon Ball movie. You know, it's like, it's like, or it's, it's even like an Avengers movie. It's for you to sit back. It's a popcorn thing. It's like, now you're going to, these guys go kill them some crazy ass matches. Now you're going to, like, no one really has to work that hard. As far yeah, as I the mean, wrestlers and as fans, you just get to see like a lot of cool spots and shit. Now you do. See, and that's what I mean. That's my problem with AEW. That's when you're supposed to do those kind of things. Like, all right, now we're having this wild ass fucking couple of hours of wrestling. Not when it's like fucking every match, one on one match, two on two match, tag team match, fucking battle royal, no matter what. Like that's that kind of pacing only works now. Anyway, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to say that, um, where where I always where I gained the theory of it also being kind of a recovery time for some of the guys. It was actually after a uh, Wrestle Kingdom eleven. 
I think you remember that when they had a Bullet Club versus Chaos match. Fucking Okada and Omega were held together with bubble gum, bubble gum and glue. Yeah. <laughs> because they had literally killed each other 24 hours over earlier. And it was like, okay, now we have a 10 minute, 10 man tag team match. These guys are not wrestling that much, but they're still going to get to go. Yeah. So, so New Year's Dash was, was good filler. I would even go as far as saying that maybe Dustin's not even wrong about the fact that, uh, what you might call it, Jay White might have a darker tone or some other shit and they just weren't going to do it because of the way we just described New Year's Dash is just kind of like that chill after show. You know, like New Year's Dash is like, oh, they almost use that like their Jackbox night in a weird it, way. It's kind of you know? like how um, with some guys, I already mentioned the G1, how some of the guys had clearly already lost, but they keep going. It's finished in the journey. Yeah. Because Wrestle Kingdom weekend is in the center journey. You compete that you compete your match on Wrestle Kingdom and you compete one more time in New Year's Dash. I almost forgot that there was New Year's Dash until you said it. When you when we DM'd briefly over the weekend. Yeah. You mentioned it and I'm I'm so used to Wrestle Kingdom just being one night that the second night of it threw me off. Because yeah, every year, January fourth, we watch wrestling Monday and Tuesday. And yeah, I did since they had it since they had it this <laughs> year. It was uh, the 4th and the 5th. New Year's Dash came out on the 6th this year. Right. And when Seb and I were, were uh, streaming and we hit you up and I asked you what you were up to and you said, you know, you were getting ready to watch that and New Year's Dash. I remember thinking, wait, what? I was like, oh, hmm. Yeah, because you, like, you, oh, you, you mentioned better, like New Year's Dash and that one. I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, shit. I guess I have. I, I, I completely forgot because I watched the. See what I mean about how much harder this gets? I watched the normal amount and there was still more. You know, to me, night two was my New Year's dash. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, what is this going to become? And fucking extravaganza? When, when, when are we going to become like the G1? I hope not. I can't do it. Uh, did we finish all the matches? No, right? Oh, no. No, because we just get the chaos. There was still one more. Right. Was, uh, okay, the 10-man so tag match. This was of the baby faces, basically. Top baby faces. Tanahashi, Kota Ibushi, Master Wado, Rocky Romero, and Sho. Against Los Ingobernables, Bushi, Hiromu Takahashi, Sanada, Takagi, and of course their leader Tatsuya Naito. First and time I think we've seen all these guys together in a while. Yeah. Focus was not on Naito at all, even to the point that the music they came out to, I believe it was Bushi's music, right? Yeah, giving Bushi some of the starlight. Yeah, I guess it's the people who are holding the highest title. Whoever has the highest title is going to be the one out of the stable. I don't know if that's tradition since I'm used to the leader always having the highest title. But I've never thought about the fact that because if anyone hasn't noticed in New Japan, entrances are dealt with a little bit different. Like if you're part of a stable, like usually the top guy's music will hit and then his whole stable will come out in a line and he'll be at the very back of the line. So like if it's in in Gobernables, a lot of the time you'll see like the lowest tier guy and then the very last one through the curtain, if they are walking down in a row, will be the leader, Naito or Okada if it's chaos or whatever. So uh, that's the way that they they normally do these intros here. And with this one, I just noticed that it was, uh, it was, what's his name? Freaking Bushi. Bushi. And he came out and it was his music playing. But I never thought about if you're in a stable, like, and you're not the leader, but you have a title and the leader doesn't, you're, you might, at that point, you're considered like a higher tier. You know what I mean? Like in the, uh, in the rankings. It almost so, seems like the leader gives you the honor and then, oh. You think so? So that's why, because I noticed Bushi's music played. And then there was more, even more focus. The finish was Bushi going over Master Wado with that MX Bushi, which is basically, in my opinion, an avalanche codebreaker. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, and then, you know, his music plays there. And then afterwards, it's like this cool, 
sort of a standoff that they do where like all the champions and future challengers going into 2021 are sort of standing there you're looking across at uh trying to remember all of the different pairings that we had here like obviously you had the main one you had sonata looking across at uh kode ibushi you had uh who else was in here you had tanahashi who he didn't have a match so he was challenged by uh i believe it was bushi wasn't it was it bushi time I'm, I'm getting mixed up with who challenged who there i feel so like it was bushi but the point is different people from these stables that are going into the feuds of the following year they're all standing there and they're facing each other and what was cool about this was it was this powerful moment where you now knew where everyone stood and who how everyone felt and no one said anything you know, no one needed to say a word. And it's not like they don't do promos, but this moment of these two stables and like the champions having the belts and holding them and each person standing there with the challenger of who they're going after, like that just said a lot. And it was done in such a cool way that it, to me, like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, like, look at how cool that shit was. Like just that crazy moment. And automatically they don't treat their audience like they're stupid they don't insult their intelligence you didn't need somebody there telling you what was going on because it, they 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 wrote it in a way visually that makes your mind go imagine what's going to happen this year what's it going to be like when these guys fight who's going to win these feuds all those things happen because of the way that they ended the last few moments of new year dash appropriately named new year dash with intentional double exclamation points at the name of the name they do that shit on purpose if you go and look it up on Wikipedia or anywhere, Google, the New Year Dash always has the two exclamation points. It's not just there because they're saying it that way that time. That's part of the title. It has two exclamation points at the end. The official title is New Year's Dash, double exclamation points. They mean that shit. It's to start the new year. And I think they did a really good job and they made it exciting. So excellent job, New Japan. Good oh, stuff. Yeah. Always. All right. Super overtime. I can't stand going into super overtime. But now we're going to talk about... uh back here in america what's happening there's probably the final countdown i don't know what else to say and we really we really many other places you go with that yeah george popcorn up because it's time to talk about impact a little bit it's gonna be up it's gonna be some bite size popcorn knows you can eat that just slow and you know us the only time that we ever talk about impact is when it's time to talk about uh willie mack and uh moose I kid, of course. So Kenny Omega is back at Impact, and he is there with his Impact wrestling family. I guess this is going to be an ongoing thing, right? <laughs> they must be adopted. Mm. Oh, Good God! Oh, come on, guys, you're God. embarrassing. Look me. at the size of two hands. It's impressive. It's impressive. It's impressive. Look at this. Well polished. You mind if I get a hand on there? Oh, yeah. 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 You, you, you put one. I'll put one. Oh, yeah. It's all touching. Yeah. I love you, Wait, wait. Am I the only one here without a title belt? I feel like we should get me a belt. Come on, You pretty much came out of the womb with a belt. The golden sheik and the golden brother. I love it. Never did the job either. You know what, guys? Happy New Year, but we really got to get down a little bit of business. Hard to Kill is coming up January the 16th. Yeah. It's the matchup the wrestling world is talking about. The yeah. world is talking about it. It's Rich Swan, the Impact World Champion. Motor us. City Machine Guns, one of the greatest tag teams in history, against the Good Brothers. And the real world champion, Kenny, by God, Omega, the AEW World Champion. Guys, this is that a six-man to end all six-men. Oh, we got to win it. The we world is buzzing. This is easy. We got to win it. 
The world is talking about it, but really, they know what the conclusion is. It's a foregone conclusion. Talk to him, Kenny. We've teamed up all around the world. Yeah. We've even shown the Bullet Club experience. There's no beating us three, and there's no beating us combination of us four with you watching us, with you formulating the game plan, mm-hmm. with the gunner, with Big Gallows, with Kenny Omega, mm-hmm. all three of us holding gold, taking on, sure, legendary Motor City machine guns. Sure, Impact champion, Rich Swan. But is there any chemistry there, folks? Do they no, travel up and down like those this. long roads? Like no, this. there is no history there. There is no chemistry. There is nothing special. All you guys are fueled by is hate, passion, and jealousy because Ugh. we are the champions, my friend. I love when you talk I like this. that. And we're going to keep on fighting, possibly, it's possibly until the end. I love you. And you guys may be a team for now, but yeah. us here, we are family and we are a bullet club. Tell him, tell him, tell him for life. Oh, I love hearing that again. Love your glasses, your hair, your golden yeah. gimmick. Maybe yeah, I could have Rich's belt too. later, and then I could have one no, too. Man, I like that. It's not going to be this big, but it's going to be shiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna shine it up. Jerks. <laughs> Is it bad that I forgot Rich won was champion? And now I can't stop forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> like damn, unbelievable, man. Oh, y'all fuckers better be lucky. Kenny Omega's generous. What did George say? I, I don't even know. Shiny, shiny ninja, ninja twins. twins. Oh, said. Oh, oh, okay. You must be talking about machine guns. Okay, I was like, what? What? But Destin brings up uh, Rich Swan. Speaking of, because he's involved in this angle a bit, isn't he? Did you watch this? Or you just are depending on the show at this point, so you don't have to suffer. Oh yeah, that's the only reason I'll deal with this shit anymore. Oh, so you're just this is your impact experience right now. It's not like before yes. where it's like <laughs> me too. Me too. When, I a, man, seen any when of this. a man gets shot on live TV, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> this is me watching for the first time with you, then it's it's exciting now. Nobody knows. This shit was a shoot. I ain't suffering through this shit anymore. What do we got going on here? What's this one? Man, we've been over this before. You gotta be on the list oh, to make it out. List, the list? Yeah, Listen you've done list. a list. Do this, boys! Fancy? Oh, yeah. They think they damn fancy? Huh? Y'all up in here? Huh? Y'all Come on out! Come on out! We're waiting, huh? huh? We're waiting for you! Come on! Come on! Of course, of course. He should have been stopping and being like, can you handle this? Can you handle this? <laughs> Stop punching him on the ground. Yeah, right. Can you handle this? <laughs> and what's WWE going to do? What are they going to do? Not, not to punch somebody and say, can you handle this? They're not watching anyway. They won't know. Yeah, they have no idea. They don't even know what any of this is. They're busy playing cyberpunk. Yeah, you don't get to call him Kenny. He's the cleaner to you. You gotta have a crowd to call him Kenny. (laughs) Damn. See you boys at the paper, huh? Yeah, see you on paper. See you boys at the paper. See you at the paper. Go to the bus. Bus me. Uh, My nipples are hard. He's gonna beat you all night long. (laughs) All night. All night long. All night. 
all night long. All night long. Oh boy. Very nice. I'm blacking out. I'm blacking out. I'm blacking out. What the fuck? See you later, alligator. Harsh. Well, yeah, that happened. He whipped his ass. What else is new? I'm going to share that on social media for all of you podcast people. One way or another, they've been whooping their ass since day one. So. Oh, totally. Oh, man. Lots of stuff here, man. I got to admit, our programs, even when they're small, they're large, right? Jesus Christ, that shit, I'm telling you. Yeah. Our reputation's starting to precede us, so thank you for that, all the new viewers. Like, our numbers on iTunes and all the climb. I can't talk about that right now because we're late. But anyway, other highlight of Impact was apparently we once again get Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone. Oh, God. This is just a thing, right? Like, it's forever. Remember when we, when we were like saying, when we were asking if this was going to be like a, a permanent thing, like we're like, are we going to be doing this every single week? And you were like, looks like it. And now it is. <sighs> Happy New Year, everyone. The following announcement is paid for by All Elite Wrestling. And here's the owner of AEW, Mr. Tony Gone. Thank you, Mr. Shivani. Tony, how was your Christmas? Tony, it was great. How was yours, buddy? I had a great Christmas. Thanks for asking, buddy. And since it's the holiday season, we're here to help the less fortunate. I'm talking, of course, about Impact Wrestling via these paid ads. And speaking of wrestling, <laughs> tomorrow night on TNT, we that got the savage. biggest night, the biggest celebration, the biggest card. <laughs> I'm well. talking about night one, a New Year's smash, a two-week celebration to ring in 2021 the right way. Tony, why don't you tell them a little bit about this huge card tomorrow night live on TNT. Tony, tomorrow night live on TNT, what a lineup. Special guest Snoop Dogg will be in the house for New Year's Smash. Wardlow will go one-on-one against Jake Hager, a match we've been waiting to see for quite a while. How about the AEW Women's Championship? Sheeta will defend against the mysterious Abaddon. In a gigantic eight-man tag team match, the Young Bucks, the AEW World Tag Team Champions, team with SCU to take on TH2 and the young duo of the acclaimed. We will have the weigh-in for the TNT title match that will take place in night two of New Year's Smash between Darby Allen and Brian Cage. Sting will appear live in the first night of New Year's Smash. That will be all tomorrow night. We will see the return of John Moxley for the first time since he was robbed of the AEW title by the Winnipeg Mafia. John Moxley will be at Dynamite Live tomorrow night. The former TNT champion, the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes, goes one-on-one against sensational Matt Seidel. In what could be one of the best matches of the year, AEW World Champion Kenny Omega with Don Callis will take on Ray Phoenix of the Death Triangle. Kenny and Don, my friends, you're in for a long night at the office because Ray Phoenix is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And tomorrow night, he may become the new AEW World Champion live at New Year's Smash on TNT, AEW Dynamite. And speaking of AEW, Don, I heard you say that you're partially responsible for the creation of AEW. Yeah, all I did was provide the funding, the resources, the TV relationships, negotiate the deal, book the shows, Hire the talent. The only thing I can't do, Don, is the wrestling. I'll never be able to do that. Kenny Omega is one of the two greatest wrestlers in the world, along with John Moxley, who's going to be back tomorrow night. And let me tell you something, Don. You do nothing for the wrestling business. You're a parasite on this business. 
Meanwhile, I'm a patron. I'm a patron of wrestling. I provide for the wrestling business. Like these ads. Like these ads I buy on your show. In fact, Don, I'll be back next week. I'm going to buy another ad because I got a $100 bill for my grandmother in a Christmas card. And you know what? I feel like blowing it on something fun. So see you next week, Impact. And see you tomorrow night on TNT for New Year's Smash Night 1 where we're going to see John Moxley and we might see a new world champion. Happy New Year. That's dude's using Christmas money on you. You know what I've realized? What's that? The past like two or three weeks. What's that? We don't cover Impact. We cover AEW featuring Impact. <laughs> I like that it's not Impact featuring AEW, even though it's their show. Let's be real. It, 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 Impact is, is just, at this point, the perpetual feature. <laughs> like, you know, because it's the only thing that's happened right on that show that matters is that the AEW world champion. And the president of AEW and one of the commentary guys on AEW is there. Yeah. All right. We're not going to take too long, guys, reviewing this stuff. I want to wrap up soon, but I'm just going to quickly just go over stuff with the Wednesday Night Warfare that we have here. Nick Jackson, he's in a match. It's a tag team match, right? It's Nick Nick and Matt against Jack Evans and Angelico. Yeah, Nick, Nick and, uh, Jack. Also, and uh, SCU against Hybrid yeah. 2 and the Acclaim. Right, right. And uh, Nick Jackson's about to put the stamp on the Melsa driver with Jack Evans being the victim when he notices Angelico on the, on the, um, when those rapper dudes on the outside, the acclaimed. Uh, so he dives on them and instead Daniels hits the top rope and he transitions into the best Melsa ever with Matt, which is interesting because the best Melsa ever is the move that Kazarian and, uh, Christopher Daniels use. It's so, it's almost like a imitation Melsa driver because the difference yeah. being, uh, Daniels, Instead of a 450, it's the BME. Right, because Daniels hits the best moonsault ever off the top turnbuckle. So while while Kaz has them in tombstone position, Daniels hits the moonsault, drives them down. Thus, the word best Melser ever. And uh, it's interesting because kind of this a time, cool deal to see that. Yeah. yeah, this time you get Nick Jackson who hits it. You know, who 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 basically goes after uh, Evans, and then uh, Daniels with the Melser with Matt. So very cool here. And uh. What else? We had John Moxley promo. My favorite part of the promo is when he says what to do. He was like, nah, what to do with Kenny Omega? And that guy, he's hanging around and looks like a used car salesman. <laughs> she was terrible. Like, he doesn't even know who the hell that is. <laughs> I like that, that part of the, uh, the promo. Uh, what else? They were using Rusev with Chucky e. T. They were doing the young boy angle where, like, Rusev keeps calling him a young boy. And then... um. Chucky signed up basically tell me he's like I happen to wrestle in New Japan and I know what a young boy is and blah 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 and then it basically becomes Rusev saying that uh if he beats him next week Chucky T is going to become his young boy now that being said Trent's going to be out of action for four to five months because he has a partially torn pec he doesn't require surgery but he requires time off so it's possible that they decide to do a young boy angle for the next four to five months and then when Trent comes back he comes and saves him yeah I mean hey it, it, it works because it keeps Chucky on TV. We've already established at this point because Orange Cassidy can do his own thing and be fine. But it at least keeps Chucky doing something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We get Hager versus Wardlow. Interesting match, of course. During the break, you hear you hear them discuss. Uh, which I, I I caught the fight TV version of this, which it has. Uh, during the commercials, it doesn't go picture in picture. You still hear commentary during the break. You heard them discussing how Jericho 
work stiff and then him going it means i'm tough i make it real <laughs> which i thought was like hilarious, <laughs> I just, commentary is hilarious. It's yeah it's funny because you normally on tnt i don't think they would use stuff like working stiff or shit like that you know what i mean or i make it real so i just thought it was funny they were casually talking there i'll finish being wardlow going over with the f10 Afterward, Hager's a little bit upset. The inner circle gets in the ring, and they kind of keep everybody cool. And the two guys fist bump afterwards, and I guess now the beef is squashed. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured this match was. They just need to just blow the steam off and just have at it one good time. It is possible. And then afterwards, you had a a little thing where MJF goes into a freaking war um Hager's locker room to check on him, and he kind of talks to him about things. And uh, Hager accepts it. He's kind of like, "You're cool." And then they have like a moment where, like, I guess they become friends. Yeah. Kind of just let let this is what it's always kind of seemed like to me. Like just let them. There's little frustrations here and there. Just let them fight it out, get the frustration out, and then boom, everybody's mm-hmm. good. So Snoop Dogg is hanging out with Private Party and another Matt Hardy. They're there for the contract signing. Matt signing a contract with Private Party. This is looking like it's what it's going to be a heel turn. Is he going to fuck them with this contract somehow? It's like a mentor thing or something like that. It's kind of pissing me off, though, if that's the direction that they go, because they started with something cool where you have Hardy sort of being the Michael Hayes to to, to them and their mentor, and they didn't even really fully do it. And now you're going to have the guy turn heel and fuck them. I just don't want that. I don't I'm just so I don't know. Maybe I'm just my age. I'm just exhausted from all this kind of shit. You know, like, could we have the angle first before we fuck them? Maybe maybe it's just me being optimistic with these guys. I see the potential there. I see the potential too, but that's why I don't want Matt Hardy to fuck them. You know, I don't want the story to be Matt Hardy fuck them. I want the story. You know what? It would be weird if if they're going if they're going this direction. What's that? There's an old story I heard. I'll tell you how throwback this was when the fucking Hardys came out with that dual DVD in WWE. There was a story that Matt told about a guy who had mentored them and basically screwed them over. Right. I you, all this is starting to wonder if that's where they got the idea from this was that story. It would be possible. weird, but at, but especially when I saw this this little thing right here, I started to think I wonder if Matt was thinking along the lines of that experience he and Jeff had cuz this was like in their early early days. And that's been kind of the whole premise of this gimmick is private parties in their early stages so they have a veteran coming to basically help them out. Yeah, I mean Maybe, but but again, it's it's just the angle. I'd like them to have been a team a little bit more. And if he turns on them, the focus will be Jeff Hardy screwing them, not them being an up and coming team. The focus is already that it hasn't even happened yet, you know. And if what you're saying is correct that they're trying to do, uh, something popular, you know, what I mean, they're trying to do like another popular thing. They, I get that and I appreciate the nostalgia, but sometimes they need to understand not to pander to nostalgia too much because it'll go over people's heads. An example I want to give you is Cody Rhodes was recently on the Talk is Jericho podcast. I don't have the audio, but I know that one of the things that he said, and we spoke about this, was when Brody Lee had that match with him where Brody Lee literally went in there and he, he killed Cody. Remember, he hits him with the clothesline, flips him over from his side, beats him, oh, yeah. the whole Dark Order lays everybody out. The whole reason that happened was because Cody wanted to redo Vader versus Antonio Inoki. And it's something that he's wanted to do for a while, but nobody had fit the profile. This is according to Cody Rhodes. And he said no one's done it and it would be really shocking. And uh, it, it gives the impression that anything can happen in wrestling. And he wants to constantly remind them of that. You know, and he's saying that Brody Lee being big, a super heavyweight, um, it would make sense that if he was to catch him, um, 
he would take him out. He said if he like he thinks the first movie caught him was a drop kick and that it would make all the sense in the world that he would that that could be a thing that I could be a piece that puts him out um, sort of like a liver shot and or a shot to the jaw, you know, so he wanted to sort of do it because, of you know, Vader versus Noki went similar way. And that's cool and everything when you want to do something. But sometimes people might just go, huh? Like, why did that happen? And like, I'm like, maybe it was just me, but no one who I spoke to went, oh, they did the old Antonio Inoki versus Vader. Are you kidding me? Sometimes just let these storylines develop organically. Don't do. Yeah, they don't do anything. Don't do like a, a, a thing that's deliberately forced to be like another thing. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from now. And, and apparently Cody then went on to say, he said, he didn't believe me when I told him this is going to be the easiest match you'll ever have. He didn't believe me when I was like, yeah, I, I don't want to do anything. A flurry of punches at the beginning. And, and I said, and that's it. I don't want to do anything. And he was all worried about it. And he said, well, I want to hook your leg. And he was like, don't even look at my leg. He was like, absolutely disrespectfully, absolutely own me, eat me alive. And then, and then Arn added, as Arn does, that he's a great finish man, the cherry on top, the moment with Anna at the very end, with Anna Brandy choking her out. He just thought that was a great way to end the show. And honestly, it's a weird thing to say, but only in the inside, in the inside baseball and in other interviews, he wouldn't give this answer. But in this space, he would absolutely say it's his favorite match in AEW. That's Cody's favorite match. And it's because it's something that was popular that he got to sort of do, you know. But again, it you got to be careful when you just want to do other matches. Yeah, but so far it's been working for him. <laughs> you know, the the vessel knew to stay the hell out of out of TNA. He got the fuck out of there when he had the chance. Dick's going to do what? Nah. Uh, so anyway, Snoop Dogg's there for this contract signing. The funny part is Matt Hardy, when he does a jab at WWE, he's like, I'm not a monster. All these third-party platforms, Twitch and all that, you still got that. You know, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that was great. Um, You got this shit with Sting. I'm not going over this again. I'm not going to put it on the screen either. Sting comes out and does nothing again. You see, man, this is what I was worried about. These guys come out. I don't know if you saw when I liked it on Twitter, that one picture that this guy shared. I don't know who I just liked it as I scroll past it, but it showed the team of Taz standing together looking on me. And it said something like, you expect me to believe that these fucking guys all ran because this 60 year old man had a baseball bat. And when you look at that picture, it really puts things in perspective. Whether you like that team or not, look at those motherfuckers. Can you imagine them running from a 60 year old man with the way that they look? You know what I mean? Like we're going, we're reaching, this is more nostalgia. We're reaching a little too deep into our nostalgia pocket when we're trying to put over wrestling, which the Young Bucks said, not me. I didn't say it should be this way. They're the ones who said this is going to resemble more of a sport. At their press conference by the pool, they said it's going to be more of a sport. Well, your muscular, big, athletic-looking motherfuckers all get chased off by an old man with a baseball bat in the sports world, not in the wrestling world. But this is disappointing because he's not even swinging it. Swing it and miss and clear them out of here or fucking something. It's so lazy at this point. It's just him walking around, man. It ain't working. It ain't working. Working better than some of the other shit I've seen, but I digress. But yeah, yeah. For not this over and over bubble, again. It's not working. Now it's just redundant. Cody Rhodes shows up with Snoop Dogg. He's having his match. Who was he? I don't even remember. Who the fuck was his match again? Yeah, wrestled Matt Sydal. Right, Matt Sydal. Right, and during this match, he accidentally punches Serpentico, who's out who's on the outside when he's swinging at Matt Sydal. Goes over with the crossroads, but then after Serpentico and his tag team partner Luther, um, both jump him because of the clearly mistaken punch. I don't know why. Shoot, somebody crack, somebody crack, somebody crack you in the heat in the moment. You ain't gonna think a mistake or not. I guess specifically so that we can have the very poorly done fucking Snoop Dogg splash. 
you can tell he ain't done that shit before. Because that's what we got out of this whole thing. You want a gift? You had a Snoop Dogg splash. That may sound exciting, but I assure you. <laughs> oh, no. It is not. That was one of them old man. <laughs> What's he doing in there? He's climbing the ropes. What is this guy doing? They're playing him off. What the hell is he doing? He's nine feet tall. He's up to move him closer. They're positioning Sir Pentacle. Get him, Snoop. What are you going to do? Go get him, What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Yeah, baby. Oh God, Snoop! No. Leave it to your cousin, Snoop. Leave it to your cousin. That is harsh. That looked really bad. I mean, they should have practiced. I don't know if they had time. Practice. I mean, he's not a wrestler, but then he, don't have them looked, do things like that. You, he looked like it was something he wanted to do, but just had never done it before. But they said that during this whole thing, he was the first one to the gym during the whole preparation for this. He's been really working hard. I'm just saying, I'm just telling you what I heard. You know. But uh, speaking of his cousin, so Sasha Banks tweets underneath the clip of this that I just shared. And she says, fam, with an exclamation point. We're going to have to work on this. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Don't you make me look bad. So <laughs> oh, Sasha's shit. definitely concerned. Um. Your ankles, cuz don't you do that shit. Just in case the spot itself looking like that didn't require any more external burial, we have good old Jericho on commentary. Last thing that I hear before Snoop Dogg takes flight is he's a human piece of spaghetti. Oh my god, that shit killed me. It happened when it happened, I missed the spot the first time around. I couldn't believe he said it. So that happened. Um Next, we have Abaddon against Hikaru Shida, who Shida's out there, but Abaddon comes straight for her at the top of the ramp during her entrance. She bites her under the ring. Shida still goes over with the Tamashi, and she's just holding her neck like if it's okay to have flesh ripped off of you as the fucking champion. Hey, adrenaline's a hell of a drug. Not very sports-like. Okay. Kenny Omega versus Phoenix, who, by Holy the way, I heard he shit. couldn't get the rights to his name being Phoenix. So, uh. I don't know what that's going to mean. Maybe it's going to be like the other one. He has to become, you know, Phoenix Elmilda or some shit. I don't know. You have to come up, I think it would have to be a whole new name because he's only ever been Ray Phoenix or Phoenix. Or... Yeah, because the other one became Penta El Cero Miero. So I figured this one become Phoenix Elmilda. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you can tell you just threw that one together. Why not? I'm kidding, though. For anyone that's not, it kind of means like Phoenix the shit, right? Isn't that what it means? Oh, that right? I wouldn't do that. Do that to him. I have heat, Phoenix heat. Oh man, but he did do a really cool moon soul German. What is what is that? I've never seen some shit like that in my life. No, tell me about it. Let Yo, the, the level this. of creativity Phoenix has is terrifying. Whether it be the stuff he does on the ropes, the dives to the outside, his finishers, stuff like that. Like when he did, I didn't know what he was doing. I think this is it here. Looking out the corner of his eye, Omega rolls through. Phoenix, though, double boots up, stops Omega in his tracks. Ray Phoenix off the middle rope. Lands it. Whoa! Oh, oh, my God! Bananas. Right on the head of the champion. Omega's in trouble. Whoa! Omega's home. That's like in the old SmackDown versus Raw games where you could create your own finisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was incredible. <laughs> what the hell was good that? stuff. At one point, Omega catches Phoenix out of a 450 into a Tiger Driver 98. I thought that was very solid. He does go over with the one-winged angel. Not going to stop that momentum here, but it was still definitely a good match. You guys have 
incredible matches every time they fight each other. Mm-hmm. If one of those pairings, I don't think they could have a bad match. Yep. After this match, Eddie Kingston and Friends. Is that the name of the stable? Eddie Kingston and Friends? Yeah, well, they have to call it Eddie, Eddie and his family, but yeah, close enough. Yeah. Um, they attack Penta. Kenny and Don Callis show up, going going for one more one-winged angel. Staying with that stable, John Moxley shows up with a barbed wire bat. Gallows and Anderson of Impact then show up. All hell literally breaks loose. I guess, should I run some of this on here? Probably, right? I mean, for the... For, for the moment that everybody in the rest of the world actually saw. Okay, let's jump ahead a little because I know this is this is a bit of a long freaking sequence here. We'll get past when Eddie Kingston and all these guys come out. Uh, all right. They don't work here. Do we not have any security? What is going on? They're taking on? over the show, these guys. And they've got Moxley up. They, they, no, not the. You know oh, the magic, the magic killer. Come on, it's the magic killer. Anderson and Gallows. Looking like a million bucks, tag team champions of Impact Wrestling. Don Callis, obviously their, their puppet master, hugging Kenny Omega. But what these two men have done to John Moxley is unforgivable. And can you bet your ass, Moxley's not going to forget it. I, I, I agree with you on that, JR. And nobody's coming to the aid of John Moxley. They Are they too intimidated to confront these men from Impact? That's what happens when you do what Moxley does. He wants to be a lone wolf. This is the ramifications of that. Right, let me jump ahead a little bit here. It is big and too mean. And everybody, the all of the baby faces come Ammonium. try to do a save here. The champions, they own this place tonight. For now. You made me flip the switch. You made me flip the switch. Who made him flip the he's switch? Moxley made him flip the switch. Oh, he was a nut already. Yeah, he's a nut that's the champion. He's your champion, Savani. Our champion, Jericho. That's right, yeah. Oh, Moxley. Moxley fighting back. Yeah, Big right watch. He's outnumbered. You better cut Moxley's head off yeah, like a really snake. Make he's going to keep coming him back. Up, huh? He is outnumbered and outgunned oh, here. Out. Here the card is Garrison, Pillman, all these... They were like people finally, like, finally, yeah, finally. Come on, young bucks. Well, look at this. They're trying to talk reason. They're trying to talk reason. Hold on a second. This is the first time these five have been in the same ring together in years. After terrorizing New Japan Pro Wrestling. He'll turn here, though, because the Young Bucks, again. were they legitimately trying to talk reason here? The Bucks trying to separate everybody, and right? Anderson. And uh, they're trying to calm they everything stand? down. Yeah, and then look. Trying to be a shield in front the of baby Kenny. faces grab Omega. Oh, and then the Bucks interfere and kick them. And Kenny Omega's looking at them. The they look at each other. Are they on the same page here? Are we seeing the band get back together? It certainly looks that way. It looks like, no, what it looks like is Matt and Nick have no idea what's going on. There's a lot of underlying stories involving this, this whole oh, image. This is it. huge. Look at this. They're going to do the, they're going to do the sign. This is massive. Look at this. Unbelievable. They're doing this the sign. They're doing that famous hand sign of the band. The band is together. Playing in the clubhouse. They're trying to. The they're, Dynamite. They're asking the Bucks to join. Oh, oh, my God. So there you go. They too sweet at the end of that. I guess it's a heel turn though officially for everybody here, right? Seems like it. Yeah. I feel like Anderson and Gals were just happy to be in front of a crowd for once, but I mean. Tamatanga tweets. He says, at this point, it's only Bullet Club when the Tongans are in it. Anything else is just guys that wish they were back in Bullet Club. I mean, 
you got to be fair here and be realistic. I know a lot of people mark out it's the Bullet Club and everything, but you know what? I do kind of find like the Tongans are underappreciated. They are the Bullet Club. Yeah, see, that's that's why I always say when it comes to the Tongans, when it over over in Japan, they, they might the have a manager or stuff. That's still Bullet Club. That was the originals. That's who that's who Fergal David Finn Balor started with. Those are the OGs. Like the you know only the only shred of the originals that this group has is Anderson because he started with Balor. But right. yeah, like it's kind of exactly. hard to have so, Bullet Club without the Tongans. And I get it. This is more known for that version of Bullet Club. They haven't called themselves Bullet Club, but they're doing a lot of Bullet Club stuff. And I know it's probably the most charismatic version of uh, Bullet Club. Uh, but yeah, I kind of feel like the Tongans are going to overlook. And I understand why, though, because unfortunately, everyone else in their Bullet Club right now is shite or, or either they're good wrestlers that don't belong or they look out of place. It's kind of heartbreaking to literally see the same thing happen that happened to the NWO happen again, just because it's such a historical piece of information that it's such an easy mistake to avoid doing with a stable that it's crazy to see it happen verbatim. Like anyone that didn't sit through the NWO every week, you don't even have to know. This is literally how it went. After a while, you would look at it and you wouldn't even recognize it. It would be like all the other people were gone that it started with. What originally was cool shirts where I remember, remember how cool the, and over those shirts were, man? There were people who weren't even into wrestling. They were just rocking NWO shirts because it was just a thing. It was just the branding was so fucking cool. That's how the Bullet Club became, man. And like it sort of has dithered out now because of the way that they have it. I'm watching the same thing. I'm watching a Bullet Club led by fucking Virgil and Stevie Ray, you know, all over again. And Jeff Jarrett coming in with slap nuts and fucking guitars. Like this is crazy. And I'm not talking about these guys. Obviously, I'm talking about what's in New Japan and, and why the Tongans uh, aren't getting the recognition they deserve. I wish that they'd all work together, all of these different companies. You know what I mean? I think that would be the best formula if Japan opens themselves up. I know we're in a pandemic, but when this is over, it will be within their best interest to uh, do something about it. Scott DeMore actually spoke recently uh, with Sports Illustrated. In regards to this crossover, which if you guys don't know, that is the head of impact right now. Uh, and he said that Kenny is a forward thinker and he doesn't think in the confines of traditional wrestling. It's the same with the Young Bucks and Tony Khan of AEW. They're all forward thinkers. And we're proud of what we're building at Impact Wrestling. Since Anthem came in, the goal has always been the long term. You can't do this in a day or a week or a month or a year. Incrementally, we've tried to get better brick by brick. So, yes, this is a chance for us to show off our talent. This isn't just a chance to see Kenny Omega. It's a chance to see Kenny Omega reunite with Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows. That's a Bullet Club reunion and you're putting them with Rich Swan, who is showing he can be a great world champion and one of the most iconic teams in wrestling, especially Impact Wrestling in the Motor City Machine Guns. They're a team that constantly gets overlooked for their contributions in the revolutionizing tag team wrestling and they're as homegrown for Impact as anyone. This is a match for wrestling fans. You get to watch these six men go at it in the ring. And I, you know what? I strongly agree with what he's saying that as a fan, I've always felt that the Motor City Machine Guns specifically are a team that whenever I saw them really were fantastic. I would look forward to it in ways where it was like if there was a pay-per-view and they were on the card, it was almost like the way you'd look at a Young Bucks match. Like, like I can't wait for that match. Like when that match starts, it would be like, this is going to be the match you're going to want to see. Like, I swear to you, like if you had a friend around who wasn't into wrestling and he happened to come in on an Impact pay-per-view and you knew there was going to be a Motor City match, you would tell him, you'll watch these guys. That's how fucking good they are. I've always felt that way way before this. They're excellent. So he's right in the sense that you're getting to see guys that can go against Bullet Club people and shit, you know? 
which is really cool. I'm not going to ever knock that. You know, it's like, you know, if you guys remember the 2014, 2015 version of me was the guy complaining that, uh, you know, people like Shelly and Sabin, not enough people know about them. I'm not going to complain now that we found a way for it to happen. You know, the only other way would have been for them to go to the WWE. I don't think you motherfuckers want that at this point. Right. Because that's what I was hearing for years. Back in the day, you guys used to be like, hopefully they show up there. And you know what? I'm glad they didn't. Because a lot of you told me, and I'll never forget this. I'm not going to mention names, but a lot of you even that still listen told me shit like Austin Aries would never be able to be in WWE. And Roderick Strong, I was told the same thing about. A lot of names that have come through there, I was told at the time, and it's understandable. They were barely pro CM Punk at the time. But I used to have faith. Even Bobby Roode was another one. I was told impossible. Granted, I was half right in the sense that these people haven't really shined, but they did show up there. What we've learned is that I'm right in the sense that it is possible. At the time, I don't know why it seemed there was an era we went through before this current era where it almost seemed like it was crossing to another world, going from Impact to WWE for some people. Like there's some people you guys swore you would never see them. You know what, man? In the last couple of years, we've seen more jumps than ever, than ever. It's almost practically crossover city. That being said, what we've learned from that harsh reality is that sometimes you get what you want and it sucks, which I also said when it started happening with Nakamura and people, I was like, fuck, I don't know if this is going to work. So I got worried. I don't want to see the machine guns. I don't know if they would know how to handle a Chris Sabin and an Alex Shelley. We already had Alex Shelley at one point, didn't we? And it almost felt like nothing happened. Yeah, the, for last year's Dusty Classic. They could have at least done time splitters with Kushida right there. There you go, tag team, which you need in your division. You have a Dusty Rhodes thing and all kinds of shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like there, there's not anything working out the way that it's supposed to with those kind of teams. So when you see people like Don Callis and Impact trying to do something cool, I'm not going to criticize Impact or them when it may, everything that they're doing makes sense. The only thing that they're guilty of doing is being Impact Wrestling and quite honestly having a shitty product and i mean shitty like they don't have good resources the ring and everything the the sound the whole product is bad the storyline the the whole product looks bad on television it's presented bad and as a fan who watches almost anything you're talking to someone who used to watch bingo hall wrestling i've gone to fwe events live i've watched almost all the pwgs it's difficult for me to watch even in this pandemic world it just feels like an underproduced product i'm not going to turn my nose i'll watch bootleg wrestling on vhs but this just feels underproduced, and that's really what they're guilty of. They have a very lackadaisical, lackluster roster, very, very lowly producing, but none of their ideas right now are things I disagree with. And look at the uh, look at the contrast. You got things that have great production, like WWE and the Thunderdome, and everything that they're fucking writing and presenting is bullshit with great graphics. It's like watching that movie, fucking ah, uh, what's that movie with the with the girls who are in the mental asylum and they all fight. Oh shit! You know what I'm talking every about. Every time you throw, I know the movie you're talking about, but every time you throw one of these movies at me, I never remember the fucking title. Has a stupid name too. You guys don't know which one I'm talking about. Oh shit! It's like watching something like that where all the effects are good, but the writing is shit. The name will come to me later. It's a movie. It has effects, sort of like uh, it's 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 shot sort of in the way that uh, Frank Miller stuff is shot. It, it, it'll hit us later. I know it will. Girl with, with a somebody sword, in the chat room samurai type something. shit a few years old but anyway my point being though the point that i'm making with that is that that's what wwe became uh it's very good in presentation but the product itself is really shit impact my problem is everything looks terrible everything's cheap the roster's lack lackluster a lot of that isn't really their fault though but their ideas are good this is a good idea are we going to continue to criticize even knowing that what they're doing made this possible 
their guys are here and creating this bullet club because they're trying to fucking do something and they're trying to keep everybody in mind. I want to support it. I, I'm not going to watch it right now because the product, again, as busy as we are putting this show together, the product is an eyesore. I will support I, it and I will continue to talk about it on here. But you guys know me. I'm objective. I'm not, I don't judge wrestling as far as uh, bias or fans towards whatever my favorite is. I go by being honest with you. And right now that product needs some fucking work. And it's good that they right did. now, right, right now, mm-hmm. the stuff we see with the Bullet Club is the only thing there. It needs to be more than that before I'm watching that shit again. Yeah. Uh, now, continuing with this comment from uh, from Scott Demore, he also goes on to say everyone is entitled to their position. Look, AEW built a great product in a very short period of time. Our hats are off to Tony Khan and his team. I've always believed that success in the wrestling business is like a rising tide, in that it leads to more success for everyone. I'm very happy we get to do some crossover stuff with them. Often in wrestling, the question is why would we work with someone else? This has put eyeballs on both companies. We're very appreciative, and we think it's added a buzz for both shows. The collaboration on the talent level creates the potential for a lot of fresh matchups we'll see where it goes next but it's a great time to be a wrestling fan and a great time to be in the wrestling business and he's right about that he's absolutely right you see what i'm saying they're making good points they're making strides whether they're big or small they have the right attitude you know that works in any business you know what i mean even if you look at us we're small potato it's just a podcast show but some of our best shit was when we would cross over with other people but the problem was people didn't share the same philosophy as destin and i where destin and i it's not really a big deal as as people that are doing this constantly. You don't feel slighted if you're not the focal point of what's going on after a while. So it was not really a big deal for us to try to have other people and other things going on. There weren't us because it's all about the more you get other people over and get other people noticed, the better it is for all of you. Then you have more people that are going to be part of your thing and more people that other people are going to listen to and people who like those voices, they're going to support and come listen for their favorites. So for him and for him and myself, it was never about uh, doing shows and stuff. It was never about, let's see how much Rick and Destin we could get out there. The moment we would get somebody who wants to be on the air, that's not lazy or an asshole. And uh, we would try to do our best to make the focal point them because we know that our demographic is likes a lot of round table type discussions uh, with a lot of personalities so we really had no problem with at the time you know we're going to give the focal point of everything to them you know and that's sort of the way things usually become the most successful and you're right Stacey Sucker Punch is the movie with the great special effects and action great production piece of shit writing it's the raw of movies you know but that's the way things have always worked if you look at the Avengers movies and the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's what made it cool it's the collaboration of these different characters coming together and that's quite frankly what made me a comic book fan i never walked into a comic book store looked at a shelf some people shop that way but i never looked at a shelf and saw the cover of something maybe sometimes but very rarely would i think this looks cool i'm just going to buy this with my money not knowing what the fuck's going on what happened to most people who read comics like I did is literally it, the, the characters would jump off the page. And what I mean by that is you could be reading Spider-Man. All of a sudden, Blade shows up or fucking Iron Fist shows up or Luke Cage because they're both somewhere in Hell's Kitchen fighting something. And then when that guy leaves on the bottom of the page, it says like to be continued in Luke Cage number two, to be continued in Ghost Rider number 14. And sometimes as a kid, I would go, where the fuck did he go? I want to find out what that guy was all about. And you pick up Blue Cage, you read it. Oh, shit. He also lives in Hell's Kitchen. He knows Peter. And, you know, this is his backstory. And then what next, next you know, oh, his, his best friend's Iron Fist. Where did he go? And that's what crossover was. Comics did it great because I found myself buying comic books 
about characters I knew nothing about because I knew that the people who I was following would be there. I knew that fucking Peter Parker was going to go to the X mansion or vice versa. And I wanted to see this. So then through that, I meet these characters. It was a brilliant marketing strategy. And before you know it, you have a universe of characters. And then people would ask, you know, how do you know these characters? How do I know they connect? And as you know what, the Marvel Cinematic Universe did a good job of giving the comic book experience to adults that didn't know. Because that's kind of how it played out. Not verbatim, but more or less the way that one movie would make you look at another and look at another. And then it would come full circle. Then you got to go back to the first movie, but it's not part two. It did that and it did a good job. But by the end, you're familiar enough with the world where if something happens, if someone steals a gem or a gauntlet from another galaxy, you've had enough briefing on all of these movies to know how fucking important that shit is. Someone who just watched that movie is not going to be freaking out when they see a snap the way that you are. And when, like, what happened, you have to explain to them layers of movies that you saw about how come this is such a fucking disaster. It takes a lot of work to make that, and it took that with movies, and it takes that with uh, comic books, and it takes that with wrestling. So, like, the point I'm making, because I know people are hard on impact, is that, yeah, these things are low budget and not working. But I'm seeing companies try really hard to give you guys that Marvel Cinematic Universe in wrestling. And all the pieces may not be coming together, but, man, am I seeing people work hard. And while you're criticizing them, on the other hand, you got fucking Goldberg and Adam Pierce, which. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to get to that shit. I can, but I have to. But that's the point I'm making. Like, I want to give them a little breathing room here, man. This is interesting shit. And it's at least doing something, you know, that's here for us to talk about. More than we can say about the other stuff that we kind of like to blow past. Like, give them a fucking chance, man. Let's see what happens. Everyone seems to have the best of intentions in doing this. Why are we going to shit all over it all the time, you know? If it needs shitting on, we will, though. Don't think that I'm beyond that. Yeah. That I, think, I think I'm just at a point with impact where I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my hopes up this time, but I'm sick of you fuckers letting me down. Yeah, like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm watching from the sidelines and, I, and I'm ready to be a fan again, but you gotta, you still have to fix it. You're not going to do it. You know how many times through the years of being an impact fan, I've heard that this is a new beginning, a new start. You know how many different tiers of management I've been through? Not writers, management yep. of the fresh people taking over. You know how many different versions of them have come to the ring and told us that this is a fresh start for impact, renamed the company, changed all the titles, changed the logo, changed the fucking amount new of stage. corners of the ring, changed the ropes, changed the location. You know how many different versions of impact I have been through, man? I need more and than for them to fucking tell so me that this time it. it'll be different. I'm sorry, but that's just where I am, you know? Right. And then we've been through all this, and then you have Johnny Bravo get shot. Yeah, that's so why I'm so tired. That's it's not a matter so of hard. impact haters, you know? I mean, shit, the first year we did this, we got people who hated me and hated Talk Brunch because we, we, we spoke just like this about it, speaking candidly. And it's like a lot of the prophecies that I said came to fruition, so you should really, in a sense, be, be happy. I said that when everybody thought that I was saying that everybody on that show... You all made it sound like I wanted the thing to die and that AJ Styles and Bobby Roode and all these guys are literally going to be standing out in the street with cans or with a mug out asking for fucking change. And it's going to be because people like us were negative on here and now they're homeless and shit. You made it sound like the weirdest worst case scenario. It's kind of like the way you guys imagine shit is the way it's written, like on a 30 minute episode of Family Guy. You know, and I'm telling you, and I, at the time I said, without knowing anything about Tony Khan, I said that I feel like if we could just knock them out of the way for a little bit, they'll be a strong number two. And that I don't know who that is, but I don't feel that with wrestling, with the way it's landscaped right now, that there's not going to be something else that's going to get a chance to come in and that all of those guys are going to have jobs and be even elevated further. I got to go find my audio of me saying that. I have a good memory of the shit I say, but I said this. And at the end of the day, it's, it happened. And even the impact wrestling is still here. And it's trying to be a part of a bigger picture. 
So I'm just defending them a little bit here to play devil's advocate. I know that the, there's holes in the way this thing is done, but good Lord, someone's trying something that's not the same shit that's literally feels like it's going to give me an aneurysm. Um, that being said, they do have a pay-per-view coming up. It's up to you guys if you want to watch it. I don't know if I'll watch it, but I'll go over the results next week. If I have time, which I always say I'm not going to watch and sometimes I'll just flip to their pay-per-views. Um, it's, it's on Access TV. No, 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 it's not on Access. That Access TV is where they have the right. I was going to say, please don't make me look bad after I just tried to put you oh, over. I... No, <laughs> this week on, this week on the show though, they did confirm the matches. It is on Access? God, I hate that. They're doing TV pay-per-views again. They're not pay. It's not pay-per-view like it's made out of paper and we view it. It's pay-per-view because you pay money per view. Why? That's how we came up with the name pay-per-view. You pay per view. If it's on access, I can't pay. It's more like watch per view, which was what we call television. That's not a pay per view. Which wouldn't make sense. Oh, no, the pay per view is on the app. Okay, okay good. I, because they used to do that shit with Destination would, America. I don't need that right now. Because I was just about to say, that would make even less sense because Hard to Kill it was a pay per view last year. And I'd like to hear their numbers because it's hard to sell pay per views in today's climate. But anyway, uh, we got the Knockouts Championship match of Taya Valkyrie against Diana Perrazzo. Deanna Peraza defending. Uh, triple threat match for the X Division Championship with Manic defending his title against Rohit Raju and Chris Bay. Who's Manic again? Who's this Manic? That is uh, the alt. I think this is, this is TJP again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Who's Tiger Mask right now? I know we already left, left fucking New Japan. Tiger Mask. Okay, like, I'm not even sure who's Tiger, Tiger Mask right missing. Now. I don't even know anymore, man. Jesus. Anyway, tournament finals. So many for, of them. Like, tournament finals for the Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championship with Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles against uh, Havoc and Navia. Nevia? Yeah, Nevia. Okay. Uh, the AW World Champion, Kenny Omega, and Impact World Tag Team Champions, the Good Brothers, Doug Gallows and Cal Anderson, going up against the Impact Champion, Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin, which is pretty much the reason everyone's going to be watching this. Actually, you know what? I just remembered. I have to watch this. Right. This is the Hard to Kill paper. I'm <laughs> saying I might watch it. I don't have a choice. This is where they're going to have the Bullet Club thing happen with the, with the whole thing. Yeah, I guess I'm in. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah, I'm watching this pay-per-view. At this point, we I have... forgot that that was the pay-per-view. Damn. Ah. All right, yeah, I'll be watching it. You got a barbed wire massacre match. Sammy Callahan against Eddie Edwards. Really, man? This is, like, insane. I'm not even talking See, about it. See, and there we go again. The, come on, end that feud, please. I beg you. See, we were just praising him. And end then we this. get to, which it's kind of funny. This, mm-hmm. It's a barbed wire massacre match. I believe this is only the fourth one in the company. And I remember how crazy it was the first one. Mm-hmm. And it's like every time I've seen it come back, the company's been in worse and worse shape. Yeah, this is January 16th, by the way. Guys, find out for me if that's a Saturday or a Sunday while we're, while we're scrolling through these matches just so we can plug this properly. Um, okay, next we got the old school rules match. Tommy Dreamer, Cousin Jake, and Rhino. This is Saturday. Okay, thank you, Stasis. Tommy Dreamer, Cousin Jake, and Rhino versus Eric Young, Joe Doring, and Cody, Cody Diener? I don't know what the fuck yeah this is. he's a guy who had been in tia he was what he like if you remember that bit where they did odb had like a competition about husband or something he was a guy who went nah, they brought him back recently at least there's a lot of time to just clean the house and shit while this is on i'm mainly here for the bullet club shit i'll watch certain things anyway so this is january 16th it's a saturday in nashville tennessee big surprise there um also they have ethan page versus karate man wasn't karate man his indie gimmick i don't even know like who's Karate Man? Am I am I confusing people or what am I? I didn't know there was wrong? a person. What the fuck that. is going on here? I'm not sure if I'm. I don't know, man. Ethan Page. See, you gotta be careful defending this. Karate company, Man. Shit like this happens. 
Maybe I'm thinking of something else. I kind of thought that they were the same guy. Am I thinking? Am I wrong? It might be somebody using it's his alter ego. I'm right then, because I remember he was Karate Man before he was an Impact. That was he was an Indy. So there's gonna be one old cinematic things where they have somehow the guy and he's gonna fight himself, man. I I guess next match. And that's at the bottom of no, that was the fucking main event. If this card's in order, God. So the Bullet Club stuff has to be the main event. Yeah, this has to be just a card out of order. There's no way in hell you're going off with Ethan Page versus Karate Man. The Kenny Omega shit with these guys fighting against the, the Motor City is what it is. What the fuck is going on here? You defended them. That's what's going on. No, because that's that's could be the, that might be the beginning. They might be like the Britt Baker. Oh God. Yeah. Mm. Oh my God. Yeah, we're gonna. I might just have to have somebody like Ghost watch me and tell me when the Kenny Omega match starts. Because you know, the full disclosure, man. I know you know, but the audience probably doesn't. This show is so much harder than when I started it six years ago because of the amount of wrestling and crossover. Getting all the news together, doing this program, getting the information is like you. Li- I literally would have needed the six years of training of doing this in order for it to be able to do it right now. And uh, I've watched like a lot of podcasts drop like flies lately. I've watched a lot of people, long term podcasts, longer than myself lose long-term co-hosts and have fallouts and no longer even be what they used to and uh so yeah it's, i'm i'm very grateful that we were even able to hold this boat down because man there's so much more than ever no one understands unless they get a behind the scene looks at how everything sort of changed and evolved uh anyway yeah, it's funny hearing that about that one of those matches now uh, the problem with that barbed wire massacre match is half the about at least 75 percent of the appeal was the reaction of the crowd Mm-hmm. How do you have a barbed wire massacre with no crowd? Yeah, they need to do something. I don't say they need a Thunderdome, but they need some people around they they need to take something. precautions. But that emptiness does not work. That was okay for the first. And again, it left. I, I just finished saying it left a bad taste in my mouth at WrestleMania. You know, where I won't go back and watch it. It's just it. It not only is it just that it sucks at visually but it's a reminder of just a shitty time you know what i mean it's not like i need to see drew mcintyre win the title so badly that i need to be reminded that the world was ending you know do something <laughs> do what AEW did for the first part of it just have some of the wrestlers out there yeah so this is uh this is post uh is this post dynamite yes this is post dynamite you mind you mind slowing down hey listen what you shocked the world again tonight <laughs> alex <laughs> wants a comment does it you know what we're feeling in a good mood give it to him give it give it straight from the horses so you didn't think we could follow what we did at winter is coming but then tonight what did we do kenny we got the band back together, we my blew God. We away everyone's expectations. We warned you guys the clues were there. Weren't you listening? We they told you we follow. were just getting started. They can't follow because we're next level consciousness. But what you got tonight, you didn't just get Kenny Omega beating Phoenix. You also got the Invisible Hand on Cows. You got the Good Brothers yeah. from Impact Wrestling showing up out of nowhere. No one thought that could happen. And then we got the Young Bucks coming out. We had a little family reunion. I think it's great. You know what? I feel really good. Let's give fight. back to the fans and the guys like Alex and other people that want to see us. You know what? World. Let's have an elite reunion. Are you recording right now? Let's have an elite reunion. I like what you're thinking. Kenny about. Omega, the AEW World Champion, with his two best friends, the World Tag <laughs> okay. Team Champions, in a six-man tag. I like the sound. Next week on Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. From the Invisible Land Dog Callus, it's booked. It's a great you, plan. It's a great plan. It's great. Let's get the band back together one more time. Wow, Elite so reunion. You and your two best friends, World Tag Team Champions, six-man tag. What do you think of that, Marvez? Well, you watch the Whoa, you've got a lot of questions. They're looking Don't spoil the kill. surprise. We got to go. We got to go. We're going to blow your mind again. Hey, hey, hey. 
I'm feeling really good right oh, now. you should be. Watch my personal driver burn some real motherfreaking Just rubber. Just make him earn his you money. Come it, on, kid. It. Let's get out of hey, here. you going to burn some rubber? Yeah, we're giving you a nice tip. Guys, 10 bucks Canadian. Hey, check this out. Check out my driver. Yeah. Over, Guys, can you tell me who you're fighting next week? What, what about the situation? Up, what about the situation with John Moxley? Okay. By the way, if you guys, anyone who's interested that Saturday, whether we're there or not, I don't know if I'll be there. But you can, you're welcome to the Twitch chat room. That's currently our public chat room as far as for communicating during shows. Um, the regulars who are in here for the podcast pretty much can hold the fort down. Want to hang out in there? Feel free. Whoever wants to jump in, that's how it used to be. Uh, you jump in for a pay-per-view, whether we're there or not. If you guys want to talk among the community, knock yourselves out. That might change in the future in the sense that uh, we are getting closer with our uh, our Facebook stuff. We're coming closer to doing Facebook. That doesn't mean I don't think I'm going to be leaving Twitch. I think this is going to stay up always as a platform for the casuals. I know it's harder to grow here because it's such a big world. There's so many people. But uh, Facebook's been really good to us. The community is growing very well there across everything. Uh, I've been doing cyberpunk streams. Those have been really good. You guys have actually been DMing me and contacting me and wanting more of that. So thank you. Um, Those streams have been really cool too. Watching them back. When you're listening, always hit that follow. Don't forget. Don't just hit the like. I see a lot of people hitting the like, but when you hit the follow, it definitely helps because if we ever do Facebook exclusive stuff, then you have the opportunity to check that stuff out too. It's not always going to just be on the podcast. You might not get notifications on the podcast if you're just doing podcast stuff. You know what I mean? Like if we're doing something exclusively for facebook you're not going to see a notification if you're an itunes person or anything else so always follow on facebook for the immediate time being it'll also give you insight to when we're going live and things that are going on stuff that we don't plan because right now our schedule is a little bit more of a wild card i'm doing most of the stuff i'm working on revitalizing the gaming branch it looks to me like it's going to be basically myself and stasis doing the gaming stuff around here and then we'll just pick a team of people that we'll do things with um, but yeah, if you haven't noticed already, we completely changed the content of that and even the games that are streamed. So, you know, just tune in for that kind of stuff. And yeah, whenever there's a show on, if you just want to come in here and see who's in here, talk, hang out for a few minutes, people pop up all the time. Uh, so yeah, next week on AEW, we have New Year's, AEW New Year's Smash Night 2. Believe it or not, that New Year's special is two nights. You've only seen night one. So, uh, yay. You know, you got shit like that to look forward to going into this. Um, I'm going to run over some of the cards that's happening with you guys for night two. Oh, we have it right here in front of us. You get uh, Darby Allen here, TNT Championship against Brian Cage. Of course, you got Taz out there. You're probably going to have more Sting fuckery. He'll walk them off the stage. You get Chuck Taylor with Orange Cassidy against Miro with Penelope Ford. That's the young boy match I told you about that's going to be coming up. Uh... You get Serena Deeb against Tay Conti for the NWA Women's World Championship. We still have the crossover there. So it's interesting to have that going on at the same time. Uh, oh, look, they get a little promo here. Let's see what the hell the promo is. That looks like for you. But don't get me wrong. I'm coming for that championship. Let me remind you. I'm a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. A black belt in judo. And I won't be by myself. That's right. She'll have me... And the Dark Order there to support her. The new NWA champion. Just have her join already. So then you get that match. So that'll be interesting. Obviously, she's not going over. They're going to keep it on Deeb. You have to take Conti when that championship. The Elite are doing something, which we already know. We just heard from Don Callis what that something is. 
you know, yeah, may as well call him the elite. You can't call him the Bullet Club. He got Jurassic Express against FTR. So that'll be solid. He got Pac against Eddie Kingston. So that rivalry continues between those two stables. They sort of split down the middle. You got uh, the Inner Circle giving their New Year's resolutions. So this is night two. And then you have the waiting room. Britt Baker with her guest being Cody Rhodes. And Reba. Of course, Reba. Can't have it without Reba. So that's what you have. New Year's. It's interesting that you have a New Year's special be two nights. But that was night one, just like New Japan had two nights. New Year's is only one night, but not for AEW. Uh, God, this is crazy. There's so much wrestling. So now we have NXT New Year's Evil, which was happening at the same time. It's kind of funny. If it hadn't been for that uh, Brody Lee thing happening, these two shows would have not had to compete against one another. But as fate would have it, the two New Year's specials wind up on the same Wednesday. Uh, I'm going to try to go quick here. They gave Dexter Loomis. You know what? You just made the list. For the follow. I saw you watching there, so I know you listened to my advice in regards to, yeah, we're going to have Facebook. You know what? You just made the list. Oh, no. Here we go. Couldn't think of a a worse time in the night uh, for me to open my big mouth in regards to that. Because, like I said, Facebook's always very busy as far as that goes. You know Um, what? You just made the list. Oh, no. Here we go. Thank you. Now I have to do Facebook exclusive stuff because uh, otherwise, you know, who knows what will happen there. Chip, you so know they, what? Oh, you just made the list. Oh, no. Oh, here we go. Oh, my God. The editing of having to get this uploaded, this big ass oh, file oh, no. that we're not even done with yet. <laughs> they had Karrion Cross go over Damian Priest. Yeah, with a Saito suplex and then interestingly enough, falling in with a running forearm to the back of the neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I was saying the Dexter Loomis thing, they gave him the smooth criminal intro because if you guys have watched Michael Jackson's smooth criminal, he goes into that empty place. He flips the coin. It goes into the jukebox and then all of a sudden lights come on. Everything comes to life. Except Dexter Loomis can't flip a coin across the sky like that, which they should have done it since they, they can tape everything now. But he turned the lights on and off and eventually turns on and boom, New Year's Evil comes on, which I like. I, I got to admit, I do like the gimmicky stuff of NXT. When they're gimmicky at some point, like they're Halloween Havoc, you know, the way they always have cool presentation. I like Loomis being there. Um, They had Karrion Cross go over Damian Priest, which is pretty lame. We're going to get into that in a little bit. I want to just run down the card before we talk about the obvious here. Um, I at least like the ending where Priest looks up defiantly and he says to him, bitch, before he gets taken out. Yeah. You know, good ending to the Damian Priest story. If that it's, is the last of him. Like the, it's kind of like the you won the match, but you didn't beat me type thing. Yeah. If that's the last of him in NXT. Uh, so be it. Uh, Grand Metallic looks like these guys are getting more love. He he's up against Santos Escobar. Obviously, the champion in this case retains. Uh, you get more Zia Lee shit here, but it actually has somewhat of a payoff because she's in action. Yeah, let me see if I could get a little bit of the the, uh, the Zia Lee stuff on the screen here. Give me a minute here. We're live, folks. So you know, and there's only one person that controlling this panel here so bear with me while i talk and control at the same time so yeah the zile shit happens here um yeah there we go you get to see the culmination of everything that's, that they've been trying to do with her so they have like a weird intro and shit now Yeah, 
Like, who is that? That's where this mystery man living anchor is. Looks like something from the ring, doesn't it? Looks like Archie Marvel from the Ruta. <laughs> Remember a couple of weeks ago when I was like, it's better not to beat him showing up back in wrestling and it's tougher in the shoulder and you were like, you know that's what it's going to be. Ah. And here we are with the shit on at four in the morning. She ruins it for me here and I'll show, I'll explain why in a minute. She power ranges too much here. Watch. Expect to start going. Who will come running to your side? Who will protect you from your fight? All of us are on your side. Like what the fuck? You know, like don't. Like you just went through torture and waterboarding and shit. I want, I want you darker. Don't hi at all. Be quiet. Music is cool. Oh, they should have used the dragon. The dragon should have flown by in the background. What a waste of a dragon. Anyway, she kills somebody in the match. I don't even know who the fuck that is. Written all over the body and face of Zia Lee. Yeah, that's dope. Look, he kicks the living shit out of this girl. Boom. Oh, that looked rough, man. That looked rough. Anyway, so that's what happened there. She looks good. I'm not going to lie. They did it good. I don't know who she's wrestling. That look at Rainbow Bright. Yeah, her name was uh, Katrina Cortez. Okay. Good job. I was going to call her Rainbow Bright. You saved her. (laughs) But the high eye kind of I was like, oh, ass kicking like that. Yeah, the Hayan kind of ruined it for me. Uh, okay, so we have uh, Regal announces Timothy Thatcher is injured. This is storyline to my understanding. No idea why we're doing injury storylines in an injury-prone brand, but sure, just in case you don't have enough. Uh, you get Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Gonzalez in a last woman standing holy shit match. Loved it. Uh, yeah, finished being a one-arm powerbomb off a set of steel steps through the stage. Now, what I found interesting about it is apparently Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez are close friends that go way back. There's even a point in the match where Raquel mockingly shows Rhea the tattoos that they have, the matching tattoos, apparently like Billy and Jimmy Lee of fucking Double Dragon. These two have matching tattoos and they've, they're bonded. They have a sisterhood. How the fuck didn't this come up before now? Matching tattoos and this crazy bond and shit. They have the twin dragon story and we made it all the way up to here before any of this came? You know how much better this would have been if they had mentioned that from the get-go? I'm just confused about how, like, I'm just so, so baffling to me when I heard that. It was like, what? There's a backstory like that to this? And, and we, it, it just kind of seemed like they were just two girls that happened to be in NXT. How in the world? I, you know, did we miss I, something? I, I feel like when you get this deep in, you just don't mention it at this point. Right? Like, um, from what we're hearing, that was the end of Rhea Ripley in NXT. Yeah, she's she's uh she's coming up after that. What a shame that that angle could have had more more drama to it with the fucking bond and the matching tattoos and all the shit that they didn't put in. And then they even they didn't even really say it like an emphasis. It was briefly mentioned during the match. Like you'd have to be listening directly to commentary. It pisses me off. I'm like, I had no idea. How fucking strange. Anyway, that would have made a lot more made sense because these two have been kicking the shit out of each other in this field. So wonderful to have that connection that now makes this whole thing even more emotionally fucking drawing. But too bad I didn't know until they decided to casually mention that shit as a, as a bullet the point. Last match of the oh, weird. and the last you match of I mean? Rhea's time in NXT. 
That's really bad, you know? And that's what I mean when I say that a lot of the time it's mentally exhausting. We're putting together this program and you have to pay attention to all of this stuff because if otherwise there's shit that just slips through the cracks, you know? I feel like one day I'll literally have an aneurysm from trying to gather all the information that they're just idling. They're like the equivocal to somebody who just spills their change all over the street. I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes trying to pick up coins. Anyway, all of the fucking booking aside, when it comes to the match, I love these two. You guys already know. I, As much as I've been enjoying women's wrestling, this is a different take on women's wrestling for me, and I'm enjoying this take better. I, I just want this right now. I want more big women who are doing crazy shit like this. It's wild and entertaining. Rhea handcuffs Gonzalez, and she winds up ripping off the railing with the handcuff attached like a monster. Um, I love how dominating... Um, she is you know I, I just she's like a final boss man there was a point and it's funny because they went into picture in picture and i've never had a better picture in picture experience in my life because it kind of added to the drama because there's all these usa commercials going on and the whole time in the picture in picture raquel is just fucking throwing her all over the place it's like the most oh. it's the most muted ass whipping i've ever seen she's power slamming her and just flinging her around while i'm hearing about geico and fucking domino's pizza it was nuts how she just went in for that whole fucking commercial break. I don't know. It felt more like a censorship than it was a commercial break. So that, you know, if any case there were any young eyes watching, wild as fuck. Puts Rhea oh through God. a table. Um, Yo, when she put her through that table, that poor girl landed kidneys on the edge of that table. There is some crazy... These two fighting... I don't know what to say, man. I don't even know what to say anymore. Nobody look at this. So this is her. She, look at how she sells, how she hits her, and how she sells this. Watch this. Now watch this hit here. Measuring Ripley up, look at the, up on the stage. And well, Ripley just got knocked off the, the stage. Nope. <laughs> Yo, holy shit! I'm gonna tell you something right now. I'm gonna tell you something right now. Can't nobody tell you that Rhea Ripley does not sell for you like a beast. That right? girl sold that shit like she didn't know where she was. Yeah, no, she really did. It is rough. Favorite, a, couple of my, a couple of my favorite things Rhea did this match. First of all, the suck it into the swanton off the top of the freaking locker through the table. That's interesting choice to have a suck it. You know? Well, look at I this here. I want, you, I want you guys to hear this sound here. Let's not forget right before the break. Our table got destroyed as Rhea Ripley got thrown through it and then buried under the rubble. Oh, no! Oh, my word. You Ripley see just driving inside. Yo, they, they have better street fights than the men to tag in and out. You know? <laughs> These two are you see why I love this girl. This was unbelievable. That's not that's how you send somebody off to the other shows. Because Rhea came out of this even though she lost, she gave that girl a fight. And then I love when freaking Dakota Kai's a relevant ass tries to get in and Rhea stuffed her in the locker like a high school bully. And the scary thing about the two of them is that as much as they're doing to each other, they don't look hurt, but everything around them does. Right. It looks like, look more fucked up it looks like someone should get the stretcher for the fucking performance center or wherever this is. You know? They look like they look like the aftermath of a firefight in the just Ripley, willing to destroy herself to destroy oh. Holy shit, man. Oh. <laughs> there was no disregard for anybody's body in this match. And then, of course, Dakota Kai comes in being a little bitch with a kendo stick. It definitely oh, adds to it. Which is cool. Like I like that she also, she also helps out with Rhea Ripley. You know what I mean? I don't want it to just be the China bodyguard thing. I mean, with, uh, yeah. with Raquel Gonzalez. But my favorite part is that she, uh, she stuffs Dakota Kai into a locker. She balls her up, clothes in the locker. The Leroy, I'm afraid of the dark. If you listen closely, <laughs> she's still screaming from that locker. <laughs> 
Leroy. Let me out of here, Leroy. <laughs> Leroy. <laughs> this isn't funny, Leroy. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> we got to go. We got to rock it out. We got to go. Ripley isolating Dakota Kai. First, she fucks her up at the locker room door. Look at that. See the pain etched on the face of Rick. You know, she stuffs her in. I look at it's a little locker, too. It's, it's designed for like, it's like a child's locker. Like, I just have to stuff her ass in there, man. That sucks. That's one way to neutralize your problem. Leroy! <laughs> when he didn't want, he didn't want Johnny to help him fight show enough. Oh my God. He locks him in the closet. <laughs> that was fucked up. That's what it is. She got the show enough. She got the Johnny treatment. Um, one bad bump. I'm surprised I haven't heard about this on the dirt sheets. Um, let me see if I can get this. Yeah, now table one, right? No, there was. She took that that Kurt Angle Shane McMahon suplex bump, dude. Oh yeah. And she slid down the wall that same way. Like that's not good. <sighs> that is a level of trust I don't know if I can have. In my I don't heart. know if that was supposed to go that way. Honestly, we're gonna look at it here. So that shit? Right into the LED board at the top of the That's crazy. Oh my One more time God, to let you guys look at that. I mean, we haven't heard anything really bad from knock on what she's okay. Especially going up to the main up. roster. Well, I mean, I guess it wasn't her when Gonzalez takes the bad bump. But look, oh my God, dude. Right into the LED board at the top of the stage. Shit. Anyway. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about her being hurt, so that girl must be the, those two girls are freaks of nature. Yeah, and like you said, that leads to the finish. Gonzalez one-handed powerbomb through the stage. She's the last woman standing. That writes Rhea Ripley out of the storyline. Uh, Good Lord. It's a long show. Shotzi uh, shoots on Austin Theory, uh, with a, literally shoots on him with like a fucking missile out of her tank, shoots yeah. him in the dick. Because that new tank is armed. Yeah, um, that way they don't fuck it up again. Uh, Kushida winds up teaming with Shotzi in a match. This is a match against... Uh, what do you call it? Who was it? It was it was uh Candice, I believe. Yeah, it, uh, it, it, it was Candice and Jai. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else happened? Again, I'm trying to breeze through this just to the important shit. Finn uh, Balor. After that, yeah, after that we had the main event. Finn Balor against Kyle O'Reilly. This was one yeah. workhorse of a match. At one point, Kyle even bites the fucking ropes for a rope break, and Finn winds up kicking the rope, shaking morale and and O'Reilly's mouth, hurting him. Um, because basically, uh, one of the things they play off of was the fact that O'Reilly's teeth had uh, been jacked up in the last match. So, yeah, and uh, I love how they finish this though because um Balor hits that liver kick again, but this time he gets him in a submission like an all uh, an abdominal stretch on the floor. Mm-hmm. So O'Reilly taps out, and it's cool because O'Reilly doesn't have time to recover from the liver kick from the liver kick like the last match. Right, exactly. Very well done here. Good storytelling here. NXT is solid when it comes to their wrestling. Um, they did reveal who the tag teams are that are going to be in the Dusty Rose Classic. And, uh, they said it's going to be 16 teams. Uh, so far we know it's going to be Jake Atlas and Isaiah Swerve Scott. The Way being Austin, Austin Theory and Johnny Gargano together. The Grizzled Young Veterans, James Drake and Zach Gibson. Everize, Chase Parker and Matt Martell. The Undisputed Era of Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. Legado de Fantasma of Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza, Brizango being obviously Fandango and Tyler Breeze, Imperiums, Martel Bartel and Fabian Eichner, as well as Drake Maverick and Killian Dane, Kurt Stallion and Austin Gray. And uh, the fun doesn't end there because Regal made an announcement 
that sort of changes the way for the first time ever the Dusty Rhodes Classic is going to work. Uh, which I believe I have that announcement right here. Hello, everyone. Starting next week, 205 Live will be joining with NXT to hold the first rounds of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. The winners will not only receive the coveted Dusty Cup, but they will also receive an NXT Tag Team Championship match. To all the teams involved, best of luck. So if you're watching the Dusty Rhodes Classic this time in order to keep up with it, you can't just watch NXT. You have to watch 205 Live because the Dusty Rhodes Classic is going to be spread across NXT and 205 Live. So... Yeah, but they also had uh, one more announcement involving uh, the Dusty Classic, if you remember this one. Uh, I don't. <laughs> there will be a women's Dusty, Cal- Dusty Classic Oh, I, I did hear about that. I didn't know that it was officially announced, but I did hear they're going to be doing a women's Dusty Road Classic, which they don't even have enough tag teams or anything. Start with having tag titles. I mean, they're, they're going to they're gonna have to build some. And I'm figuring the whoever wins is going to get a shot at the women's tag titles since they can go into any, any brand. So. Right. Well, this being said, AEW Dynamite did 662,000 viewers, 0.25 in the 18 to 49 demographic versus NXT 641,000 viewers with a 0.16 in the 18 to 49 demographic. Half the demographic, but the numbers are very close. AEW lost almost 300,000 viewers from their Brody Lee uh, celebration episode, which was at 977,000. So from 977,000 back down to 662,000, only about uh, 20,000 higher than this week's nxt so they dropped nxt stood about where they are unfortunately that to me is a bad sign nxt sort of stayed the way that they were the well, people that have been apparently watching... i didn't mm-hmm. i guess i was gonna say well unfortunately one of the reasons being because wednesday just happened to be the day all that bullshit was happening so that's part of it but at the same time there wasn't a drop in nxt it really unfortunately the way ratings go it looks to me like aew had things going on they boosted the ratings people came and saw them and none of the other stuff that was around that stuff none of the trimming interested them so now that the buzz behind those things is gone now you just have the people that you had before because 660 versus uh that last one was like 900 977,000 almost a million and part of it was they wanted to see the Brody Lee tribute so we have to also think about that last week people were mourning and they wanted to be a part of that so even other wrestling companies were watching but unfortunately at the end of that at the end of Sting at the end of everything we're back to very close if anything AEW is dropping closer to NXT so if what you're saying is right about all the bullshit going on then we'll see if next week there's a rise especially when they have a night two of something that's yeah. considered special, whereas I believe NXT is not doing a New Year's Night 2. This is just a regular episode. So yeah. that might help them. Uh, now we're going to talk a little bit in regards to NXT. The, the Damian Priest apparently was supposed to be on SmackDown, which is the reason why he lost his match. Uh, yeah, apparently, was, um, what was it? He was supposed to be, I guess, a mystery best friend for Kevin Owens. Right. But Owens basically said it didn't make sense because they don't really have anything in common. Yeah. He said that, uh, that they don't want to, he doesn't want to, he doesn't have anything in common with Damian Priest, and it doesn't make sense right now for his character, Kevin Owens, to just suddenly have a best friend that he's in a tag team with. That was the plan for Damian Priest. So Kevin Owens nixed it. I guess he has some influence backstage, and that's why you didn't see him. So it's kind of bad, though, yet good, because on one hand, you have this guy who just got jobbed out on NXT because he was paying his dues while he leaves that brand to get a call-up. But then on the other hand, Kevin Owens saw it as a bad angle for him to be called up on. And he was, it was supposed to happen. Last minute, they didn't call him up. So now the million-dollar question becomes, what the fuck are you going to do? He's gone from NXT. I've heard he's supposed to be going to Raw. Oh, wonderful. 
because they'll know yeah. exactly what to do. You know what? At the end of the day, as much as Kevin Owens had good intentions, I think he would have been in better hands as a fucking Kevin Owens' best friend than on Raw. Makes sense or not, you know? Yeah, you ain't wrong about that. Yeah, so Damien Priest, it's a shame it's delicate. Apparently also uh, we're hearing that there was an agreement that had been broken in regards to this because Dave Meltzer said that uh, it was supposed to be that nobody moves to NXT from the main roster unless it's been planned for months in advance. And uh, they planned this like thursday before friday and then after they called them up they decided like not to do it so i don't know man i don't understand this is what i mean like these these are important fucking decisions for people to just be doing things like that way you know what i mean but then again this is a company that constantly backs out their own decisions so i'm not even surprised i'm i'm tired of them taking jabs and saying shit like uh you know the podcasters like us and reviewers and reporters aren't in WWE. We're not part of that bubble, so we don't understand when a lot of the stuff just applies to basic fucking common sense. You know, you're dealing with people's careers and lives. Whether I'm in the desk in the office, nonetheless, the outcomes are being publicly f- acknowledged. So because I'm not in there when you're making these decisions, doesn't mean I can't see the decisions. That's an ignorant way to try to, and that's a poor excuse too. Like I don't understand since I don't fully understand the the infrastructure of what you're doing then even when I see you doing stupid things, I might be wrong about it. Is that the implication? Doesn't make sense to me, you know, because this is sloppy. And Damien Priest is an acid for him to be in oblivion like this because you guys made a booble, you know? Like, talk about not knowing what to do. It's it's just the attitude, I think. If the attitude of this company was dealt with better, I don't think that they'd get the backlash that they do. You know, just to give an example, I know we're running late, but recently Bruce Pritchard, I guess he did a podcast or something on the WWE Network. He did like yeah, some I- sort of a, uh, what was he on? I'm trying to find out here. Something besides his other little shitty podcast, I guess. He was on a WWE Network podcast. That's all I'm seeing here. Oh, he was on one of the Sam Roberts podcast. And apparently during it, he came off as arrogant, entitled, all-knowing, thinking that he's smarter than the audience, that he can dictate to the audience instead of listening to what they want and presenting an, a product that they could support. He just kind of turned his nose up and acted like, you know, the audience are a bunch of idiots and he knows better than everybody else. And apparently even people in the company were fucking pissed off because they were amazed that the Bruce Pritchard that was on the WWE Network podcast didn't even rein himself in a little bit. And they said that if anything, he opened up more, which made them look really bad. Like, so there you go. The fucking Bruce Pritchard that Dustin's been criticized that we here exists didn't even like he was he was like i'm gonna watch this this is on the network on the sam podcast and even if it isn't i'm sure it's out there on the end if they try to pull it or edit it which you guys i know you're wondering why wrestlemania 24 got pulled from the network just on the side note as we're talking about it um i guess there was some legal thing was it Shaq or somebody had some music lawsuit with their company and i guess they pulled it maybe they're editing and putting it back up without that song of whoever someone had an intro on there and they want to have they don't want to be part of whatever happened to the music whatever the label was of the of the guest that they had on there. But uh yeah, Bruce Pritchard, you know, he's an example. This is a guy who he comes off as arrogant and condescending. I know I normally try to avoid his podcast to be honest with you, but hearing this, I want I want to actually go and listen to see what it was. Oh yeah, this will be the one time I actually acknowledge yeah. that piece of shit podcast, but yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see this. He's one of the few people that I generally avoid. I'm just not a fan as far as uh that kind of stuff goes. You know, but there you have it. We don't know what's happening. We don't know. They left Damien Priest and Paul Limbo because they had a shitty idea for him. And an angle that didn't need more people. Kevin Owens is fighting Roman Reigns. Honestly, right now, in that angle, as dark as it is, what the fuck would there be a best friend angle going on? And and he's right with Damien Priest of all people. He's had several best friends. What is it with them giving Kevin Owens best friends that are not his best friend? Right. You know? The one we've had is Sami Zayn. That's it. Yeah. And yeah, they're saying PW Inside Side is saying Rhea Ripley is being sent off. Uh, you know, so that... uh. 
that's what you were seeing there as far as her. So we're probably going to see her. I'm assuming on SmackDown because we didn't see her tonight. For sake, I hope it's SmackDown. Or oh, the next SmackDown. All right. Anyway, holy shit. Super late one. That's how much wrestling they're stuffing us with. SmackDown. I'm going over quick bullet points. Roman Reigns is entourage. Roman Reigns is entourage. Bullies the shit out of Adam Pierce. Then just sort of leaves him. They totally Joe Pesci him. You know, they give him the good fellas, you know, once over here. Uh, Big E has a match against Apollo Crews. Um, they do the old, did both men have their shoulders down for the pin sequence? Answer being yes, leading it to be a draw, but Cruz isn't having it. Slaps Big E, intimidating Big E, or angering Big E rather into restarting the match. Big E takes him to suplex hell, finishes with the big ending. Sonya Deville's reintroduced as an assistant general manager in a sense. I don't know why, I don't care why. Um, everyone's saying brand new me, brand new look, but it was just Sonya Deville, you know? Uh, I've never seen an outfit before, but to be fair, I never see any outfit that you wear. So, uh, Ziggler and Rude, they win the tag titles over the Street Profits. I cannot believe it. It is a spinebuster zigzag combination. And now the tag team is called the Dirty Dogs. D-A-W-G-S. They are the Dirty Dogs. And if you look at their t-shirts on SmackDown, they said Dirty Dogs. So I Which hope basically like- tells me Ziggler's about to resign. Yeah, Ziggler's going to sign a new contract, clearly, because so look at the what they gave him. Gave such a, a prestigious title. tag team with such a great name. The Dirty Dogs. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Can we just go back to them being Ziggler and Rude? No, I take it back. We don't need a team. Or or, or can we just break up this Island of Misfits tag team and give Bobby Rude his good music back? <sighs> Congratulations, guys. You are finally holding the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. How are we feeling? That's a loaded question. <laughs> I'm feeling absolutely glorious. How do you think we're feeling? We're the champs. We called our shot. We went out there tonight and we proved why we are the best at what we do. Not every single night, not every single week, not every single month, but every single year, every single time we walk out that curtain and down that aisle into that ring. Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode, SmackDown, Tag Team Champions. You got a question for me? How are you feeling? <laughs> I feel like you know that answer. Well, you were over there dancing, so... I was a little because I was enjoying myself. 23 hours a day, I am miserable thinking about the people, the superstars, who do whatever they want, when they want, and they don't back it up in that ring. But guess what? Two of us do, and he just laid it out plain and simple. You can set a bar. You can raise the bar. You, hell, you could be the bar! Yeah, we'll be dumb. Knock who's out. When you knock him out behind the scenes when you knock him out on the microphone when you knock him out in the ring and you knock it out of the park when the titles are on the line everybody needs to know what we do what we want when we want and better than anybody else who's the champion and uh he said it he said the thing right after that it's woo we're heading into wrestlemania he said dirty dogs are champ for a reason about uh a little 2021 Resolution. Oh, I love it. Maybe for the first time in history, the main event of WrestleMania, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Wouldn't surprise me. Will defend their titles on the grandest stage of them all in the main event. You in? Again, Shaq and Cardi B. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not even going into that this week. Sorry. I have other shit to do. Don't even know who that was before this. You know, I just know in every picture she's in, it looks like a different person. There's like several, is it Cardi A and C and D? And I'm just seeing different stories. With all, 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 all I'll tell you is apparently she's a grown ass woman who can't say, okay, right. So mm, interesting. Billy Kay wants to join the riot squad. 
because they have her displaced and she's crying and they don't want her there. She's not cool enough. They fuck that character up. Great. Uh, I'm more entertained about fucking Peyton. Gauntlet match. Don't care who was in it. But uh, Zane gives a speech about conspiracies and how he's going to beat everyone and then gets an instant 619 followed by the splash from Rey Mysterio. Uh, Nakamura basically is the one who winds up winning most of this. Puts on a performance of his fucking life. Excellent performance. But Adam Pierce uh, is put into this match because in the beginning when Reigns is intimidating him, this all comes full circle to him later on in the night saying that he put him into the gauntlet match. And Nakamura doesn't get a chance because the stable beats him up and they put Pierce on top of him with Pierce going over. Um, I don't know if that's a fucking baby face turn for Nakamura or if he was just being used as a tool there. We'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, that being said, SmackDown did 2.25 million viewers. Uh, 0.5 in the 18 to 49 demographic. Finally, we make it to Raw and we can get the hell out of here. With last week's Raw bringing 2.128 million viewers, which was a bit of a rise for them from the 1.769 million viewers that they did before. Shame they won't see that rise this week. Triple H opens the show. As you guys know, Drew McIntyre has COVID. He couldn't be there. Randy Orton interrupts him. Uh, Triple H was okay with Randy Orton's tactics in following getting the title, but he had a problem with him intimidating legends like Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair and so on. Uh, this leads to Randy Orton questioning Triple H's masculinity, saying Stephanie has his balls in his purse. Triple H decks him, agreeing to the match. Next, we have a bit of a backstory because Ric Flair tweets to Charlotte before Raw, saying, sorry, I messed up. It won't be the first time and probably won't be the last. A father, oh, sorry about that. A father and daughter's bond is unbreakable. Thank you for letting me come visit. And then Charlotte says, I can never stay mad at you. Love you as big as the sky, dad. So that was a touching little Twitter moment leading into Raw. Um, until Lacey Evans commented underneath it and said, now come give your stepmama some sugar. So automatically you knew some shit would happen on Raw once he saw that response and then that being said you have Charlotte versus Lacey with Ric Flair showing up at ringside in the middle of the match when his music hit I thought it was Lacey fucking around but he really is there and uh Ric Flair winds up sweeping Lacey um um Charlotte's foot on the rope well she he puts Lacey's foot on the rope during a cover first and then he sweeps Charlotte when she hits the ropes and Lacey goes over heel heel Ric Flair who thought I mean this guy's never too old to turn here uh Jackson Riker goes over Jeff Hardy, but then Jeff immediately challenges Elias and beats him. So it's weird because so the partner goes over, but he didn't. And then Elias screams at Riker for not helping him. Paper rocks. Which, is, which Jeff Hardy was a case of wrestling, wrestling twice uh, tonight because there's speculation that Drew is not the only one oh. that is going to be sick. Who else? So there were cases of, I know it was Jeff. Uh, we'll get into it later on. MVP, Riddle, and... Damn, I'm trying to get we'll, we'll we'll probably I'll probably see it at some point. Well, it couldn't but. be Riddle because we saw him tonight, right? No, Riddle Riddle wrestled Lashley and then MVP. Right, but that's what I'm saying. So we know that they're safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just there were certain Cedric we wasn't don't know, there. We, we don't know who the other people were, but so, for that reason, some people wrestled twice. Cedric wasn't there. Who else wasn't there? Ricochet wasn't Cedric there. Cedric wasn't there. Didn't see Shelton there. Shelton wasn't there. There there was a few people that weren't there, but so that's the reason we've been getting these double matches. Yeah, it was because you're we, right. we don't know who the people were, but because of that, there was a lot of cases of there was four I believe four cases of wrestlers wrestling twice. 
Yeah, because we did get double matches here. A lot of them. You're right. How did yep. I miss that? Because you're right. We get Keith Lee and Sheamus who go over Miz and Morrison, but then Sheamus tags himself in with a bro kick finish that angers Keith Lee. So that becomes a match. It was just weird because before they went to commercial, they were hugging everything. And at some point after the commercial, next thing you know, they're fighting. Yeah, that's why I was like, what happened? They, 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 they didn't even tell why. They didn't even tell what happened. So they it wasn't just, just me because they even asked Stasis. I looked at the screen. They, they had to finish and then they both hugged like they were cool. And then when it came back, they were just fucking fighting, right? Yeah. They never told exactly what happened man this is crazy because i did see that he disapproved of the tag but then it was cool right and even and barely even disapproved it was more like oh you motherfucker yeah how the fuck did that elevate to blows and then they hugged after the match he hugged and then all of a sudden we're back from our commercial break keith lee versus shame it was like wait like if you could like that was the only match where the transition to the second match there was no explanation yeah so this is another time do we have another person doing double duty uh T-Bar goes over Xavier Woods because you love retribution. And then Riddle fights Lashley. Lashley taps him out, but then Riddle challenges MVP. And Lashley gets him DQ because he spears him. Yeah, so this was just thrown out too. And then finally we get to Randy Orton versus Triple H in the fight. And it's funny because this is at like 10.54. And I jokingly, I'm sitting here with Stasis, and I jokingly... As Orton's coming out, I'm singing along with the song and I go, they show me things I'll do to you when I spend six minutes with you. They talk to me because it's six <laughs> fucking minutes. It's six fucking minutes. I'm like disappointed. I'm like the only thing I would have liked and I'm already like down on it because I'm like how and I'm watching the clock nervously. Like by the time everything's ready to start, it's like now 1055. I'm like, ah, it's not going to be whatever it is. Isn't going to be what I what I thought it could have been. And, of course, they have a bit of a brawl. Triple H goes for the sledgehammer, but the lights turn out. They turn back on. You get the fiend thing happening. Triple H's sledgehammer set on fire. Then he just suddenly disappears. Um, What else happens? Help me out here. Alexa Bliss uh, appears. Yeah, Bliss comes out, and she throws up one of her hands, and I guess it says burn, and she throws a fireball at him. Did she say burn? No, uh, it, burn was written on the glove. Gotcha. What did she say? She didn't say anything. She just she shot just a fireball, right? Up, she, she just held up the one hand and then poof. So funny. Cornette was recently talking about the skill and art of throwing a fireball and people not seeing the shit coming and not knowing how you do it and everything. And it's like, now they did a fireball gimmick, like literally right after. He I will give her credit, though. When it comes to fireball, I've never seen one that long distance. Because they did some sort of pre post-production shit there. That, that couldn't have been live. I have to watch it again. But they did some shit with that fireball. Is there a way for us to bring this fireball up? I should have had that prepared. Able. You know, but they did some shit there with the fireball. You guys saw it. Yeah, something about that camera cut. You could tell, like, there was a little bit of editing. Did wrestling? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Willie Wrestling Society has got shut down for that. But then again, that's because MV, that's because MTV doesn't like that shit. For a fucking fireball? Yeah. Uh, Judas Macias threw a fireball at Vampiro's face, and MV, MTV was like, nah. Bro, you know how long fireballs have been thrown in wrestling? Yeah, that Jim Cornette did that shit with the Midnight Express. Jim Cornette did it with the Midnight Express, dude. Was that on MTV? (laughs) But I'm just saying, it's just crazy that they like so far they're so out of touch that that would have been the deal breaker. MTV was like, no, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah, Stacey said they added some type of CGI. They did. I don't know, dude. Honestly, I was looking at our chat because we were talking at that moment because I just took for granted like a blitz and I just heard a blast and when I and I and the the, the sign because my, my TV's like 60 inches the fucking light illuminated and made me look up and when I looked up I just saw it on the floor I was like what the fuck happened because I'm not thinking fireball when I'm looking at Alexa Bliss so I, I just looked away from the screen and I heard and the sound of it that it made 
Oh, was oh, weird. Oh, you heard your hair was and like I said, because the TV's big, because the TV's big, it literally illuminated in my fucking direction. I looked up like, what happened? <laughs> fucking fireball. I give credit for that. I like that because that makes it even more. Can that's scary? I I never fuck with a girl who could do that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You were waiting here to play this little bit five minutes. Is this him leaving after the fireball? It can't be. Were they stupid enough to do that? Uh, yeah. No, they weren't, right? No, okay. I thought they were showing a video of afterwards him him leaving with the with the fireball. No, I found it. Give me a minute. I gotta put this on before we get out of here, just because it would be stupid for us to not right. get that last finishing touch. It's gonna be one of the longest episodes ever, but that's because there's like piles of wrestling here. There's so much shit. I guess becoming silly. There's the reason why we're become we're gonna become the last podcast standing, you know, and then I'm gonna change that to our logo. I'm starting to see knees buckle. Just saying. I know it's a hard world out there, folks. But we out here. Yeah, we are out here. We really are. And I rep- I appreciate the growth. It's been great. Like this has been the best. Five oh seven in the fucking morning. Yeah, yeah, we're out here. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of growth, so I appreciate it across all platforms. Just know that I know people have DM me recently and asked about money and donations. Honestly, you can help with growth just by interacting on social media, liking the stuff on Twitter, Facebook so on okay let me bring this up on the screen i just i just transferred it to the tron here because i didn't get a good look the first time around myself what's actually fucking how duke is this shit let me see this is five minutes that means they showed the whole damn match and everything else i gotta jump ahead oh wow so it's right here Jeez. You know what the bad part is? When I was watching it, it looked better. Damn. Oh my god, the old fireball man. What what world do we live in? This takes us a spirit gun. <laughs> spirit no, Randy gun. Orton's gonna have to go no, no, train no. so you know he that can was, see it. That was the drag that was the dragon of the darkness flame. Oh my god, so funny, man. This has been yeah, a busy week. Yeah, this has been a busy week. One of our busiest weeks ever in wrestling. As much as we used to plan specials and stuff, we do it less only because you honestly can no longer predict when these shows are going to be special. The world ended and came back to life broken and shit, you know, and now all the wrestling is all over the place. You honestly can't tell. Sometimes there, there are shows that are just special when you don't expect it. And I guess this is going to be one of them. I'm assuming that that is it, right? Yes, that is the end. Oh, my God wonderful all right well you guys know the drill not going to spend much more time here that being said thank you to all of you who hung out for this incredibly long episode where we covered everything we still cover everything i don't know that was our old reputation but we still have it now all of you in the chat room stasis dreams eb gamer bloodluster willie v2 violets the writing drill king quest 770 George with a Z, of course, my Impact Wrestling buddy over there. Sugar Shane, Relic, Silly Gnome, 225, Bible Thumps, all of you lurkers across the board. Several of you followers that I heard followed during Facebook, Facebook Watch. And of course, all of you that are listening across all of our podcatcher and podcast apps like iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, as well as the video feeds on TalkCrunch.com twitch.tv and facebook.com ladies and gentlemen you've been listening to talk brunch live episode 431 hosted by rick Dowry, aka captain brunch for myself and co-host destin frazier we're out of here we out here
Shut down.